Talking Heads from 1985, and she was. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. I am Todd Dandruff with Hellas. This is being broadcast live at 9 p.m. March 22nd, 2017. If you're listening in the archives, that is when it was recorded and broadcast live. We probably have a co-host tonight. He said he would be here. I know it's pretty late for him. In fact, it's already March 23rd where he is. Because he's on the East Coast in upstate New York. A lot of difficult weather there recently. Of course, I'm talking about Cal Watt, who's been our co-host pretty much for the year 2017. And, in fact, even the end of 2016. And I've very much appreciated his participation in the show. Because without him, I would have been alone many weeks. And he's done a great job. And there's been overwhelmingly positive reviews on his contributions to the show, including for my own girlfriend. Hopefully she doesn't like him too much, though. So before we get going, I want to tell you guys that there is no free roll tonight. There is no free roll because the No Fraud Online Poker Room is down. And you may say, well, why don't you just go put it up? It's your site. What do you mean it's down? Well, there's one part of Poker Fraud Alert that I do not run, administrate, or pay for. And that's the No Fraud Online Poker Room. It's run by a listener and forum member who goes by Belly Buster. And Belly Buster is a great guy. He is very generous with his time and his money for Poker Fraud Alert. And he's run the No Fraud Online Poker Room since it went up five years ago. But the only downside to this is that in the rare situation when there are technical difficulties and he's not available, such as when he's sleeping, which is probably what's going on right now because he's in the UK, then there's nothing I can do. I have no physical access to it. I can't connect to it. There's nothing I can do. He needs to reset it. So... The chat room is full of conspiracy theories because this week we're supposed to have a $200 free roll from C-Money. Uh, we also have $100 that was donated by JSTAT. Larry Laffer actually wanted to donate $100. And I appreciate all that. We just don't have a poker room to run it on tonight. And I, I messaged Belly Buster when I became aware of this like three hours ago. But he's probably just asleep. Keep in mind... Where he is, is eight hours later than where I am. So it's five in the morning in the UK. So it makes sense that he's sleeping. That's what I assume he's doing. He's probably unaware that the No Fraud Online Poker Room is down. So there's no free roll tonight. I apologize for that. It's not from being out of money. It's because we're out of Poker Room. Let's see if we can reach Cal Watt. Tried to call him before and he didn't answer. We'll try again. We have a light agenda tonight. We are mainly going to talk about the match that took place, the heads-up grudge match that took place on Sunday between Kate Hall and Mike Dentali. Because there's a lot of facets to it. We even did a live broadcast during that, which is not in the archives because it really isn't very good to listen to unless you have the visuals with it. And I mean, I guess you could have tried to sync it up. It's just not worth it, so... That was one of these things we just did live. But we're going to talk about it and analyze it tonight. And not just the play, but the whole dynamic. 
the table talk, the commentators, the broadcast itself, the way the whole thing was set up, and even some of the after-effect controversies that have sprung up. And there's a lot of confusion about it. There's a lot of confusion as to who put up the money, whether the players got paid, uh, what was the whole charity element. Some people are kind of confused by that. There's a lot of confusing stuff, a lot of misinformation out there. Fortunately, there's a listener to this show who listens every week, to my knowledge, Matt Glantz. And Matt was the one who put this whole thing together. So in this case, I have access directly to the person responsible. And I gave him some questions, and he gave me some answers. And I believe his answers. He's never known to be a liar. He's always been straightforward with me. So I'm going to tell you straight from Matt Glantz's mouth what he told me about some of these things where there's some questions. And you can pretty much take that to the bank. I don't believe uh, that he would ever give me false information, especially something like this. So I'm going to clear up the misconceptions. We'll talk about a lot of things having to do with that match. We have some other topics tonight that we will get to. But that's going to be the main topic that we do tonight on Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Uh, Let's see. Where's my agenda? I already lost the agenda. Here we are. Daniel Negreanu is back doing his rant videos. It's actually called The Rant. He did these years ago and then stopped for whatever reason. So he's back doing it, and in his return to The Rant, he had to take a shot at at Doug Polk, and in fact, respond to Doug Polk, because there have been rumors that Daniel Negreanu was the one responsible for getting Polk's videos taken down off YouTube. I play the law and order sound effect because it has to do with law because Polk got threatened by lawyers by the game show network. You better take things down or else. So there's been some rumors, which I've heard for some time. I just didn't repeat them because I, I don't like repeating rumor accusations and I didn't think Daniel deserved that. But now that Daniel is putting it out himself that such rumors exist, then now I can talk about it. So he actually defends himself there, and I'll play you that, and I'll give you my reaction, and hopefully Calwatt's reaction if we can reach him. Hopefully he hasn't fallen asleep. Australia has had its own Black Friday. Australia, you're not going to have any online poker there anymore. It is now illegal to play online poker. It's not quite as bad as our Black Friday, because uh, we are not dealing with a shutdown of sites so people can get their money. But online poker is essentially over. All of online gambling, in fact, is essentially over in Australia. I'll tell you a bit about what's going on there. There is a narrative out there that Democrats are for online gambling in the U.S. And Republicans are against it. And I've said for a long time that's not true. There are some Republicans who are against online gambling. There's more Republicans than Democrats against online gambling. But it's really not a partisan issue. There's people on both sides of the aisle who have different opinions within the same party. Well, there was a weird survey taken at the CPAC, 
which is a, a conservative conference, that shows that conservatives overwhelmingly hate the attempts by Sheldon Adelson to stop online gambling. So I'm going to tell you about that poll and whether you should trust it and what you should think about it. And is it really true that conservatives are not behind this? Finally, and we may come up with some other topics. You know, there's not many topics tonight. Just a slow week. Kev Math, a listener to this show, occasional poster on Poker Fraud Alert, but I think he listens to just about every one of these shows. Kev Math is returning as the go-to guy for information for the World Series of Poker this year. It's been officially announced that Kev Math is the WSOP czar. So he had this position last year. He did a great job. He was basically doing the job for free prior to last year. People just went to Kev Math if they wanted info on the World Series. He had more information than the employees, it seemed like. So the World Series smartly said, hey, you know what? He does such a good job voluntarily. Why don't we just hire him? So he's returning. So we'll talk a bit about that, and I'll tell you how you can use KevMath to your advantage during the World Series. Not as a strategical advantage. He's not going to help you win tournaments, but he'll help you understand the logistics regarding playing tournaments or registering and all that stuff. So that's what we have. Not all that much this week, but, you know, if stuff comes up, people call in, you never know. And I see San Omar says, Druff can discuss the baseball championship final in Dodger Stadium that'll occur in his lifetime. The last one, he's saying. He's trying to say the Dodgers will never have a World Series in my lifetime. And uh, if I want to see any championship at Dodger Stadium, I have to watch the, uh, <laughs> the, the one that they're about to have there, which uh, doesn't include them. He's, uh, he's from Boston. I, I think he's not even a Red Sox fan, but he hates the Dodgers. Anyway, welcome, Cal Watt. I'm glad that you are not in Dreamland. Oh, it was it was really close, Druff. It was really close. I I laid down, <laughs> and I was I I was seriously it was almost out. Oh wow! So and, so, in fact, you you might have woken me up. It's possible I drifted off. I oh know. wow! I think it it, show, it showed you were here on Skype. I was like, oh good, he's here, and then you didn't answer. I was like, uh oh. No, that was my phone. So I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I left it running from uh, that time that. Uh, Oh, you actually heard the show on your phone? No, I heard the Skype call come in on my phone. Oh, okay. So, and I think that might have woken me up. I was laying in bed, man. <laughs> it was really close. Wow. <laughs> Just barely got you there. I, I, I've i had this happen before where I'm about to fall asleep and something happens to wake me up. It was something that I'm happy I didn't miss. That I just uh, It's a matter of seconds whether I would have missed it or have been awake for it. Sometimes it's totally unrelated. Like, I'll have to go to the bathroom and then check my phone and get an email that I otherwise wouldn't have seen for many hours. So, I guess it's kind of like that. So, glad you're here. I know maybe you won't uh, last the whole show, but however long you last is good. That's what she said. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see I see. you haven't, uh, despite being tired, you haven't 
lost the ability to Well, when you give me softballs like that, I mean, come on. Okay, so we did, and I say we, I mean you and I, plus Scott from the East Coast for some time, did some analysis during the Kate Hall-Mike Dentali match. And uh, so we're going to talk about that tonight. I just want to quickly finish the intro. We have no free roll, so the no talk about that. But if you want to call the show, the number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. I have an old 70s rotary phone sitting on top of Mount Charleston, which forwards to me wherever I am. That phone number is 702-430-1808. It's a separate line into the show. 702-430-1808. No matter which number you call, make sure to show your caller ID or you won't get through. There's the call to listen line, which is very simply a number you can call to listen to the show from any phone in the world. Does not require a smartphone. Does not require a data plan. Does not require the internet. Does not require a computer. It's just a phone number you call, an old school phone number. You just call and listen. You you can't talk to me there. I mean, I guess you can, but I won't respond. I won't hear you. But you can call at any time. 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162. Very useful if you're driving in an area with poor reception, because it's much easier to listen on that than to try to pick up an internet stream of the show. And when we're not live, it will run reruns of our more than 220 shows that we've done in our five years of Poker Fraud Alert Radio. It'll just pick one at random, run it as if it's live, and then when that's over, it'll pick another one at random. And keep doing that over and over and over again until we come on live again the next time. So, Druff, as a, as a tech guy, I have mocked the call to listen line. I have said, Druff... You know, what are you doing with this ancient technology? What's the deal? And then I had that disaster happen to me <laughs> the other week. Yeah. And I was actually thinking about it. I'm like, that motherfucker, that actually would be useful this one time. <laughs> it, I, I find it, it has several uses. It's not just that, not just when you have trees go through your roof. It, it also can be useful, as I said, if you're driving, it's much easier to listen on that through a phone connection that only requires a, a very minimal signal than, than having to get an internet stream, which requires much more. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, the problem that we had here was not just, you know, whatever happened to my house. It was that things were just screwed up all over the place. Right. And, and, right? And, I mean, you know, things were just wasted everywhere. And we, we, we uh, tried to check into a hotel, and <clears throat> the guy, like, he couldn't let me check in because... Their internet was down, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he, this clearly is just like a clerk guy that works there. Like, he doesn't know how all this stuff works. And I think they, they finally got their internet back up. But then the machine that checks people in on the computer, like, it just it wasn't working. Yeah, right? it's amazing. Something wasn't connecting. So he couldn't even make me. He could not check me in. He couldn't make me a card. He couldn't do anything. Yeah, it's amazing how when the computers go anything. down these days, how it just paralyzes some of these businesses and ones you wouldn't expect couldn't function without uh, the internet. Or, or yeah. yeah, and I'm sitting there like I've had a shitty day. I got the wife, the kids, and two dogs packed in the car, you know, and I'm just looking at the guy. I'm like, the room's right over there. Yeah, just let me in. <laughs> I'm right here. Can can he just? I don't. I don't care. You know, just, like, let me in there. Yes, yeah, let you in and give you the key later. But, well, <laughs> but he couldn't even 
open the door, apparently. I oh, mean, really? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know what the deal Yeah, why wouldn't a master key work? That's strange. I, I don't know. You would think, like, the maid or someone would have a key that could get into that thing. Or, yeah. You know, I don't know. Maybe he's just shell-shocked and, you know, just didn't know how to deal with it. Weird. But he was trained, you know, this is how you do things. And he's like, it's, it's not working. And I'm like, well, dude, like, you know, please, just <laughs> let me in. We'll deal with everything later, yeah. you know. But I had to wait for a good half hour. It was not fun. Yeah. And, and you know, the call to listen line is also just easy. If you just, let's say when we're not on live, just you want to hear a rerun, just a random rerun, it just picks and it's running there. It's just so easy. You just call a phone number and it's right there. There's there's no streaming. There's no even pressing play. There's no clicks involved. It's just right there. And it, it's hard to describe. It's hard to describe how easy it is and how much easier it is than using a computer to listen or a smartphone to listen in, until you do it. You just call that number, 712-775-8162, and, and listen. It's that simple. So well, The biggest problem for me is I didn't have the number. Yeah, that that is probably... <laughs> you know? And I was like, well, okay, well, if I don't me. have the number, how do I then go on the internet to look up the number if I don't have the internet? Well, you could have texted me. I could have told you that. Well, true. True. So, anyway, that's, if you forget these numbers, it's very easy. Just go to the radio page on PokerFraudAlert.com, the radio tab there. They're all listed. I know they're not all that easy to remember. The chat room, you can go in there if you're listening live and chat with other people. Calwatt tries to read it during the show. I bet he'll be able to read it even better since there's no free roll tonight. And if you're listening in the archives, don't bother. There will be nobody chatting. And finally, if you want to hear the show in the archives, there are several ways to do it. You can download the MP3 directly from our server by clicking the mp3 button these are all off the uh, radio page of poker fraud alert uh, but you can also get it on itunes google play stitcher which is another app to listen to podcasts tune in yet another app to listen to podcasts and tune in can be used to listen to the live show and we even have an rss feed you can uh, directly access so all of that is from the radio page a lot of different ways to listen to the show. So, Drew, there are some rumors going around <clears throat> that the uh, this whole lack of a free roll this week is kind of the beginning of the uh, you know the unraveling of the pyramid scheme that is PFA Radio. <laughs> well, it is convenient that when I receive these large donations, that suddenly the free roll is canceled. That's what they're talking about. Yeah. They're talking about the fact that you know there's a shot. That uh, this radio is being conducted from a secret location with uh, Scott Tom or something well, like that. Well, see, this could be a situation where I've already spent the money and can't pay anyone. And that I, I'm i hoping to either win the money back at low limit, limit hold'em, and, and be able to pay people next week. Or maybe borrow it from my parents or something, but you know, maybe I just can't access the money right now. Well, I know I sent you 150 bucks. Yeah, and that's that's... Well, that was from last week, though. So. Oh, okay. But uh, there is 200. Well, still, that will help with the account deficit. Yeah, yeah. And there's 200 from this week. And then there's also, you know, from last week, JSTAT redonated 100 that he won. And Are these, like, phantom free roll deposit stuff going on here? Yeah, well, it could be. It could be there's no separate accounts. It could be that there's just no money to pay. And I may have asked Belly Buster as a favor to me to just uh, take it down and give me another week to get things right. You never know. I never thought I'd see the day, Drew. You never know. And I mean, I was I was actually reading some old threads on Poker Fraud Alert, and I saw Sanomar gave me kind of a compliment, saying that 
he can never tell from my demeanor on the show whether I've had a good week or a bad week playing poker. And that there must have been some terrible weeks in there, but he could never tell from the way I come on here. I just come on and act the same every time. And it's true. So, what, unfortunately, this also means is that if I have gone busto playing poker, you guys won't know. I, I could I could be broke, and I could be using the free roll money as the my case funds to live on, and this this could be explaining everything. You don't know. You won't find out until every week there's a delayed free roll. Well, I mean, we'll have some idea when the call to listen line gets shut down, you know, due to lack of funding. No, I, I, that's going to be the last thing to go down. I, 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 that'll I, be the last one standing? No, or the, yeah, the rotary I, phone turns into an Obama phone. That would be a good one, <laughs> too. Right? I, I won't take the call to listen line down until I'm actually malnourished. At that point, when I'm malnourished and the rest of my family is malnourished, at that point I'll have to make the decision to take it down. But that's it's going to stay up. I don't care if everybody's hungry. I don't care if uh, we have to sleep outside in a tent. Or in a homeless wow. shelter, it's that's going to stay up. That's some fucking dedication. Yeah, I I just love that thing. When I when I put it up, I was so proud of it, and I said, "This is I've always wanted this. I've always dreamed of this." And I just I can't take it away at this point. I don't care if Lyman makes fun of it. I don't care if Terrence Chan makes fun of it. He he did too. They, they, some people dream of uh, you know Swedish supermodels and threesomes, and you dream of the call to listen line. Yeah, I've, when I called radio shows as a kid. You know, I'd call into shows, and I'd, it wasn't a real call to listen line. But I would, act, while I'm waiting on hold to speak to the host of the radio show, I would hear the show, and I go, "This is so cool! I would love to be able to just do this. Like, I wish I could just. I wish they just had a number I could just call to listen without having to just be on hold to speak to someone." And I thought, "Wow, one day I'm going to have that." And now I do. Now, since November 2015, it took till I was 43 years old. But no, I, I get it. But I, I get it. I did. I did a book report on the uh, Galapagos Islands when I was in like fifth grade or something, and I always wanted to go there. And I finally went uh, went to the Galapagos and did some diving there and everything, and it was awesome. You know, it's I've, nice to realize those things that you dream about when you're younger. Now I want to go to the Galapagos. It's a nice trip. Yeah, I, I, I do want to. Go. I kind of forgot about them, but that would, that would be a nice place to go. Okay, so let's talk about the Mike. Dentali and Kate Hall match. This thing has so many facets to it. It's just never ending. And I think part of this is that when you involve Kate Hall in anything, it's it's never going to go smoothly. There's always going to be controversy. She's like a magnet to controversy, and a lot of it is her own doing. Kate Hall loves being part of drama. She loves attention. She's outspoken often when being outspoken isn't even appropriate. Or, wait, 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 Drift, did you say controversy? You may have heard it that way, and it may not be inaccurate, but I did not say <laughs> it. But uh, So, uh, when you involve Kate Hall, there, there's always going to be a lot of drama, and there is here. So, drama led to this match, drama led to this, the intrigue surrounding this match, and of course, drama followed this match. So, this took place on Sunday, March 19th. And as I mentioned before, Poker Fraud Alert listener and Poker Pro, Matt Glantz, put this together. He he works with Poker Night in America. I'm not exactly sure what his position is there, but he works with them and has for quite some time. So he was the one who put together this match to take place in the Sugar House Casino in Philadelphia on March 19th, supposedly at 3 p.m. Eastern, 
which is the way they announced it. I don't like announcing anything as Eastern because this is a West Coast BIOS show. But sure is. <laughs> but I will mention it this week as Eastern because that was the way they announced it. So it was supposed to start at 3 p.m. Eastern at the Sugar House Casino. Matt arranged the whole thing. They hyped it. They promoted it. It was streamed live on Twitch, and it is going to be on TV, I think, like CBS Sports or something, later on as a Poker Night in America episode. It was very anticipated by many people, especially those that followed the drama between Kate Hall and Mike Dentali. I don't want to go into all that, but Kate Hall and Mike Dentali are very, very opposite people. Uh, Kate Hall is a, uh, a smart, educated, yet uh, a somewhat arrogant and uh, attention whorish woman in her early 30s. A big-time uh, liberal social ju- social justice warrior who's very outspoken about that. She yeah, drew up my my buddy's got a term for women like that. It's not a very nice term, <laughs> and I'm not saying it necessarily applies to her. But he calls you know women like that. He calls them sophisticants. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, she she's attracted a lot of attention since coming onto the poker scene. I'd say about a year and a half ago is when she kind of showed up. I, I don't have the exact date, but some, somewhere around there. And very, very polarizing figure. A lot of people dislike her for her outspokenness, for the social justice warrior stuff, for the drama she creates, the fact that she really wants everyone to pay attention to her at every moment. So there's, that's Kate Hall. And then there's Mike Dentali, who a lot of people also don't like because he's the stereotypical muscle-bound, steroid-looking uh, bully at the table. The guy who sits at the table looks like he's going to tear your head off if you bad beat him or say the slightest thing to piss him off. And indeed, Mike Dentali has threatened physical harm against certain people, including World Series of Poker champion Joe McKeon. He threatened to drown him in the Bellagio Fountain, I think, last year. The last year or two years ago. So, uh, he's he looks and acts like the stereotypical steroid gym meathead and the type you usually don't like having at your poker table. So a lot of people also don't like Mike Dentali. So if you can put Ruff, this... Ruff, i got to take issue with one, one piece of that, though. What? <clears throat> After watching him play, he's <laughs> definitely the guy that you want at your poker table. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. At this point, I don't think I'd object. So, yeah. so the two of them, you can imagine how someone like Kate and someone like Mike would get along. And they they already had some history. I don't even know what the history was, but they already had some history before the flap that occurred that led to this heads-up match. And the flap had to do with Kate playing a hand poorly at a tournament, and it was being reported. She tried to get out in front of it and report it before it could be reported on the official uh, tournament log or whatever. And then... A lot of people made fun of her, and Mike got involved, and she and Mike fought on Twitter, and uh, that's how the heads-up match came to be. It was scheduled for months later, and took place this past Sunday. And people were wondering, who's the favorite? Who's the better player? It was generally agreed upon just from just from talking to people. It was generally accepted that Kate Hall was probably a favorite, but not a huge favorite. That was the general belief going in. I think there were even betting odds offered where Kate was like minus 135, which means you'd have to bet $135 on her to win 100. 
Yeah. So, so that's a favorite, but it's not a huge favorite. And of course, in a freeze-out format, they were playing seventy-five, one fifty, no limit, uh, with fifteen thousand dollars stacks representing real money. So, yeah, I mean, what was the uh, the the clue about her being a favorite? The fact that Dentali did absolutely zero preparation for this match. I, mean, I think that was part of it. Yeah, I think they they just you know Kate Hall <laughs> Kate Hall is clearly also the smarter person. Absolutely, and she uh, it seemed like you know if anyone's going to study and, and try to like and try to prepare as you said someone who who would really think what's the proper game theory consult people <laughs> that would be Kate and and Mike is like uh, hey I don't need to do that I could beat the girl I'm, you know she sucks I'm going to go play her and beat her like that was basically his preparation. So oh, hey China Maniac is asking a really good question in chat. He says what's longer. Then Tally's cock or Kate Hall's fingers? Oh, come on. We know the answer to that. It's, <laughs> I, I, I don't think there's many guys that exist with longer cocks than the Kate Hall's fingers. Okay. Yeah, for those of you that, that haven't heard us talking about it like, all the time, Kate, Kate Hall has really, really long fingers, like really, really long bony fingers that look kind of odd. Like that, recluse spider kind of fingers. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and she, she doesn't... You'd think she would do something to hide it, but she, like, the way she was gripping the chips, like she puts her hands over them... Oh, she was flaunting. It was like them. flaunting it, like, "Hey, look, my fingers are are ten inches long." So, yeah, it looked like the the kind of mating ritual I've seen <laughs> some of those spiders do when they're trying to attract the mate. The way they was kind of rhythmically moving the their legs around. Like, yeah, that. I wouldn't be surprised if they had to call an exterminator for spiders to uh, <laughs> Sugar House Casino. Maybe some spiders saw this and ran over there. So a- anyway, that that took place on March nineteenth, and. I tweeted something. I, I don't tweet many compliments. I'm usually uh, pretty critical on Twitter. But I, I tweeted a compliment before it even took place. Not to Mike, not to Kate, but to Poker Night in America. So Matt sent me some advanced shots of the camera angle. I asked him about the camera angle. We, we were remembering the uh, Global Poker Awards and how terrible the camera angle was, and we mm-hmm. laughed at that. So we wondered, is this going to be any better, even though it's a different organization doing it? But Matt sent me the camera angle. It looked good. Uh, everything looked professional, and what especially impressed me was that they were going to have two streams. There was going to be one stream with the commentary done by Doug Polk and Sean Deeb, and one stream just with table talk and no commentary. And I thought, what a great idea. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm serious. I wasn't being. I'm not being sarcastic here. Really, what a great idea! Because you, could, if you want to hear the commentary from two known, you know, very good players who can probably give you a lot of good strategy analysis of what's going on, then listen to the commentary. And if you just want to not hear that crap in the background and just watch the table talk, watch the match, then do that. You know, listen to the second or watch the second stream. And I. I especially like that because I was thinking, you know what? Maybe we should do our own commentary where people can just bring up the second stream and then I will just do my own commentary over it. And, and you know, you can't really do commentary over existing commentary. That wouldn't work. But So I thought this was great, not just for this show, but for the viewer who has a choice as to which way he wants to watch it or can go back and forth. So... I showed up promptly at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, which for me to show up promptly anywhere, it's it's probably about as difficult as Doug Polk showing up uh-huh. promptly anywhere. He showed up promptly, True, true story. Yeah, he was actually promptly. <laughs> Doug Polk actually was there promptly, too. So I showed up promptly to watch this, 
And I, I created an account on Twitch called PokerFraudler.com, hoping maybe we'll attract a few people. And I started chatting there. And at first, Poker Fraudler t- members were dominating their chat room. Like It was just like pretty much mostly people from our site, which I was proud of. But then when more and more people showed up, then it was just chaos in the chat room. It scrolled so fast you couldn't read it. But anyway, the first disappointing thing was it didn't start at 3. It was announced as 3, but it didn't start at 3. It was announced it'll start at 3.30. So I said, okay, not so bad. But then I heard that it's actually a 30-minute delay because th- that is once it starts the 30-minute delay because they, they can't show it live and show live hold cards. You know, they have to be have, have a delay for that. So that added another 30 minutes on. So now it was scheduled to start at 4 Eastern. Uh, for whatever reason, it started a little bit earlier than that. It started like 3.50 Eastern. So there's a delay to start it, but okay, fine. This is all uncharted territory. A grudge match like this has never been done. Um, well, they, they've had other grudge matches, but Poker Night America hadn't done one yet. So they, this was a new thing for them to do. And it was understandable that they'd have some growing <coughs> pain. So, okay, yeah, whatever. Like the upside-down fucking board? <laughs> yeah, so... so the, so, so awful. So, so, yeah, so there were a few mis- technical mistakes they had. Uh, so, there, the, so the first problem was, you know, they started late. Second problem was the stream, the secondary stream, which we were going to count on to do our alternate commentary, didn't work. It worked yeah, for about... Yeah, they crossed the streams. <laughs> it worked it's the one rule you're not supposed to do. You don't cross the streams. They must have crossed them. That's true. They must not have watched the old Ghostbusters. Yeah. So I don't know why, but the secondary stream didn't work. I was tweeting to them, hey, get it working. You know, It's not working. Then it would go up. It didn't have sound. or It worked properly for about five seconds, literally, and then it went back down. So it, it, for all practical purposes, never existed, which was disappointing. I don't know why. I don't know how that was. I don't even see from a technical standpoint why that was difficult to have that. Once once they had it set up, how could that have not worked while the main one worked? I, I didn't understand, but it didn't. So no secondary stream. Same, same guy who set that up, set up the uh, the board cards. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was the upside down board that made it hard to read. And, uh, and hard to read. I mean, it was awful because you 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 know, as a poker player, you you mentally look at it and you try to unwind the action for you know, okay, that makes sense because that was the flop, the turn, and the river, and then fucking things upside down. Yeah, and so it's backwards. Yeah, so there was there were some mistakes like that, and then what was probably the biggest mistake, and Matt Lance admitted this. He admitted this quickly on uh, Twitter afterwards, and I don't know how this happened. Uh, they allowed the usage of cell phones at the table. And this, yeah. gave, this gave a huge edge to Kate Hall because, uh, you know, of course, Kate Hall, who wants every edge imaginable, uh, since cell phones are allowed, well, I'm not saying she was cheating. If this is allowed, it's allowed. Then she's within the rules to I'd do it. I'd do it. Yeah, I would do it too. So I'm not, criti- yeah. I'm not criticizing her for this. In fact, I, you know, I, we would both do it ourselves. She was getting constant text updates from her friend, uh, friends, not friend, from her friends who were giving her tips on Number one, what Dentali had in hands they were watching you know, on half an hour delay, and also probably telling her about his tells. And now, was that Doug Polk? It, it, was he texting her stuff from the booth? It, probably not. We didn't see him texting, but but um, she. Well, he had, was absent. Oh, was he? Oh, yeah, man. like for the the almost the entire second match, it was just Deeb sitting there. Oh, I didn't notice that. Okay, so 
Who knows? It could have been him, too. But definitely she had various friends who were texting her things, and she kept picking up the phone and reading it, reading it, reading it. So I'm not just theorizing on this. I'm not just guessing. <laughs> Great. If some if some of the PFA listeners got a hold of her number and you could see this big black dick showing up on <laughs> That would have been that would have well, been great. That that would have been great to like just like start bombing her with texts of like obscene things, and she keeps trying to like close it. No, I don't want to see this. I'm trying to look at the, the advice here. I want to see what Natalie had. Oh no, another one like a, that. That would actually probably tilt her. That would have been a great idea. Nothing but two hours of Joe Seabox cock. Yeah, <laughs> just over and over. Again. <laughs> that, that would have been great. Oh, I wish I wish I, I I wish we thought of that. I mean, I don't have her number, but we we may have been able to get it. Ah, oh, that would have been great. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, it's one of these things you think about after the fact that if only we thought of it at the time. But anyway, she was getting text messages all about Dentali, all about what he had, what his tells were. And she admitted this. And in fact, when he asked her if this is what she's doing, she said yes. And she said, you know, you can do it too. And he said, yeah, I don't need to. And she, so she said he was actually being negligent. You know, she's a lawyer, so using the word negligent. She says he's being negligent by not doing it, which which is true. He was being, he was being negligent by not doing it. But this was part of the whole problem for Dintali is he just came in believing all he has to do is show up, sit down, and somehow his superior poker skill, which is in his mind, will magically take over and he's going to stomp on Kate Hall. Don't need to prepare. Don't need to study heads-up strategy. Uh, don't need to even check his phone to see what she had. Is he? He had people that would have texted him this. You know, he. It's not like he couldn't find anyone or, or wouldn't have had friends to do this. He just chose not to. He felt he didn't need it. And I mean, she, talk about arrogance, setting yourself up for failure. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. So, so she admitted she was doing this. It's not like uh, she was hiding it or pretending to be getting texts from friends, you know, about unrelated stuff, and it's it's really about him. She admitted it. She said, you should be doing it, too. And he didn't want to. So Absolutely. Like, you, you see someone doing something really stupid. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're going to be like, well, well okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and you notice this. Yeah. And, and, of course, the friends, anything they notice. And we noticed from doing our own commentating, we were only kind of half paying attention to it. But even from our watching of it, we were noticing various tells of Dentali that, you know, had we been on Kate Hall's side, we would have been texting her. Actually, not right. true. If we, if we had her number, we'd be texting you the Black Cox, but uh, or Josie Black Cox. But <laughs> it, it, aside from that, you know, we, we 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 could have texted her helpful things ourselves, which I'm sure we're not the only ones who noticed. We're sure with her, you know, she she has a number of friends in poker who are very good players and experienced players who I'm sure notice things that. Uh, well, that's the amazing thing that to, to me, though. I mean, you know, again, we talked about it. Obviously, just a couple of sit and goes. You know. <laughs> Any anyone could really win it, but he's supposed to be like the live pro. That's supposed to be like his strength is supposed to be staring over at the table at somebody else, and he was just a tell box. Yeah, you know, and I, I think you know she probably could have and would have beaten him blindfolded from the point of view of not seeing any of that just by playing fundamentally good poker and, and getting much better cards which well did. yeah okay she she ran pretty good too but she also played good i mean yeah. there's no question we saw a number of the hands that i i think she played quite well yeah and it's i don't understand this and you guys see you know, here how we we're, we're very willing to criticize kate hall so this is not a, a an, an ass kissing of kate hall but I see these idiots on 2 plus 2. 2 plus 2, I mean, th- there's a thread about this on 2 plus 2. It, it's horrible. 
It's an absolutely mm-hmm. horrible threat. It's an abortion of a threat. And especially the last few days, they, they're going into all these uh, stupid theories about about the the, the, the odds of, of, of the rematches. Just kind of garbage. It's not even interesting discussion. But also, you had all these dumbasses in the thread talking about, you know, first, how bad Mike Natale was, fine. You know, we can agree on that. But about how Kate Hall was not good. And if you put her in a in a $100 buy-in, no-limit game, she's a fish there. I'm like, no, that's not true. <laughs> From what I saw of her play in this heads-up match, to me, she played well. I, I don't I don't say put, you know, put her in a low-to-mid-stakes, no-limit game, she's going to get crushed. That's not true. She seemed to know what she was doing. So am I saying she's you know she would be the a great no limit cash player if you drop her in a game full of tough players? She's a favorite. No, probably not. But uh, to to say that she can't beat some low to mid stakes no limit games and she only won because Dentali was a complete fish. No, that's not true. She she played this match well and she mostly. Yeah, I mean, and and again, we didn't. <laughs> nobody has enough hands from this match to really judge like anyone's. Complete skill. Um, so, I mean, I think that's kind of silly. Yeah. And- but but she obviously did, was obviously a thinking player based on the decisions that she was making in certain spots. Yeah, there's only a few hands that I watched that uh, I, I thought that she did the wrong thing. And and there's only one I really didn't like, but and we can get into that later. But most of the, everything else I thought was either what I would have done, close to what I would have done, or even if I would have done it differently, it turned out she made the right move. Like she, I, And I just want to clarify one thing, Drove. I'm not... I, I don't criticize Kate Hall. I just say highly inappropriate things about Kate Hall. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, anyway, as you can tell from our discussion, and you've probably heard if you followed what's happened since March 19th, when they had this match three days ago, that she wiped the floor with Dentali and beat him two nothing, you know, two games to nothing, won thirty thousand dollars, you know, fifteen K each. Which is the yeah. best result she could possibly have. If if she had won two to one, she would have won fifteen thousand. Yeah, the all the the one like if if a fine art photographer was taking a a photograph that would summarize this, there would be these candy red high heels that are stomping on his testicles. Okay. I mean, that would be the yeah. image. Now, the the only thing I can say in Mike's defense is that he ran very poorly. He missed just about every draw. I think he made one straight draw. Other than that, he was missing every draw. He was never getting there. Uh, he was missing every flop. He was getting a lot of uh, garbage hands pre-flop. Pretty much as far as the cards ran, it was very unkind to him. The only thing that didn't yeah. seem to happen to him was he wasn't getting coolered. We are having set over set. There wasn't uh, aces against the low set. He didn't run into situations like that. But he did have a terrible time getting good pre-flop hands, a terrible time making draws, a terrible time connecting with the board. It, it was one of those type of matches where just every time you're just not winning hands. Right, and, and you could. there were few enough hands... And who knows, some of the guys on 2 plus 2 might be bored enough to do it. But you could easily just take all the cards that were they were given and just run all the pre-flop equities and see who got better starting hands. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah, granted, um, if he lost a lot more than that indicated, then that means that the board ran out badly or he played uh, poorly uh, when they came out. But, I mean, I, I agree with you that I think that he probably ran worse than her, but he also demonstrably played 
bad. Yeah, he did. He, he, he I, I felt that he, he ran far worse than her, but he also yeah. played far worse. And, and it, well, just like Fernando, we were saying with Fernando, you remember that, you know, you're watching someone and even if they end up losing, you can look at their play and say, well, you know, okay, he lost, but he played well. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> not here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I, I've had this discussion too. I've had, I, I've had it where, um, like I, I've played online before, and I like I'm playing someone heads up sometimes, and uh, someone who's not a fish. So like a fish, I'll, I'll keep playing for eternity. But someone who's not a fish, and I'm playing him heads up anyway, and I'm running horrible and losing, losing, losing. And I make some kind of comment, not not a nasty comment like uh, you know I'd be killing you if it wasn't for the deck, like not a Phil Helmuth comment like that, just a, just some comment of wow I can't believe the luck I've had here or something like that. And then I'll get an arrogant comment back like, um, no, you just don't realize you're a fish. You don't you know that's the only reason you're losing. You're a fi-. like they'll, they'll they'll talk trash <laughs> to me, and and so I I actually will sometimes just quit at that point and sit out and say okay you know what I'm running really bad here and you probably have the advantage here because. Uh, you know, both of the cards are running, and and, and also just, uh, you know, I, I obviously have the perception I'm losing every hand. You know, that always gives you the edge on the other end. But I said, you know, I, I said, look, even if you feel I'm a fish, that doesn't mean I also can't be running bad. You can have a fish who runs bad. I've I've played fish that I've killed that I will acknowledge after destroying them that, yeah, this fish also ran really bad. He was a terrible right. player, but he also ran far worse than me. So You know you know, you should have said to those guys who basically just called you a fish? You should have just been like, you know what, you're right, I'll save my money, and then just leave. Well, that's what I've done. Though. That's, that's, that's what <laughs> I've done. Else. I, I've done. Sometimes I've lectured them like you're an idiot for not, you know, if you just, I said, you know what the smart thing to do when someone's running bad and you're just killing them here, or or, they're, uh, or you think they're a fish and you have a huge edge on them, and they say something like that, the smart thing is to say, yeah, man, I feel bad for you, this is, uh, you know, but but, but uh, you, you don't try to call them a fish at this point and tell, tell them that they're not running bad. That just pisses them off. I said, "You just lost the action," and I just leave. Yeah, say, you know, just be like, "Oh, you know, you're right. I'll, I'll save the money for Grandma's operation yeah. and just sit out." No, I've told them, like, you know, I could have, I could have shot off like ten more K to you, but now I'm just leaving. Goodbye. So, oh man, <laughs> I just that's leave. Good. So anyway, uh, this was a case where really the one who was playing bad also ran considerably worse, and it would have been interesting to see if the cards were reversed. And uh, to see what how Ditali would have played with the better cards, and how Kate would have played with the worst cards. Uh, but uh, but she, the way it came down, she played far better and ran far better, and she easily won both matches. He was almost never ahead. I don't even. Yeah, he may have actually never been ahead. If he no, was, I don't think he ever yeah, was. I don't think he's ever. Ahead. I think one time he got very close to even, but that's about it. Aside from when they started even both times, but uh, he, it, it was embarrassing for him in two ways one is that he lost so decisively and two in that he played poorly to where people were surprised people actually thought he would have been a lot better than this and where where he tended to be bad especially was calling down in nonsensical spots either terrible flop calls where he just makes no sense he's not only not connected with the board but he has nowhere absolutely nowhere to go Right. So there's some of those. There's some of these where he'd call down like a terrible bottom pair, like a pair of twos, a pair of threes, a pair of sevens on a board where it's horrendous, where you're never going to, that's never going to win. And he's calling sizable bets on the river with things like that. Where, yeah, some- I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. I didn't think he was going to be that good. 
But I also didn't think he was going to be that bad. Yeah, that's that's what I thought too. I kind of thought you know? that she'd be the better player, but that he wasn't going to do like outrageously dumb things like that, like just calling down. Well, how about like he would just bet, bet, bet with like what was effectively bottom pair, and she's calling him down. It's like what? Yeah, that's the other thing. He <laughs> what was are yeah. You doing? That's the other thing. Like he he just kept betting. He just kept firing into her at times where it was very clear she had a hand that she's just going to call down with, and he never right. bet enough to put like massive pressure. Like he didn't decide. Well, she clearly has a hand she's calling down, so I either got to check fold now or right. or bet really big and scare her into folding her. You know her second pair or whatever she's decided to call me down with. Yeah. But he, and he also did that very fishy, I'm going to tell you exactly the strength of my hand with my bet. Yeah. yeah. All the time. Yeah. So it's amazing. Yeah. So, so those things were going on and, and then oh, there and was, did, you, did you catch the, the whole, you know, live poker player or live fish, actually not even live poker player asking for the, the deck to be shuffled. Oh yeah. <laughs> God. And then, and then also there was the infamous queen five hand, the final hand of the first match, oh. uh, where he he raised, she re raised, and then he uh, or something like that. He raised and she shoved all in, and he called the shove, snapped, a snap called the shove of ace nine. She had ace nine, he had a queen five offsuit. For some reason, he decided to take a stand with queen five offsuit. Snap. So it wasn't even him shoving. It's not like he's he's shoving the queen five, thinking she's going to fold, so he's got the fold equity. No, he he called the shove. Yeah, even that, as we mentioned, I, I think is bad based on how many bigs he had. But call, you know, Ray's calling it, or I yeah. mean, Ray's calling it off is just like what? what yeah. Why? So, so there were so many <laughs> things. I mean, if, if you watch the match and you can find video of it, you'll see, starting from like the th- final third of the first match, going on for the entire second match as well. You'll see he just played horribly for the first two thirds of the first match. I wouldn't say he was playing well, but it was considerably better than when he just. Uh, suddenly fell apart, and I don't I don't know what happened. But again, it's not like he was playing a great game and then just uh, went on tilt and, and turned into a yeah. fish. He he went from kind of playing mediocre to playing uh, horribly, and just stayed playing horribly to the end. And then it, of course, didn't help that she uh, w- was also getting hit by the deck and flopping top hair over and over. And uh, yeah, and- well, Drove, I thought it was over, and and he did this within I think the first half hour. I thought it was over when he asked for the deck to be shuffled. <laughs> I really did. I'm like, okay, it's over. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, 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 guess, I guess I'm too used to playing with these Asians of commerce who do that, who are actually otherwise good, which is also very superstitious. Go, oh, dealer, you big scramble. Big scramble, dealer. I want big scramble. <laughs> when, I, when I see people do that, that are actually good at it, I wonder if they're just like leveling the other players. No, they're just superstitious. They're they're good, but somehow they can't they can't get out the superstition they have. Where they're just convinced if they are running bad, if they do a big scramble now, it's going to stop it. Or they or they get mad and rude to dealers. I've I've never once gotten mad at a dealer for dealing me bad cards. I only get mad at a dealer if the dealer's rude or if the dealer's just totally not paying attention and screws things up. Then I will get mad. Uh, sometimes I'll never get like totally out of hand, but uh, like uh, I'll sometimes make a comment, like uh, hey, I'm playing in a high stakes game and the dealer does something stupid. Especially I, one time I had it where they cost me a pot because of the way that something stupid they did, right. and, and I got mad. And I go, look, we're playing for so much money here, you've got to pay attention. Like I'll, I'll say something like that. But uh, well, I think that's reasonable, yeah. and I yeah, I basically started like actually playing poker online, so I've always just viewed dealers as random number generators. Yeah, you know, that's, that's I mean, they I, can't help anything right. that's happening. But I've never it, been mad. Like I've had some dealers where I just get killed by the deck, and I don't. I've never said, "Oh, dealer, what do you do to me?" Oh, it's just it, like you said, like a random number generator. I've never been mad at a dealer for for dealing me bad cards. 
Though I'll say this. Uh, anyone who listens to this show, who's also a dealer, or somebody who I who deals that I know personally, whenever they deal to me, I do very well. And I, I, don't, I don't know why this always happens. Uh, but it's, Let it's me a, guess. It's when you're wearing your lucky shirt, too. <laughs> I'm just telling you it happens. It's, it's, it's so uh-huh. funny because like someone will come there and they'll either identify themselves as the radio show listener or I'll, I'll know them from the site or, or whatever. And then I, at first I'm thinking, like, oh, I hope I don't come off as a fish to them now that they're seeing me play. And then they, I guess they, they just deal me the best cards. It's, it's, it's just the way it's fallen. But it's funny how many times this has happened. So... Anyway, Kate, Kate and Mike, uh, that it was not even close. There's no contest. Now, as far as how entertaining was it, we were talking about this last week. We were hoping we'd see a lot of sparks flying back and forth because they, they really do legitimately hate each other. They really did go back and forth on Twitter with insults. We really, they really both are very outspoken people. We were really... Wondering, is this going to be like a back and forth trash talk fest? Well, the answer is no. Uh. She, uh, Dentali tried. I'll give Dentali credit that he tried to make it entertaining. He tried to make some funny quips. He tried to get the conversations going. Kate Hall wasn't doing it. She just sat there with big sunglasses and very, very quiet. Wouldn't respond to him. Yeah, there was some serious resting bitch face going on. Oh, there. I mean, yeah, and and she would not talk. It was it was interesting yeah. because Kate Hall, uh, the the Twitter personality, did not come out at all in in this game. She was just. I'm not saying she was nice, as you said. She had like the resting bitch face, and when she did respond, it kind of had like a yeah a haughty like leave me alone. Uh, a lot of RBF. Uh, it's like what I said to you when we were doing the broadcast. That the, her whole demeanor. Was the chick at the bar that didn't want to talk to you? Right, that's what she, that's what she was, <laughs> yeah. and she just and it was too bad because it, people were tuning in uh, a lot to see their interactions at the, at the table. And Dentali tried, Dentali tried to make it entertaining, and she just wasn't having it, was not responding, barely said anything throughout the entire match, and that was frustrating for the viewer. Now, of course, I can't blame Poker Night in America for that. They they can't control whether she talks or doesn't talk. But it was disappointing. And part of the reason for this, I'm sure, is because she wanted she wanted to win this so badly, right? And put so much effort. She wanted to make her full concentration on the game and not on uh, trash talk. Which I don't blame her. Yeah, that's that's up to her. But unfortunately for the viewer, it wasn't good. And and I, yeah. I now Jay Stat who. I guess he took a video of some uh, poker room he was in, in. I think it was in Northern California, and she happened to be in the video. I don't think he intended to get her in the video, but she happened to be right at the, ta- the next table where he was videoing. So he actually went back and played it on our site and uh, mentioned that the entire time she was very quiet, that she that seems to be just her general demeanor playing. She's not one of these people who talks a whole lot when they play, and that can be surprising to people who see her on Twitter where she does nothing but talk, where she does nothing but to try to, you know, to attempt to bring attention to herself. And, but she just seems to be one of these people more who's much more outspoken online, and you get her in person, and I guess she's not like this. So this was disappointing for the viewer in that we didn't get to see much trash talk back and forth, and that leads me to my next point. The commentators. Sean Deeb and Doug Polk, obviously very accomplished poker players, uh, Polk, a, a uh, huge successful player in cash games, 
uh, considered one of the best uh, no limit cash players uh, right now in the world. Well, so, heads up. Yeah, yeah, heads up. Yeah. yeah, and then and then Sean Deeb, uh, very successful in tournaments. So, yeah, you ha- you have two good poker minds there, and yeah, they were. People complimented them that they were able to fill in the gaps since there wasn't much talking, that they were able to banter back and forth and keep it somewhat interesting. And so I'll give them credit for that. I didn't listen that much because we were doing our own commentary and I would, I would just turn them down uh, while we were talking about it. And then I turn it back up whenever we'd see Kate and Mike talking. But we ran into over and over where I'd see that their lips are moving. That is Kate or Mike, usually Mike, you know, Kate's lips didn't move very much, but I'd see that Mike was talking. So I said, oh, well, we've got to hear this. So I'd turn it back up real fast, and Mike is talking, but then we hear Doug and Sean ranting over them. And in case you think, well, maybe they didn't notice, well, they did. They, they had headphones. They could hear the table talk, and they had promised at the beginning of the match that they weren't going to do this. They said, we know you guys are tuning in to hear the table talk more than you're tuning in to hear us, which, which is true. Yeah. They only know that because someone told them that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the, the, no, I mean, not so much uh, Deeb, but Polk. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he thinks people tuned in to watch him. Oh, I'm sure he thinks that. So, so the pro- <laughs> yeah. so the problem is that like they couldn't shut up over over the table talk. They tried at the beginning. At the beginning, they were making an effort where the table talk would be taking place. Like, oh, hold on, we got to hear this, and they they go quiet. Well, starting from kind of the middle of the first match, they just threw that out the window and kept talking over what little table talk there was. And it was so tilting to me, because I, I felt like these were the few gems we were going to get here. These right. were, we, I was mainly there to watch that. I mean, the poker play, too, but I was mainly there to watch the interaction between Kate and Mike, and I, I don't want that talked over. But the worst, yeah. the worst yeah. of that to me was when the match was over. Okay, so my, when the match was over, it, it was not a drama-filled hand, unfortunately. There was no river to fade because Mike was drawing dead. Mike got it all in 0%. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she ends up winning the match with Quan. Right, right. And as the, extra, like as, as the exclamation mark, the extra FU, was that she, she's got a set of kings on the turn. He's got just a pair of eight, top pair of aces, so she's drawing with no further draw. So he's drawing dead. But just as the extra FU of a final king hits the river to give her quads... <laughs> Which he didn't even need, which is like, just to put the final touch on that match. So, of course, right after that happens, all of us are wondering, what is Mike going to say? What's Kate going to say? Now that it's over, now that Mike has lost the second match, now that he's 0-2 and the whole thing's done, and he got crushed, what are they going to say to each other? Well, apparently the two commentators thought that we didn't need to hear that, that it was more important to hear about their prop bets with each other. <laughs> I mean, come on! I mean, how is that not obvious? That right when it's over, shut up. Shut up and let the two of them talk. Yeah. That's, that's what I... I was like, okay, I want to hear this now. I want to hear this. No! They, they, weren't letting, they weren't shutting up. I could not believe it. it, it that, to me, was a, a major lacking of self-awareness for both of them in why people are watching. And I'm surprised they didn't want to hear it. I'm surprised they didn't want to just be quiet to hear for themselves. But even if they didn't care that much of the table talk, they, I, I know they were probably emotional about their prop bets or whatever they were. I, I didn't even hear the details. I was trying. Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying that these two guys 
were focused on themselves. Yeah, I know you're shocked that the <laughs> Sean Deeb and Doug Polk uh, are caring more about themselves than the people playing. But yeah, that's- I, I'm I'm honestly like I'm going to give Deeb somewhat of a pass, but Polk, I mean, he really seems to be. Uh, well, he seems to think a lot of them. So. Yeah, that's that's been. A, I, I was reading some of the two plus two thread, and it, it seems to be the biggest criticism of Doug Polk is that he he does seem like especially full of himself, and th- this was an example. So, but but here's the thing. I mean, this is what I said on on last week's show too. Is that this is when this is where you need someone that actually does this for a living and knows how to be a commentator, right? right? Yeah, because really all that was was two bros up there that were talking about poker and were oblivious to what was going on around them for the most part i mean they're obviously they're um they're good poker players and they know what they're doing from that point of view but really you need someone there that will not just fill the spaces but also knows that it's not about them and will take a step back to allow the game to be there i mean they are i think i said this before on the stream they're really the garnish right i mean the the main dish is what's going on down there. Right, right. And, and they should be augmenting it and helping it, but then being able to step out of the way. And that, that you know, that just shows that they are not experienced as uh, commentators. They don't know how to do that. They don't know how to make themselves become the background when it's clear what should be in the foreground. Yeah, and, and this has been problems with other pro players that are called into the booth to commentate on other things we've seen before. I've seen this criticized many times before in other matches, not necessarily heads-up matches, but where they bring in a a known poker pro, who oftentimes is very good, and uh, and then the the person, all they do is talk about themselves, or they they make the whole thing about themselves rather than people playing, and it irritates the viewer who really wants to be watching... But here's this may surprise you, Druff. I don't blame them. I don't blame either one of those guys because it really is a skill to be able to do this. And I, the people I blame are uh, Poker Night in America for deciding to bring these guys on. You know, I mean, you really need it's fine to have a poker pro in there, but have someone else in there too who's a professional at uh, actually doing commentary and and guiding the show. Yeah. No, so no. the I, you know. It's not their fault that they were picked and they were thrown in there. And, you know, this isn't what they do for a living. They're not going to be super experienced doing this kind of stuff. Obviously, they know poker and they think, oh, yeah, I can get up there and talk for two or three hours. No big deal. Um, but really, I blame uh, whoever decided to put them both in there. They they really need someone who is a commentator and, and then also a poker pro. Yeah. Along with, and, yeah. and, and that's actually the way ESPN did it for their ESPN three and the ESPN three sixty broadcasts yeah. that were where they would have an experienced a poker commentator and then a, a color commentator who would know the particular game. And where I did it that one time in two thousand nine for Limit Hold'em, I was the color commentator, but they had someone along with me who is an experienced. Uh, poker commentator in general to kind of lead the whole thing and then i would talk about the strategy things so that was a a good analogy would be like uh a news interview right now obviously the person who is going on the show to be interviewed is there because they're notable or they're an expert in some field or whatever but how good the interview is going to end up being in large part is due to the skill of the interviewer to keep things on track to pace things to let 
you know, the person talk when they need to talk to help them out when they need to be guided, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, they, they should have done that. So I have to say that, that even inexperienced commentators, at least at the very end, should have let them talk. And especially they, at the beginning, these guys both said, we're going to be quiet when the, when the table talk takes place. And for whatever reason, they abandoned that. I don't know why. Well, there was even, there was a part of the way through. Like, a lot of the chat was saying, you know, shut up, shut the fuck yeah. up. Or, you know, I mean, they were just telling him, shut up. And I think Polk, you know, he, his feelings were a little hurt. And he, he was kind of like, you know, hey, guys, you know, we know, you know, whatever. But if we're in mid-sentence, we're going to finish our sentence. And I'm just thinking, no. Yeah, shut up. Don't finish your fucking sentence, okay? Yeah. I mean, really. Exactly. You know, whatever you're saying, check your ego at the door. We are not here for you. If you can make the broadcast better, great. But we're not here for you. Yeah. So, so twenty thousand people showed up. Apparently, I don't know where they got this number. I, the most I saw watching it one time was about eleven thousand, but or maybe eleven to twelve. But it's it is possible. I don't know. Maybe there's a way on Twitch to look at this. There may have been twenty thousand unique people watching at some point during the four or five hour match that it, that went through. Because I'm sure there's a lot who turned it on and off at some point. So there's a, there's a peak of, I, I don't think it got over 10 K. No, mean, no, still I, lot, no, no, I, no, I saw like, like over 11, I think 11. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. So, but, but it's possible that maybe it was 20. If, if you add up all the people that turned it on and off that, uh, you know, the total number of different people that, uh, opened it at some point. So they definitely got over 10,000. I saw, they definitely got over 11,000, which I saw at one point watching at the same time. And it, it, it got more and more, viewers as it went on which is good because it means that there is some kind of positive word of mouth like oh you should be watching this that's why people started more and more people started turning it on so from that standpoint it was a success uh obviously people cared about this mean to get this many people watching it live on twitch is is a win for poker night in america uh matt glance was very astute to jump on this when he saw that those two wanted to play heads up to put this together. And that's what he did. He said, oh, wow, this is an opportunity for us. And, and they grabbed it. And obviously there's interest. And, and I'm sure that it'll, there will maybe not quite as much when it airs on TV. Because I think, people, I think the people who are most interested uh, probably watched it on Twitch. But there's probably some who didn't catch it there that will be happy to see it on uh, TV, especially because it's going to be edited down and some of the you know, more boring parts are going to be dropped. So, and in fact, you may not even get the impression on TV that there wasn't much talking because they're probably going to pick a lot of the hands where there was talking, is my guess. So from that standpoint, it was a success. And, uh, you know, the upside-down board was, was annoying. Uh, but they How did- do you do that? How, how many years... Have these guys been broadcasting poker? Like, yeah, I don't know how the the, I don't, yeah, do I don't that. how that happened. That was some kind of a technical failure, obviously. Technical meaning just the, the setup failure more than technical. And then, uh, you know, as far as the, the visibility, you know, the camera angle, that part was fine. You know, as far as being able to see both players and all that, that was, there was no problem with that. That part was done well. And some people complained about the sound being too low on Kate and Mike, but I, I think it only appeared that way because the, the commentators were talking over them. I think the commentators were turned louder than they were, but that would not have been an issue. Like if the comment, when the commentators went quiet, you could clearly hear Kate and Mike talking. So I, 
I don't even think there's a volume issue with Kate and Mike. I just think that the commentators were turned louder, which means whenever they talked over them, then you had a very hard time hearing the table talk, and the commentators just shouldn't have talked over them, as we yep. said. Uh, the, the cell phone thing, the, and that's what Mac Lance admitted in, in, twi- in twi- on Twitter afterwards, right afterwards, that he didn't think that through properly and they shouldn't have allowed it. I, I am surprised that they, they could have changed this in the middle. They could have even said, like, after the whole first match, or they could have interrupted in the middle and said, we're gonna, if, if they didn't want to create, like, a distraction, like, interrupting... Uh, at some kind of natural point, either during a break or between matches, they could have said, okay, you know what? The cell phone, that was a bad idea. Neither of you can use it now. I think the fair rule for the cell phone should have been, number one, no cell phones at the table. And number two, uh, no approaching the rail or anything like that. You have to stay at the table. You can't communicate with the rail about anything. And you can't have a cell phone. And if they really wanted to be extreme, they could have made a rule that until the whole match is over, that they basically can't talk with anybody. That they that they it's it's almost like being sequestered, but not quite. They're, they're not away from people, but they can't be alone with anyone. To dis- they can't discuss hands. They can't have a cell phone, and they can't uh, they can't use a cell phone at all, even on breaks. And that they you know they'll have someone like an escort with them. Even to go to the bathroom, is it like a same-sex escort goes in the bathroom? Oh, sure I thought that. you were talking about a different kind of escort. Well, that's that's what Kate Hall could have done if she lost. But well, you, you you know what impressed me the most about Dentali? What? Like, what what do you think? If you had to guess, like, what do you what do you think impressed me the most about Dentali during that whole match? Um, was it that he he didn't develop a bad attitude when he was losing? I mean, he, he did a little bit, but no. What impressed me the most is that motherfucker downed like oh. six six Red Bulls. Did not have to get up and piss once. That's right. Hmm. That's amazing. That's true. That's amazing. That, po- he's got some kind of tank in there. I think there's some poker players. These live poker players just develop these giant bladders, and they don't have to go to the bathroom as much. Their bladder just stretches or something. I mean, he was just pounding them. That's true. He drank six Red Bulls. Hey, well, more. I mean. Uh, probably a lot more than that. I, I I thought it was like six just during one match. Oh really? Yeah, he was just. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, he, was. he must have brought a case of them with him. <laughs> so, and he had played the night before, like pretty late on on the regular he, poker night in America. And he got his dick kicked in then too. Yeah, he did. So he lost a lot of money that weekend. So he's going to be walking back with just like a you know you know what a deflated balloon looks like after it's been popped. <laughs> That's what his junk must have like been like when he went home, and he just got. Yeah, but uh, there was a little bit of a happy ending for him, and not not the kind you're thinking of. (laughs) Not the kind you're thinking of, but there's a little bit of happy ending, because everybody was was on him afterwards. Oh, he's such a fish, he played so terrible, Kate just killed you there you know you all this talk about how women how she can't play and she's a crappy player and you're gonna you're gonna beat her and you're the superior player all she's doing is running well well that was all settled yes she ran well again but but he played much worse than her and everyone saw it and it was very humiliating for him but and he was 30k lighter in the purse too but kate did not walk away from this unscathed now prior to a controversy that cropped up she came off pretty well there because you know everyone was impressed with her play except for some idiots in two plus two for whatever reason thought she couldn't beat 100 no limit uh she came people were impressed by her play for the most part she very decisively won the match 
Uh, people weren't thrilled about the fact that she didn't talk much and didn't seem to project much of her personality, but she was very, very proud of herself. This is exactly what she wanted to have happen. This could not have gone better for what she was hoping would happen. And she was flying high. Until something happened. Until something happened to take all that positive attention away from her. And it quickly went negative. And this was a weird thing. Well, there's there's two things that happened. There's a smaller thing and a bigger thing. So first of all, Dentali tweeted on the same day, about 6 p.m. The match ended at about 4 p.m. Pacific. I'm back to talking about Pacific. But Dentali tweeted about two hours after the match, at Matt Glance, at Kate Hall, at Doug Polk Poker, at Sean Deeb, anytime, thank you and thank you Poker Night TV, meaning Poker Night America, for wow. put, for putting up the 30K. <laughs> so he said that in response to when Matt Lance thanked everybody for being involved. He Why put, would he say that? So <sighs> that everybody said, oh, well, look at that. So they weren't really playing for anything. They they got the money put up for them by Poker Night in America. And, and there was a lot of uh, criticism over that. Well, then Matt Glantz made it even worse by joking back to him by saying, what Mikey doesn't know is that Kate got a full 60K. Sounds like she, could, <laughs> she got 30K plus uh, she got to keep the, the original 30K they put up for her. So people started saying, oh my God, they, paid, they just pay, outright paid Kate Hall 30K plus whatever she wins. So she went, got 60K out of the, you know, people were panicking that this, is, uh, um, this whole thing was phony. And well, this was all a bad joke, unfortunately. This was Dentali joking that he didn't really lose the 30K. And then Glantz continuing the joke. And then some people took it seriously. So it, it, to the point to where I wasn't even sure. I, I thought it was probably a joke, but I, even, I wasn't completely sure. I thought, well, what, what if Dentali just accidentally spilled something? Either a joke or trying to make him look bad. Yeah. So I, I thought, what if he accidentally spilled something he wasn't supposed to? So I, I went to Mac Lance and asked him about this. And, and he gave me the answer that, no, that they did not pay either the players uh, their buy-in that that what poker night in america did not pay the players at all except they gave them a free hotel room at the hilton that was all, not that, even like an appearance fee huh not even an appearance all they gave them was their hotel room at the hilton that's the extent so they get a piece they get a piece of any you know broadcast residuals or they, anything? they, they get well they they do get a certain percentage of the broadcast residuals uh, that percentage would be zero Point zero. That's that's what they get. Oh, they, they're fucking terrible negotiators. <laughs> so, so that's <laughs> yeah. No, their compensation was a hotel room. Now, the Sugar House Casino, where it took place, decided that they're going to be ge- sort of generous. Uh, and at the last minute, I don't know exactly know when, but I know this was not agreed upon beforehand. The Sugar House just decided to kick this in five hundred dollars cash for both players and both commentators that they were to pick up at the cage. Now, for whatever reason, because this was such a last-minute decision, Kate Hall did not realize this. I don't think she was told, or she was told she she didn't get the message. Whatever it was, she didn't realize this, and she never picked up her $500, which we'll get to in a second as to how that figured into an ensuing controversy. So the, the other three did pick up their 500 but that was it. That was all everybody got. Was it the f- <laughs> Imagine Dentelli. He, he, he uh, loses like 22 k the night before. He gets his 
just dick stomped in by the the girl that he's been going at it with, you know, in front of however many people live, loses another thirty k, and he's just like, ah, fuck it, I'm gonna go pick up my five hundred. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. So, so that's uh, so so he he did pick up his five hundred. So did. Uh, Deeb and uh, and Polk, but uh, Kate for whatever reason didn't know it was there and didn't pick it up. Didn't need it. Yeah, so, so didn't need it. So she. So anyway, that was that was all they got. The five hundred from the Sugar House Casino, the hotel room from Poker Night in America, and that was it as far as the compensation. That as far as where did the money come from that they both played for? I don't know, but they got it somehow. It was either from people staking them or putting up their own money. I don't know the answer to that, but it it was not put up by the show or the casino. So that was told to me by Matt Glance. Matt would not lie to me about this. So you can believe that, that they really were playing for real money. Then there was also some confusion about charity. They kept talking about playing for charity. And I thought, hmm, are, are Kate Hall and Mike Dentale really donating 15k each to charity and then just playing for their respective charities? Hell Kate, no. Kate Hall chose... Kind of an odd charity too, like a legal defense fund for journalists, and and Mike just chose like more of a traditional charity. To, I forgot what it was, some kind of just traditional one that helps people in need. The, the the Kate Hall one seemed weird to me because that seems almost like a uh, a political charity. That seems almost like uh, um, you know, since oh, I looked up Dentali's charity, it's called Arms for Africa. Really. <laughs> It's where they they give AK-47s to the villagers oh, so they can no. kill each other. <laughs> no, I think uh, Kate's charity should have been Hands for Africa. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, no, but she... Uh, anyway, she, uh, I, I thought that picking a charity that's actually more of uh, something that's kind of partisan and something that's... Uh, for a specific industry, which is journalism, I, mean, that, I wouldn't say that's really a charity. That's more of something, just uh, a cause. See, I, a charity and a cause are two different things. And the, you can say it's a good cause, but that's not really a charity so much. A, a charity is something that's non-political. It's not based on something controversial. Charity is like, uh, yeah, we're going to feed these starving kids. We're, we're going to put people in college that can't afford it. There's a, there's nothing controversial about that. It's it's uh, it's doing. I would have thought Dentali would have given it to like you know. The tanning salon sunburn victims or something. No, I, I would have thought he'd be giving it to like, like a uh, steroids for uh, for middle aged men who can't afford it. <laughs> so so anyway, that's they weren't actually playing for the charity. The, the odd thing is that the audience was asked to donate to these respective charities, both the Twitch audience and then later the the broadcast audience when it's on TV. But that's it. The players did not donate to either of these charities, or if they did, it wasn't disclosed. So they were playing for just winning the, their own money, you know, winning money. They were playing 15K each match to just win 15K. So that this is directly from Matt Glance, and I believe it all. I, I don't think he lied about any of that. And uh, so th- those are some clarifications there. There's a lot of confusion, and I know there's some people who are still skeptical. A lot of people say, "Oh, I don't believe Matt. He's probably just lying. He's probably covering up." No, he's not. He's, this is I the doubt truth. It. This is the truth. This uh, I'd be shocked, absolutely shocked, if he lied about any of this stuff. I and I'm not, well, I'm not and, saying and sarcastically. Think about it. It doesn't make any sense either. No, like I, you know, 
Do you, does anyone really think that it's going to be worth 30k to them? No, They're, no, it is, it's just and, ridiculous. And when you yeah. hear the next story, you'll especially know that there's no way they gave the players their buy-ins because uh, yeah. a big controversy came up partially regarding that Kate Hall felt that she was not compensated properly for what she uh, she did for them. So I'll, we'll we'll get to this in a second. <laughs> so, <laughs> No. <laughs> so, no. So then, then something happened. But you know what? I'm going to let you. You're going to take over the show for the moment. I did something stupid. What'd you do? I, I forgot. This is one of these things. It's like when you leave on a trip and you think, "I know I forgot something. I know I forgot something." And then you find out it was you left the iron on, and you're, you come back and your house is burnt down. Uh, this is not quite as severe, but I realized that I forgot something, which I knew I forgot something that I couldn't figure it out. I did this once before with a show, too. I think with you as a co-host. I forgot to bring the power adapter for my computer, and it's about to run out of power. <laughs> so I'm, you, you, you can talk about what you want here. I'm going to take about uh, a minute to get this thing and, and hook it up. All right, so while Druff wanders off to get the uh, power cord for his vibrator, um, might as well talk about uh, a little bit more about that Dentale Kate Hall match. Um, I understand what Druff is saying from the point of view that you know he wasn't uh, sufficiently entertained by Kate Hall in terms of what she was doing, but again, if I was her, I don't care. I mean, I'm not there to entertain you. This wasn't. Uh, poker after dark where they were paying their buy-in fee and they were clearly you know producing and being compensated for producing entertainment poker um you know they were there to try and beat each other up and they didn't like each other and if i were her i would have done the same thing i would have tried everything that i could do uh possibly to to win that match and it it really blows my mind that dentale does zero preparation. I think he was on uh, Tuckman's uh, Under the Gun podcast talking about it, and he was asked, like, hey, what did you do to prepare for this? And he said, nothing. Like, zero. He didn't, you know, play heads up with anyone. He didn't find someone who was better at heads up than him. He didn't try to look at any of Kate's play. I mean, nothing. And I don't know if it's arrogance or laziness or, or what it is but i mean that's just amazing to me that's like we get these two competitors and they're about to run uh you know a 5k race and one of them decides to train decides to get kind of the lay of the land in terms of what the course is going to be like and the other one just sits in his bed getting cheeto stains on his t-shirt while he's watching tv i mean it just doesn't make any sense at all it's just astounding to me that Dentale wouldn't do any preparation for this whatsoever. Um, I mean, realistically, I think that if he did do some preparation, I think he probably could have done better than he did. But realistically, I think that Kate Hall is probably just a better poker player in general. And yeah, it's not terribly surprising to me. Um, I also think Kate Hall is probably a smarter person as well. Yep, I, I agree. I just came back, and I, I feel so much better. I, I was watching this thing tick down. I'm like, when do I stop? When do I stop? I was, I was stressed. I was stressed watching my computer tick down to almost no power. But we've got we've got it plugged in now. I can just broadcast for eternity. So here's here's the big controversy that happened afterwards. It was kind of a 
a boon for Mike, who was really under fire for the way he played and for the embarrassing performance there. And he, he needed, he probably laid down to sleep that night on March 19th and said, God, I, w- I want to ask you, please, I know I've done some bad things. I know I've taken some roids. But I ain't a bad person. I know I may have said I'm going to drown Joe McKeon in the Bellagio Fountain, but I, may, I ain't too bad. I didn't actually do it. If you could just bring me something to get everyone's mind off this and maybe bring some comeuppance for that cunt, then that'd be great, God. So, That's pr- harsh words his, from Dentelli. His prayers were answered, though. His prayers were answered because something came... Something came down in the form of a controversy. Now, Drew, just to be clear, just to help you out, you're not calling Kate Hollock. No, no, I'm just saying what what Dentali. Uh, but it's Dentali. That yeah, there was Dentali. That was my impression. That was my impression okay. of Dentali speaking to God. I, I'm just that. trying to help you out. Yeah, no, no, I'm not stuck at a table. With right, right. No, I, I, I just Kate Hall. If you're listening, I'm not calling you a cunt. I'm saying that that Dentali was calling you a cunt. All right. So, and he would have yeah, like during that prayer. I'm sure he would have said that. So. His prayers were answered, though. His prayers were answered, and something did happen that got the focus off of Dentali and back onto Gate Hall, and not onto Gate Hall in a good way. Okay, so it came in the form of a tweet from an account that was really, really barely used, and as far as I could tell, never associated before with poker. There is a mysterious woman on Twitter named Caitlin Tobin. Caitlin Tobin, I looked her up. She's a 29-year-old woman who lives a little bit east of Philadelphia in New Jersey. Cannot see if she... I don't think she's ever played poker. If she has, I see no record of it. I've never heard of her. Uh, Her Twitter is barely used. She barely has any followers. She barely tweets. But, despite her being a very unlikely person to be tweeting to Kate Hall, and despite her being a very unlikely person to start a major controversy involving Kate Hall in this match, she showed up to tweet for the first time in a very long time to anyone. And you can take a look at her Twitter, by the way. It's X-O-K-T-O-B-Z. It's like X-O-K-Tobes. You know, Caitlin Tobin. X-O-K-T-O-B-Z. It's twi- her uh, Twitter. So it says, at Kate Hall, who took the beggar loss? Mike Dentali or the dealers you didn't tip? And then she put hashtag Mike and Kate plus hate, which is something that that they were, that was like a hashtag they made for this match at Poker Night America, and then hashtag tip your dealers. So that was the first anyone heard of this. Kate Hall won 30k and didn't tip the dealers. Hmm, is she right? And who is Caitlin Tobin? Why would she do this? She comes out of nowhere, not even a a poker fan, not even someone anyone knows in poker, someone who hardly uses their Twitter. So then someone tweeted back asking, yeah, is this true? And and she tweeted, how do you win 30k and tip your dealers zero? So Kate Hall felt she had to respond. Now keep in mind, this was on... uh, March 19th also. Same day of the match. He tweeted back, The show took care of it. And she put in parentheses, Usually they don't, but because they were freeze-outs, did. 
So that was Kate Hall's explanation for why she didn't tip, because the show decided to take care of it. That the show usually doesn't take care of the tips for the dealers, but uh, you know, because keep in mind, Kate Hall's been on the show before, so she would know that the players are expected to tip the dealers. But she's saying that this time the show took care of it, because they were freeze-outs. Well, guess what? That was not true. The show does not take care of it. And this is... Uh, so, I looked up as Caitlin Tobin. And again, she's 29, lives a little bit east of Philadelphia. Uh, she clearly must have known someone at the casino, maybe one of the dealers who dealt to Kate and felt stiffed. And so the dealer, maybe not wanting his name out there, went to his girlfriend, Caitlin, and said, Hey, uh, could you tweet this for me? Or can you give me your Twitter account and I'll tweet this? <laughs> it was clearly... Caitlin was being the voice for another person. As I said, Caitlin's a real person, but I, I have a feeling she, she knows nothing of this. Why Every time Trader Ruski tries to call him, I'm going to try to put him on here, but we, I can't take his call for some reason. Let me try to put him on this. So when he calls and you're on here, it, it never just lets me add him. So let me try to add him this way. So I want Trader Ruski to jump in too. Nice. Oh God. Here we are. My savior. I knew you were looking for a tap out. <laughs> I felt it. So well, welcome, Trader Ruski. Did, now, did you watch the match with uh, Kate Hall and Mike Dentali? I didn't. I had to watch the grass grow. Okay. No, I'm kidding. I, actually, from everything <laughs> you're talking about, I'm like, damn, I missed it. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I couldn't. Uh, I didn't realize it was happening. And... Okay. Well, this this part of the discussion doesn't really require having watched the match. So. Anyway, she, she had, Kate attempted to say there that she didn't tip because she thought the show took care of it, or that the, because the show did take care of it, not because she thought, and that turned out to be false. Now, this kicked off a big shitstorm, where everyone started to, well, not everyone, but a lot of people started to attack Kate for not tipping. So, uh, so her friend Dan O'Brien defended her. I, I don't have that tweet in front of me, but uh, he's a good friend of Kate's. So, Sam Penzika who's a pretty outspoken, controversial guy himself. I believe he's even uh, banned from the World Series for something. He tweeted to Kate Hall, how are you... He tweeted to Dan O'Brien and to Kate Hall, but he's tweeting to Dan for defending Kate. How are you defending this? If Mike won and didn't tip, everyone would be losing it. So she says, it it literally did not even occur to me that Poker Night in America would not be compensating the dealers, but should have. So this was... so, So... She's changing her tune at this point. At first she said half an hour before this that they took care of it. Now she's admitting they didn't take care of it. So it seems like the the first tweet was just a lie. Uh, I, now I believe that she did at the time when she didn't tip, I don't think she was trying to stiff the dealers. I think she really did believe they were taking care of it. But when she initially responded to this, Caitlin Tobin said, oh, I didn't tip because the show took care of it. That, that was obviously a lie. And, and a half an hour later she changed her tune and said, saying, well, it just didn't occur to me. Well, wh- which one is it? Did, did the show take care of it? Or... Were they not taken care of, and you just thought they did? Which is the, the second is obviously what happened. I don't. I don't know why that first tweet was a lie. Uh, why she would lie in that first tweet like that? So then she started to go off about why she shouldn't have to tip the dealers. Why Poker Native America should have done it. She went and listed all these things that she had to do for no compensation, and how she was kind of uh, felt kind of screwed over by them. She said. I took time off from actually earning money to prepare. I then traveled there on my own dime. 
went to the promotional events they asked me to, was paid zero by Poker Night in America or the casino. Uh, she also said, uh, I got them, what, like 10K viewers last night alone? So, uh, then, then she said, uh, then she said that she asked Matt to give the dealers $500 for her. So, meaning, uh, and that was that $500 we were talking about earlier that was left for her at the cage, that she asked Matt to just give this to the dealers as a tip because she didn't realize it. And, and she said, I really don't think it should be on me, but I just won't be involved with the show in the future. So she's mad. She's not just saying, oh, sorry, I didn't realize that she's already, you know, she's clearly mad that she has to live, leave the tips. It wasn't just, I didn't realize it, sorry. It's like, hey, I didn't realize it. Uh, but also, you guys screwed me over by not doing this. So fine, take my $500 that was supposed to go to me, but now I'm pissed. I'm never going there, and, and, and look at all I had to do. So Matt Glantz at that point decided to respond. Matt Glantz uh, and I'm sorry, this was not March. It was March 19th. It was March. Uh, it was on March 19th when she said that uh, the show took care of it. But then the next day, it was when. So it wasn't half an hour. It was, it, I was looking at the same time, but the next day. So it was the next day when she was saying that uh, they didn't compensate her on March 20th. Uh, she she claimed that uh, yeah, as I said, she won't be on the show in the future because she's so mad about this. So Matt Lance jumped in. This is the first he tweeted about this. After she ranted all that, he tweeted back, Remind me how long it took for you to backtrack and reverse this, that is not being on the show in the future, since you made the same public proclamation last year. Kate, you really are so damn cute. And he put a happy face. Well, he's referring to the fact that when that Jacqueline Moscow thing happened last year, Kate, being the big social justice warrior she is, decided that since Poker Night in America's staff mistreated Jacqueline Moscow so much, even though Kate didn't know Jacqueline Moscow, you know, just because Jacqueline's a woman, she has to t- automatically take her side, uh, that she was never going to be on Poker Night in America again, which, as you see, ended up being false because she was just on it on Sunday. So Matt, Matt was saying, remind me how long it took for you last year to backtrack and go on anyway, because I guess she was on anyway after that, you know, not too long from then. So then Matt also evaluated some of her other statements regarding the uh, the $500 that she said she left. He said, misleading but partially true. You offered to reimburse me for the 500 I personally gave the dealers. That's nice of you, though. So, so Matt's clarifying, saying, you didn't just say, hey, take my 500 and give it to the dealers as a tip. I already tipped them, and then uh, you offered to reimburse me at that point. It was. It wasn't. Uh, it was only after I told you I already tipped them myself, and, and and you kind of felt guilted into doing it. What he's saying, and then here's the here's something that he was especially unhappy about that she claimed that they didn't pay her. Remember, she said she made two tweets about how she was put out by Poker Night in America. One was that she took the time off from actually earning money to prepare, and then she traveled there on her own dime, and she went to the promotional events that they asked her to, and she was paid zero by Poker Night in America or the casino. Well, that was false. As I told you guys earlier, she was given $500. He says, extremely misleading. You were offered $500 thank you cash from the casino. You were comped a great room at the Hilton. You spent, like, what, $200 for the train? So, it's <laughs> a good point. You can't come out there and say you weren't compensated at all when you were compensated. Now, $500 is not much money. A room yeah, at the Hilton is not much gonna money. I was going to say, I mean, you know... 
it's true she was compensated, but that's not really a hotel room and five hundred bucks isn't exactly an appearance fee. No, it's it's not. Well, but isn't that from the casino anyway? Not from Poker Night in America. No, but she said Poker Night in America or the casino. She actually put that specifically in her tweet. So, but but she was. I mean, you can she can say they didn't give me much or they gave me very little. To say I wasn't compensated at all, and apparently the as far as the party that uh, she claimed that. So that, you know, the thing with he said again, misleading. You know, she, not sorry. She said that the promotional event she was forced to be forced to go to or pressure to go to. He said again, misleading. You went to one event, a party for players, crew, and fans sponsored by Red Bull. I know who must have been there. And oh, hell yeah, <laughs> maybe that's where he got <laughs> all. Of them. Dentelli backed up the truck. That's probably where he got all of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I believe you were treated great. So, so what it sounds like here is they had some kind of party the night before, or sometime shortly before the match, and uh, they, and she was invited to it and came. And they may have said, I "Yeah, bet you she didn't get motorboated, though." Yeah, probably not. Not at that Pro- party. No, probably not, not. Probably not. Also, there's not as much to motorboat as there is. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. There's not really enough. Uh, not enough wave, is there? No, no. It's, it's <laughs> no surf. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. No, it's it's pretty. It's uh, yeah. It's probably like zero to one feet at most. So, uh, so they invited her to some party. They may have said, "Hey, it would be good if you show up to this." But the, this is a party. This is like a party for for players, crew, and fans. Matt Glantz said. So when you have a party for the show that you know that they're about to have the next day, and say, "Hey, come to this," and then you come there, and and probably have a good time there. You can't say that's a promotional event that you were forced to go to. That's BS. It's a, now, if she said she didn't want to go and they said you have to to appear on the show, then that's a different story. Then they then they are forcing or pressuring her to go to. But this sounds like she just wanted. You know, she, she was very happy to go to the party, and now she's bitching that she wasn't compensated for that, which is crap. Uh, promotional things are like if she has to go on some, you know, do, do media appearances or other things like that that are that may be something you otherwise wouldn't want to do if you weren't compensated. But to, to, to have a party for the show that you show up to, one party, that's not something you can claim you need compensation for, that you got screwed over, that they weren't, weren't offering it. So, well, here, at the very least, Ruff, why didn't she take the 500 bucks the casino gave her and give it to the dealers? Well, that's, <laughs> well, well the thing, she didn't know she had the 500. That, that's, uh, yeah. that, so she, did, she left there not even knowing the 500 was waiting for her. Right. And and then afterwards, you know, when he said I, I gave the dealer five hundred, you know, then uh, she said, okay, fine, take the five hundred and reimburse it. But you know how Dentali could have come off looking really awesome is if he tipped the yeah, if he tipped him, yeah. So you know, so uh, so so that's how it went. And so it, it did seem to me in her tweets that she was being very flippant about it. Now I I believe that she didn't know that they weren't tipping the dealers or taking care of the dealers on the production end. I believe she left there believing that. Uh, it is good that she was willing to have the 500, but she, she was clearly very angry and flippant about it. And, and, and so, first of all, she had been on the show before. She knows that the players tip the dealers. She should have asked about this. She shouldn't have just left, assuming that this time the show's taken care of it. Why, why this time in a freeze-out format is a show taking care of it, but but not in the regular cash games? That doesn't even make sense to me. Either they do or they don't. I, I would, having been on the show before, I wasn't, but if she were, like if I were in her shoes and I had been on the show before, and I knew I had to tip the dealers, I wouldn't think the next time I come back in a different format that somehow I don't have to tip the dealers. It, it makes little sense to me. But even if I thought that, I would have asked. I'd like, hey, you guys took care of the dealer tips, right? And if they didn't, 
if I felt it was unfair, which I can understand her on this one, I can understand why she thinks it's unfair, because this is a little different than a typical Poker Night in America episode, because this was a big deal. They promoted the hell out of it. They got a lot of viewers. This is going to do a lot to help Poker Night in America. It's not going to be huge for them, but it's going to. It's something that they benefited from. And since the amount we're talking about is $500, I, I would have said to them, look, you know, I, I got you guys great ratings on the internet. You're probably going to have good ratings on your broadcast version too this is something you got a lot of great publicity out of and you didn't you know you 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 didn't other than the five hundred dollars i got from the sugar house i didn't get compensated so and i even had to travel at my own expense so uh, could you guys please just tip them on my behalf just just you know, can you give me this little token here for everything all for, the fact that i put all my time into this the, and they don't have to but i i would have thought that would have been the right thing for poker night in america to do because it's such a small sum of money it's only 500 bucks i know it's not a high margin production but they can afford that they got a lot of benefit out of this i think they probably should have in this case they probably just didn't think of it and then they just noticed kate left and the dealer's like uh hey we never got tipped and matt is like oh crap Oh crap! You guys never got tipped. I'm so sorry. Okay, here I'll, I'll, yeah, I'm going to give you 500. I don't know if he gave it out of his pocket. I don't know if he gave it uh, from Poker Night in America. I, I, I think he may have given it from his pocket. Whatever it was, uh, he gave 500 dollars to the dealers, and then when this whole thing came up, she gave it back, but very angrily gave it back. Never, never politely approached Matt or even politely stated on Twitter, "Hey, you know, I, I'll tip," and I didn't realize it, and I'm really sorry, but. You know, first apologize to the dealers, and then say, "Look, uh, I, I would think it would be nice if the show could do this because you know me and Mike really brought you guys so many viewers. Could you just uh, could you do this on our behalf? It's not very much money. Th- that's what I would have done in her shoes. I, I think if I were in her shoes, and I really thought that the show should have done it, I wouldn't have acted insulted or pissed off or said, I'm never coming on here again or been nasty about it or been flippant on Twitter about it and tried to humiliate them. I, I would have gone to them privately and said, hey. And they did have a private conversation, clearly, because that's a, she had already told Matt in some way to give the $500. So I, I don't know what went on in this private conversation, but they had one. So I would have, in that private conversation, said, hey, you know, can you please do this? Can you please go to Todd Anderson, who runs Poker Night in America, and ask him, hey, can you guys just kick in the 500 here? Because this event was a success. Everybody liked it. There was a, a big uh, big following for it. It's $500. Can you please just do that for me? Okay, That's what I would have done. And and uh, if they said no, then then maybe I would have said, okay, I'm not coming on this thing again if, they, if they're going to be this cheap with me. But uh, there's, there's no reason to go out and be so flippant about this. She, she was acting insulted. She was acting like she did so much for them. And, and something I hate is when people use the uh, – when poker players try to tell you that their hourly rate is such and such, and if you waste their time, then you basically are costing them that money or you owe them that money. And I've, I've had people use this on me before, people in poker. I'm not going to name names, but I've had people in poker I've argued with before, like back and forth in email or something. And then they, they stop me and say, you know what? My hourly rent win rate is uh, 150 per hour, and I can't play poker while I'm arguing with you here. So, either you pay me 150 an hour to continue this, or this is done. And that, this is so obnoxious to say because you can play poker anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So, it, it's not like arguing with someone. Or, or taking time out to do something means you can't play poker. Your, your entire life is not going to be poker. You're going to have to sleep. You're going to have to eat. You're going to have to do other things with your life. So 
you, you'll have your time for poker. You can't say that because you have to do something else you'd rather not do that you could have been playing poker with this time and therefore that person's costing you this much money. That's not how it works. That's not how it, like, can you imagine like, like uh, Kate Hall's out at a restaurant and that she has slow service and tells the, the waiter, hey, you know what? Uh, this took half an hour longer than, than it should have and I make this much per hour playing poker so you owe that to me. Like, it's crazy. It's, that's not how it works. The whole thing with poker is it doesn't have set hours. And you can play any time. So someone who is wasting your time in some way is not costing you your hourly poker wins. They're just not. So anyway, she, she was implying that very strongly when she said, I took time off from actually earning money to prepare, then traveled there on my own dime. Now this, forget the travel part, but this is so weird. I took time off from actually earning money to prepare. So how does she earn money? Well, all she does now is play poker. So she took time off from earning money playing poker to prepare to earn money playing poker. <laughs> How does that make any sense? She, she prepared for a match in 130K. I'd say that's time well spent. It's not like she lost. It's not like they were playing for play money. She took time to prepare for a real money poker match and won it. In the best result possible. So how is... <laughs> I mean... Now, now they've got to pay her for her preparation and in, 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 uh, learning how to win. It's crazy. How, how can you even say that that's something that you had to put yourself out for for Poker Night in America? That's crazy. You had to take time off from playing poker to play poker. Okay. And and like she didn't benefit from educating herself on how to beat Dentale. Right, I mean, right. And she learned, right, and she learned how to become a better heads-up player. Oh, my God. Poker Night in America did a horrible thing to Kate Hall. They they made her learn how to become a better heads-up player, and then she went to proceed to beat someone heads-up from that preparation for 30K. Oh, my God. She she made, like, 30K in three hours. Yes. I'll fucking take that. Yeah, she made 30K. <laughs> In, in, in the four-plus hours of play and learn how to become a better heads-up player from studying for it. But somehow Poker Night in America hurt her by making her learn this. And here's a kind of interesting thing. I mean, you know, Poker Night in America did somewhat of a service for them by providing the venue. Um, now, I grant you that um, they could have easily just, like, arranged at any casino to go do it, and, and they probably would have done it. But it's very possible that by virtue of the fact that Poker Night in America said, yes, we'll broadcast this, that they prevented one or the other from backing out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, they basically created a situation where Dentale just, he really couldn't back out. Yeah. And, <laughs> he looked like an idiot. Yeah. And, and they, got to pl- they got to play also, you know, with, with the, the Twitch stream. They got to uh, have commentators. They had a lot that had they just agreed with some random casino, even if they got the casino to agree to let them broadcast something on Twitch with a GPI-like cell phone in the corner. I mean, it's, it's not the same thing. They, they got And it, uh, even though she will deny it, I guarantee you, it's clear to me that she likes the attention. They got her a whole lot of attention. Oh, a ton. By, yeah. by broadcast. Yes, a ton. So that's, that's yeah. like, this. I understand why she did it. Sometimes you don't get compensated for, for appearing in media. I know this because I did it myself. I didn't get paid by 60 Minutes to appear on there to talk about Absolute Poker. I didn't get paid by CNBC to talk about, again, Absolute Poker and UB. I didn't get paid by uh, the the company that made that, DVD extra for Runner Runner, where I talked about, again, the UB scandal. None of these places paid me. I, I did it just because I wanted to get the message out. And did did 60 Minutes make money from broadcasting this 
special there, this uh, yeah, this online poker story right after the Super Bowl. Not the Super Bowl. It was after a Sunday night football game, and uh, there was, I think, 18 million people watched. Of course, they made a lot of money. They made a lot of money off that segment, of which I was a major part. And I chose to be part of it anyway. Because I wanted the story to get out, and I yeah. Me, and here's the thing, though, Druff. I mean, they would have made money off of it regardless, right? It just would have been someone else on there, right? That's exactly. Maybe they wouldn't have done as good a job, or you know, whatever it is. But still, exactly. I thought of that too. I thought if I said no, give me money, they'll say, okay, forget you. We'll just get someone else to talk about it. And I said, look, look I want to get my voice guy. on there. Yeah, I want to get my voice on there. I think it's important, and I don't. I don't feel I have to be compensated for it. I I'd prefer that I can get my voice out about this to 18 million people. So now, that's, if they wanted to pay me, I certainly wouldn't tell them no. Right. <laughs> so, so Kate Hall, I, I think this was a mutually beneficial thing. Kate Hall and Mike Dentali, they got uh, some attention out of this, and uh, especially Kate Hall, who, you know, being female and, and under thirty-five, she could, you know, she could possibly get some endorsement opportunities down the line. The more and more exposure she gets, so definitely she gained from this, and, and she won thirty k real money off this, and they didn't pay any rake, so. I can understand the show's point there, and I can understand if the show refused to do the tips. And the, I think the players should have beforehand made it very clear what they are and are not on the hook for. So, like, I, I would have wanted to know these things. I would have said, okay, am I paying any rake? Okay, you know, who's tipping the dealers? I, I would have actually fleshed these things out before playing, especially when Kate had played on there before and knew she had to tip. So it's really weird to me that she tipped before in the cash game, but felt somehow the heads-up freeze-out, she was not going to have to tip. That's kind of weird to me. But even if she really legitimately thought that, which I think she did, for whatever reason she got in her head, she didn't have to tip, and they they were going to do it. Uh, At that point, you say, oops, sorry, made a mistake, didn't realize it, okay, here's the tip. Or, hey, guys, given what a success this was, given how many people watched this, given the publicity you're getting, it's only 500, can you please just kick this in for me? But you, you don't come out I'll flip in like this. You wasted my time. I had to learn how to play heads up poker. <laughs> what? What? It doesn't make any sense. And, and uh, so, and there were more tweets about how, uh, you know, you know, why aren't they paying, you know, why is Poker Night in America being so cheap and not paying the dealers? And again, I, I think that in this particular special event, they should have tipped for them. That should have been just one little form of compensation they gave, especially because the 500 came from the Sugar House Casino. So Poker Night America, all they did is get them a room of the Hilton. So they, they could have sprung for the tips, too. But anyway, this this is something that was uh, tweeted by by her friend, uh, Dan O'Brien. Uh, you know, he tweeted one of these things he types on his iPhone and then uh, takes a screenshot of it. But tipping in tournaments serves no purpose and has been effectively done away with by simply charging an additional staffing fee to players. The idea of tipping more generally is simply a way of transferring costs from business to customer, allowing tips as a way of charging an extra fee to customers. In a televised event, the customers are the viewing audience. The dealers are employees. You can call the players whatever you like, players, talent, performers, but they are also workers. They provide a service to the operation just as the dealers do and then should be paid. Now, players often waive the pay but but to ask some workers to actually pay the dealer to pay is abs- the work is, to pay to work is absurd the dealers deserve to get x amount and that variable is agreed upon by the dealer and employer if the dealers aren't being paid enough their employers certainly pay them more to ask players not to just work for free but to shoulder some of the costs is ridiculous and unprofessional so he's trying to say that uh you know they're basically working for the show here and the players are providing 
free services for the show by playing for free that you shouldn't also make them pay the employees. I, I know what he's trying to say here, but as we mentioned, they're, they're, the players got something out of this, too. So, uh, Well, and, you know, he can have whatever belief that he wants, and I understand what he's talking about from the point of view of tipping, but you know, it doesn't change the fact that when you go to a restaurant, and, you know, there's a waitress there that does a, a service for you and you know she's getting paid minimum wage. It still doesn't make you less of a dick when you leave her no tip. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know? right. And, and, and the point is here that, that again, I, I think I think Poker Night America probably should have given the high profile this from what they gained from this. They should have just covered the tips. I think even if no one really thought of this, if she asked afterwards, hey, can you cover this given what a success this was, they should have. But at the same time, she shouldn't have. The attitude she had from the start was like uh, just really nasty. Like, how dare you expect me to do this and just and look at all I did for you. And that's that, that was the wrong way to come at everyone. And so given all this, Clearly, they didn't put up her buy-in. <laughs> because if they put up her buy-in, then she would not have been acting this way. She she was acting this way because she felt like she did so much for them, and now they're asking her to tip the dealers, too. And she's like, what? After all I did for you, now you want me to tip the dealers, too? What the hell is your problem? So obviously, if they had put up the money for her to play, she wouldn't have that attitude. So clearly, they didn't put up the money. You know, just from that, you can tell they didn't put up the money. So... I, I was looking at what the Internet thinks of this, you know, like w- w- what side they're on the internet as a whole. And I will say that most people are against Kate Hall on this one. They're, they're, she had her friends who were backing her. But most of the people I saw were critical of her here. And then in that Ray Davis Real Grinders group, they were just really bashing her hard over there. And Detali himself showed up in the group and was enjoying that whole thing and you know, taking part in that himself. So, But the, everyone was very critical of her and it was funny that i was watching the people who were critical of her and it was a combination of two things it was a combination of people who just didn't understand everything that happened and just were commenting on kate hall left no tip and they're like what 30k win and no tip stiffing the dealers what a fucking bitch like there was that who they didn't understand all the complications to this and but then there were the ones who did understand all the complications who, who were basically still calling her out saying you know what's what's her problem the you know, she should have just tipped why she had this type of attitude. So uh, there were very few people who were defending her there. And she did have one person defending her, though. Um, Brian Koppelman. You recognize that name? Sounds vaguely familiar. He's one of the two writers of Rounders. Ah, uh, right, 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 right. And he jumped to her defense, oddly. In, in a weird little thread on Twitter, she uh, she created a, a, a cute little Twitter poll. Should I just quit Twitter forever? This is in reference, of course, to people uh, giving her a hard time about the tipping thing. And yes or obviously yes are the two things you can vote for. Isn't that cute? So her first response to that was from Brian Koppelman. Look at me. Look at me. Yeah, her first response to that was from Brian Koppelman, who said... Nah, you can't let them win. And then Olivier Bousquet, you know, another SJW, responds, uh, I'm only concerned with whether she benefits. I personally have benefited a lot from the reduced Twitter engagement. So he's he's saying he's 
been on Twitter less and has personally benefited. Isn't that sweet? So then Brian Koppelman says back, I get that. Last night's attacks on her got me sick. Without even knowing Kate, the hatred toward women, the anger. So he, he doesn't even know her, apparently. He apparently, I thought maybe Brian Coppola like, they became friends with her. No, they, they, he, somehow he just kind of followed this but doesn't know her personally. And he was sickened by, quote, last night's attacks having to do with tipping, and that it's a hatred toward women. That, that's not true. Believe me, if a guy had not tipped, like let's say Dentali won and the same thing happened, there'd be people all over him, too. Right. It, it, it's, people get really mad when players stiff dealers on tips, and sometimes I've even seen where the player gets wrongfully attacked. There was one situation many years ago where this poor kid, who a young guy who won a million-something dollars at uh, Bay 101, had an auto-tip taken out of the pool, meaning he had already tipped. And then they say, hey, do you want to leave anything on top of the auto-tip? He's like, yeah, throw another $1,000. So he tried to do something nice, well, someone posted a message like, hey, look what this cheap asshole did. He only tipped the dealers $1,000 on his $1.2 million win. Everyone's like, ah, what a fucking asshole. Like, everyone just totally ripped into him. And then he showed up and he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. There was already an auto tip out. And he explained the whole thing. They're like, ah, you're still a cheap asshole. <laughs> so, so they like, the funny thing, if he had not left anything and just left the auto tip, then everyone would have understood and no one would have gotten on him. It was the fact that he left $1,000 on top of the auto tip that somehow that made him a cheapskate. And I, I couldn't understand that. I thought that was like, really nasty to do and i thought it was also nasty if the only people who knew this were people who were staff there so for the staff someone on the staff or the, one of the dealers to come out and, and and humiliate him like that when he he tried to do something nice which i thought was awful but uh so in general everyone's very tough on anybody who doesn't who's doesn't leave tips or is perceived not to leave tips for the dealers so that's the reason they were all over her about this they they were not all over her for being a woman this is not hatred toward women so then uh Brian Koppelman says, I spoke to some poker friends today, male and female, who all said, Kate is clearly targeted unfairly, which I knew. So, you know, that's that's not true. She's not targeted unfairly. She's putting herself out there all the time, being intentionally controversial, always trying to throw her uh, her social justice warrior views on you know, in everyone's face, tr- always trying to get attention, always trying to make everyone look at her and, and pay attention to what she's saying. And when you do that, you're going to get haters. When you do that, you're going to get people that are angry at you, that don't like you, that want to make you look bad, that want to make fun of you. Th- that's part of what's going to happen if you try to get a lot of attention on the Internet and try to be controversial on the Internet. She has a right to do that. She has a right to say what she wants. But you can't say what you want and be controversial and then get mad when people react negatively to you, or when some people do. So this isn't about being a woman. The same thing would happen to a man who does this. And, and the same thing does... I mean, how many, how many guys on the internet get attacked and made fun of? It happens all the time. So I don't know what Brian Koppelman's talking about. I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's probably true that women in general, you know, get attacked more. Um, but it's kind of that double-edged sword that we've talked about before. They also get a, a whole lot of more positive attention as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, Kate Hall, 10K or so Twitter followers, if she was some dude right, who, who did the same thing, she probably had like 500 followers. Right. If, if she was some dude with the exact same poker results and who, who, who tweeted the exact same things, she, yeah, right, she'd have like 500 followers, exactly. And And so, by the way, something else she has going on is she has a very, very thin skin. And <laughs> is that why we can see the bone in her fingers? <laughs> is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, That's so, a sick dig, Trump. So, so, that so, is. Oh. So tell, tell me if this sounds 
horribly insulting. A guy named uh, Matthew Wheat on Twitter tweeted back to her, if you're going to tweet about poker, drugs, grudge matches, etc., then no. This is about leaving Twitter. If you're going to keep t- tweeting about politics, obviously yes. Now, is that horribly offensive? Is that something that not, should be... Not, not to me. No, not, I sh- not to anybody. So, within 30 seconds, she blocked him. And this is very... like. There's tons of people who are blocked by Kate Hall. I mean, I, I think she went to the Jack Ethel School of Blocking. Because that's what Jack Effel used to do. Like, if you said the slightest thing critical about him or the World Series, you're blocked. Uh, he claimed he's not going to do this anymore, and I blocked a bunch of people. But th- that did happen, including to me. So, Kate Hall does the same thing. If you say the slightest thing that is critical or even semi-critical of her, even if, even if you're polite, she blocks you. Now, oddly, the one guy she will not block is me. She won't ever respond to me, but she won't ever block me. I don't understand it. But she... For some reason, I am never. She won't block me. I, I don't try to bait her. I don't try to harass her or anything. But but I have tweeted things that others would have gotten blocked for, and she's never blocked me. But she never once responded to me. Really weird. I don't understand it. But I actually I'm glad about that because I, I I still want to see what she has to say and be a pain in the ass to have, pain in the ass to have to go on a different account to look at it or or, or log off to do it. So, but she, she blocked this guy within 30 seconds. So that, that's another thing. Like if. If you're going to go out there and be controversial and post these like attention whore polls and people respond to you, don't block them. If, if this Matthew guy was was tweeting really obnoxious, offensive things or threatening things to her, I understand blocking him, but not not that, not a message like that. It's stupid. So anyway, that's that's all that happened. And look, as far as this grudge match itself and Poker Night in America's handling of it. They obviously had a lot of growing pains with it. There were some mistakes that were made. I hope they learned from it. I I think they were smart to jump on this and to be the ones to broadcast it. I give props to Mac Lance for this. Uh, I know that a lot of this was kind of new territory for them. I I don't know. The 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 upside-down flop wasn't new territory. I don't know how that happened. but, But a lot of this was new territory that they didn't consider everything until they did it once. And So hopefully they they claim that they're going to do another one of these or that they're considering it. And I, I don't want to be all down and negative. I'm glad that the poker night in America guys made this happen. I'm glad that they had the awareness to see that this was going on and recognize that this would be a good opportunity and then to go out and do it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that, and so, so like that's, Mac Lance, I know, listens to the show and, and he's some, you know, Mac Lance is actually introspective. He actually, he's not someone who's afraid to be criticized. Um, you, you never want to hear that something you did, you know, have people criticize it and, and, and say, oh, you know, this should have been done better. That should have been done better. And like, so, but, but he's also someone who is willing to listen right. to criticism and, and to want to improve. And I know he's going to change the cell phone thing for sure if they do another one of these, but, but everything else I, I mentioned here about like the commentators and you said about, you know, maybe hiring someone who's. A an experienced co- a poker commentator, at least one of the two, to be that exactly. And, and if you don't, at least to tell them to never talk over the table talk. So I, hopefully they'll learn from all these things, and the next one they will correct all these issues, and of course test the, the alternate stream beforehand. So so hopefully they'll learn from all these things. I understand when you do something for the first time, and this has happened on this show that that I'll try something new or even a new piece of equipment that i get and then it fails and and i'm very embarrassed so it's happened to me so i'd be a hypocrite to say oh how could you not get this right on the first shot so 
It's not like it was unwashable. It was, no, I don't it, think it was a fail show. It, it wasn't. It wasn't a fail show. It wasn't no, a fail show. It had. It had some. It had some issues that could have been better. Uh, but uh, but it wasn't. I, a fail it would have been way better if they they did my scenario where Dentale and and Kate Hall just you know got into a chatting match, threw chips at each other, and then said, "Oh, I can't stand it anymore," and then they just banged <laughs> on the table. That I mean, that would have made it better. Yeah. But I mean, in reality, it was more. Uh, yeah, probably because of the backstory and the personalities involved, but it was more interesting than your average, you know, uh, stream poker. Yeah, well, I'll I say think. this. I, I hardly watch poker on TV, and right. I actually made time to watch this. I actually said right. I actually said to Ben's mom, I'm not going to be available on Sunday afternoon. I've got to watch this thing. And, and, then I, and then I did watch it, and I watched it for the, its entirety, which I very few things in poker would attract me to do this, or it had it been a fail show, I would have quit it. Had it been like a total fail show, which is unwatchable, I would have turned it off. So I, I watched the entire way through. I, I, I looked forward to watching it. It was, it was very smart on Mac Lance's part to jump on this, to, to then talk to the right. people at Poker Night in America, to, to, and, you know, for them to agree to do it. And like to, so they, very smart, and, and I think the grudge match format, provided it's legitimate, provided it's actual grudge matches and not ones that you're manufacturing out of people you think may not like each other or who once had a, an issue at the table, that's that's not a real grudge match. People like the, the idiot, those idiots that did that over in Europe, what was yeah, it? Yeah, the, the Madison and, uh, and Kasuf thing. Yeah, that so, was yeah, terrible. It was terrible. So, <laughs> so they, they like an actual grudge match between people who actually don't like each other, or who actually been going back and forth. Yeah, like a druff Micon heads up. You know, <laughs> I mean something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so they put that together. Two people that you know are at each other's throats, and then put them at the poker table and have everybody watch it, and then have some build up with them talking trash. That's that's interesting. That's something that you know people have talked about for for over a decade now about heads up for roles, grudge matches, and but but here you actually have them on TV where where the audience can watch. That's a good idea. That's something interesting. So so they've they've stumbled upon this. They they jumped not just stumbled. They, you know, they they saw an opportunity for this and took it. So I think they're going to do more, and I think that's a good thing. And I think there's interest in it, and I think there will be continued interest. Now Kate Hall's not going to come back on, and I have to. I have a feeling that. Even if she changes her mind, I think she may have burned her bridge with them. I'm sure they don't like the fact that she came on Twitter and bashed them. So I, I think she is probably done with them, and they're probably done with her. But there's many others in poker who have grudges with one another that do not have to do with Kate Hall. So they will probably have these in the future. And Mike Santali is already saying that he wants to do a 25K match. For and it's saying, you know, who wants to play him? And there's like 57 people who've lined up. I'm not even. Kidding. I was about to say he's not going to have a hard time. It's like, well, there's discussion on Poker Fraudler. Like, like, hey, hey, maybe we should put up someone from Poker Fraudler to do it. And China Maniac's like, hey, I'll do it. And I said, you know what? I'd actually do it too. Uh, even though you know, and China Maniac, he's a more of a limit player like I am. But I, I think that uh, now, how bad would it be that that Dentali does a series of these, right? And he just gets his dick stomped time after time after time, and then you go on there and he just crushes. Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be the one thing I'd be afraid of is that just I, I just get crushed there. Either he just like plays unusually well, or or, or runs better, or like something like that, or or he runs better and then I make some stupid mistakes too, and like then I just like ah, this is the one guy in the world who can't be Mike Detali. Like uh, that'd be- <laughs> you would go down in history. As his, as his one, uh, his one win. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be known as like the worst poker player in history. <laughs> well, you get lots of action, Drew. Yeah, so you can look at it that way. So, but uh, 
is I don't know if that's going to happen, but I know that's being pitched. So we'll we'll see if that takes place. Of course, that that wouldn't be as interesting as just a random says they want to play Mike Dentali because then that's not a grudge match; it's just a heads up match. And yeah. well, I want I, I do want to say something. So I mean, obviously, we've been been having fun with Kate Hall and busting on her, but uh, I honestly do want to give her props because um, you know, first of all, both of them backed up their shit talk. And actually got out there and played. Yes. Which sounds silly, but literally 99 times out of 100, when you hear people, you know, heads up for rolls back and forth, it just never fucking happens. Yeah, it doesn't. So, you know, as much as we have uh, been having fun with both of them, honestly, props to both of them for going out there and doing it. Because the vast majority of people that, that talk shit don't do it. Um, he's the so, Billy Jean King, and he's the Bobby Riggs, I think. Right? Yeah, right. That's, that's a good example. <laughs> yeah. That is a really good example. Um, but and and I do uh, again. I thought that it was enjoyable. I'm glad Poker Night in America decided to uh, to put it on. I mean, could have been more entertaining. Yeah, sure. I mean, grease them both up and let them wrestle or something. But I, I still I thought it was uh, worthwhile that they did it, and uh, you know. It wasn't a complete wasted afternoon watching it. Yeah, and, and I don't, I don't even blame them for the lack of entertainment. That was Kate Hall for just not talking. So that's they, they can't control that. They, they can't force people to have personalities on the show. They, they can try to put ones there that they think will, but then if they don't, then they can't do anything about it. So, so anyway, that's uh, yeah, I agree, and, and I, you know, I give Kate Hall props for, you know, especially under the pressure that you're under. She's under a lot of pressure with everyone watching. And and, and to, she played well under pressure and, and uh, made a lot of right moves. Right. And and, and she won it very easily. And so I think a lot of people, except for idiots who, who overestimate their own ability, a lot of people saw it and said, well, she, this is, she, look, Kate Hall's actually a good player. So, yeah, so that's, yes, they both showed up and did it. And she she played well and she backed up. Her talk that she's just not just someone who can who's winning thanks to running well. Of course, she, she did also win somewhat thanks to running well, but she also won thanks to playing well with the good card she was dealt. And uh, so, now, so that's uh, I, I think we've talked. There's one other thing I was going to mention with that Martin Derbyshire, the guy who got fired from Poker News. He wrote an article that first poker related article he's written in a long time. You know, since he got fired from Poker News. And it was basically bashing the whole match. But, of course, that was received poorly. I, I'm starting to think this Martin Derbyshire is just, he's just like a, a, a poker troll. And that's that's why he got fired from Poker News. And I, that, for him to return... Might have, been, to, might have been why he got hired, too. It probably was. <laughs> but he, but now he returned to poker to do that. Like It just seems like he wants to bash everything. And even when I agree with some of his points... You can just tell he's writing this on purpose to be offensive, and I, I've never. Well, liked... That's older than the sun, though. I mean, yeah. it, you know, that's when the uh, the idea of like a curmudgeon commentator or curmudgeon columnist, you know. Yeah, that, that's pretty much what he's trying to be. So, yeah, uh, he's trying to be the. What, what were those guys in the the old Muppet Show? Oh, they, yeah, they yeah, would yeah, sit in the yeah, back yeah, and they was, would uh, grouse, was, grouse yeah, about everything. That was Statler and Waldorf. That's it. So he's trying to be Statler and Waldorf. Yeah. That's it. I have to say, I did love those guys when I was growing up watching them up at See? Show. See? Yeah. So they were... I, I used to think that was so funny as a kid to watch these two old men there like, bashing the show as it was going on. Here's, here's, here's some samples of them here. Yeah, so this is going to be a fantastic... 
fantastic show. Yeah, it better be. Because tonight we're keeping score. Yes, and on a scale of one to ten, here's your score so far. <laughs> so that was Alice Cooper. You should see his sister, James Fenimore. <laughs> Where do you suppose he got the name Alice? Oh, it's a family name. Hmm. He was named after a maiden uncle. <laughs> Is he a bouncing baby boy? I don't know, but we're high enough up to find out. <laughs> so, anyway, you he's actually that's a, us, Druff. Yeah, just so a, you know, we're we're Statler. Yeah, that's Baltimore. that's true. We're, oh, oh, we're, just, <laughs> we're just sitting here busting on everybody. <laughs> there's a 38 minute clip you could watch of them, like like just oh one after God. another after another. Someone put this together. That's one of those things that, like, you know how I told you the first rule of the internet is that if you can think of it, there's porn for it? I guarantee you, and please don't Google no, this. No. I, I'm not going to do either. I guarantee you there's probably Statler and Waldorf porn. So <laughs> there, there probably is. is. Yeah, there probably yeah. is. <laughs> well. Or Trader Rusky, you sounded like you knew something about that? No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I thought, I thought, no, no. He was gonna, the way you I thought Trader Rusky about would... it, I'm like, yeah, I, no, thought, I, I haven't even heard of them. I, I thought Trader Ruski was uh, chiming in, like, "Oh yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, it definitely exists." <laughs> wait, wait, you you haven't heard of them? I'm surprised you've never you haven't seen them before. Yeah, no, no, I haven't. You're not, you're not even that much older than me, though. You, you, you and the Muppet Show was on when you were a kid. Oh yeah, never got it. Okay, it was a Muppets thing. Okay, now I know what you're talking about. I guess I didn't know their names. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. It's two old men who who, who were sitting in uh, one of those little sky booth seats that they had in theaters. And they would uh, constantly heckle or bash the show. And, uh, yeah, I, I was a big Muppet Show fan. It, it started, it, the Muppet Show started in 76, and I was four then. And I, I watched it either from its first year or from its second year. I can't remember because I was very young. But I, I was, I, I watched it religiously. I, I really liked the Muppet Show. So, drop I, I'm taking one for the team. And oh, I did no. a Google search, Statler and Waldorf porn. You told me not to search, and then you go search. I know. I couldn't help it. But <laughs> just, I, the, the first hit is actually pretty funny. It's, uh, what if Statler and Waldorf from the Muppets commentated on porn videos? <laughs> <laughs> that actually would be fucking hilarious. Yeah, they should have had that. They should have had like a, a porn where, where they make some kind of comment. Oh, my God. That'd be great. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not going to drill down any further. I'm I'm scared about what I might find. <laughs> that's that's probably wise. Yeah. Okay. So Daniel Negreanu is uh, he, he's he started his rant videos again. He he did these YouTube videos where he called the, he, called the, he called it the rant, and he brought it back. It, it was it's been gone for a few years now, but he just brought it back, and. He's already on the attack. He's already I, Daniel Negreanu. I think he's he's uh, starting to become more of an alpha male, and he, he's kind of on the attack here against Doug Polk. Who he's, he's had kind of a quiet feud with Doug Polk, like not a direct feud, but kind of this like indirect, passive aggressive feud. Uh, I think he feels competition from Polk in a few ways. I think you know, number one, just Polk being this rising poker star, and Negreanu being more old school. Uh, I think that. They're doing a lot of the same things with, uh, you know, Polk is commenting on, was doing these commentating on poker hands, which uh, Negrano used to do. 
and I, I think Negreanu is, is afraid that Doug, and they, they even both have like the the metrosexual poker player thing going on. So I, I think he's feeling Doug Polk breathing down his neck, and there's kind of this silent rivalry between them. Now we mentioned before on this show that Doug Polk had to take some videos down because High Stakes Poker complained or that the owners of High Stakes Poker, Game Show Network, complained that he was using them without authorization. That is Doug Polk, not Negreanu. So the attorneys for the Game Show Network contacted Polk directly. This wasn't like a DMCA takedown notice. This was like a much more serious. He got a message directly from their attorneys saying, you better take this down or we're going to sue you. So Doug Polk got scared and took it down. But he also made a video bashing the Game Show Network for making him do this. So... I've known since that happened, but I, I didn't say anything, but I've known since that happened that Polk suspected that Negranu was the one who ratted him out to the Game Show Network. And I only didn't say that on this show because, uh, number one, this wasn't really public information, and number two, I didn't want to go accuse Negranu of that if possibly he didn't do it. Just because Polk thinks he may have done it doesn't mean that... Negreanu did it, so I didn't want to put that out there as if Negreanu did it. I, I didn't want to create this drama when I was just kind of told this on the download that this is uh, what Polk suspects. So I thought, okay, that's I heard I heard something similar. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, you know, uh, this is what's suspected, but I, I'm not going to fuel the fire here. This is between them. I just it's one of these things like, okay, interesting, but I'm not going to say anything. Right. So, so, so that was that. Well, now I can say something because Negreanu himself said it on his rant video. So, so first of all, here's the beginning of Daniel Negreanu's rant as it has returned. The rant is back. Okay, for those of you that have no idea what the rant is, I started this show on YouTube about five years ago. I was doing it on the weekly. It was called the weekly rant back then. It will not be called the weekly rant going forward because I got lots of stuff I'm doing and I can't be doing these all the time. So I plan to throw in some rants whenever I get a chance. For some of you that uh, never saw one of the rants, here's a couple clips to kind of refresh your memory a little bit. It's obnoxious. That's the clip he shows all the background noise. Let me fast forward this. What is this on uh, Negranu's channel? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think he has like 57,000 followers on there. So let me get. So then he goes on with this weird speech. Let me get back to his. Let's get past where he was uh, played his old stuff. And we're gonna have much better hair, the best hair money can buy, right? Much better, right? Than that blonde thing. I had like seven of them. Tried to make it look like three hundred. Eventually, I lost the balance. Uh, it's interesting. He's admitting finally that he bought hair. He's, I know Daniel Negreanu's hair just all of a sudden filled in after he was, you know, he was rapidly losing it. So he's saying we're gonna have much better hair and showed an old picture of himself now. Now he's actually admitting that he bought hair. I've never seen him admit that. Maybe he has, but I I hadn't seen him before admit to that, even though it was obvious. Battle. So, you know. So the first thing I want to talk about in this rant is I did an interview with a couple guys, I won't name them, and uh, you know, at the end of the interview, they told me, you know, beforehand, listen, whatever you don't want in there, you can take out, and they gave me like sort of approval, if you will. And uh, they sent me some titles to see if they'd be okay with me, you know. And I looked at these titles, and they were so negative. It was like Negrado trashes Helmuth, or you know, just these over-the-top kind of titles. And I was like, why are we going so negative with these titles? We said a lot of positive things in this thirty-minute interview, and you're so, so. This is already uh, 
who, actually, I'm not sure if this if that's aimed at Doug Polk because I I know that uh, um, I know they they put those things on on Polk's videos. They put these attention grabbing headlines on the front, which which a lot of YouTube video producers do these days. And that that's seriously serious work, by the way. But he, I'm not sure if he's talking about the grounding there or talking about Polk there, or if he's talking about somebody else, but. He, Later in the video, he definitely talks about Polk. But let, let the, I want you guys to hear this part. He goes into this weird rant about this guy that he follows. Not a poker player, but this guy he follows on YouTube. And th- this is Choice Center talking. Focusing on, you know, me saying that I think Phil played a hand badly and then titling it like that. And really nice guys. You know, they didn't, they're not bad guys, but they just came back to me and said, you know, this is what we've noticed works. And that made me sad a little bit. You know, it's kind of just sad that negativity is what works these like trashy tabloid like headlines are what people respond to you know it's uh, like watching a train wreck a little bit and i told them i said guys listen i get that that's what you guys do with your show but as long as i have a say just turn it into a positive title because i'd like to see more of that rather than just focusing on like these headlines that are grabbers that work unfortunately that also just demean people, trash people, gossip about people, especially when you don't know the whole story. One of the guys I follow on YouTube regularly, a really inspirational dude named Prince EA. And Prince, what he does, and he's been doing it for a long time, guy's got millions of followers, he focuses on positive messages, inspiring messages that are like designed to change the world, to make people wake up to the bad habits that they have, to connection, to human emotion, to love, all these positive things, right? Do you think we do that on this show? you think the show is about... Uh... All the positive human emotions and love. I mean, that certainly is what it seems like to me. <laughs> so that, that's it one seems the, like one big fuzzy group hug. That, that so that's one of the people in the ground who follows. I've never heard of this Prince EA. I guess he must be popular, but it's. Uh, I, I'm. I don't even. I. Or I know just from his name that he would irritate the fuck out. Right. Of me. That's what I thought. As soon as I heard Prince no EA, way. and like, and then I heard he talks about love and positive things. You can do things. I, I hate those type of videos. I, I actually am the guy who likes to watch. I, I don't like these cheesy tabloid like titles. Those kind of annoy me too. Watch this person destroy this other person. I, I hate the ones like that. But I, I do. I, I don't really. I don't watch YouTube videos to watch someone tell me how. I need to, you know, focus on positivity and improving myself. And here's how I can show more love to the world. Like I, I don't want to watch that stuff. That's not interesting to me. In, in fact, it just kind of it, it would annoy me. Like it would annoy you. So, but this is what Negroni watches. It, it's kind of an, an interesting insight into something he enjoys and is interested in. Because you you may wonder. I haven't thought of it before. But you know, Negranu he watches YouTube like all of us, and. What type of videos does he watch? Now you know he's watching this Prince EA guy talk about love or whatever. Listen to this. So recently, you know, I stepped upon a video where it was like a response to the haters. And I'm thinking, this guy has haters? How do you hate this guy? So I watched the video. <laughs> just let Druff and I had him. To- <laughs> yeah. We just explained it to you. <laughs> he just learned. We haven't watched this video. We already ate him. Uh-huh. This guy named Boy and Bad, who reminds me so much of like, the keyboard warriors that I deal with, you know, on online forums and things. Yeah, the, the keyboard warriors that last week, Daniel Negreanu threatened to mash him. Uh, Mary Bacon on Twitter, who's a listener to this show, uh, when he when he mocked Negreanu, and Negreanu said he's going to mash him. So he's he's getting tough here. 
things like that. It's just like so much like that. Where this guy dedicated an entire video, he made a song about Prince EA, all trashing him, calling him dangerous, right? Uh, and then, you know, obviously Prince, of course, decided it was important to defend himself. And he did so in a very eloquent way. Not only, first of all, he uh, refuted the points made and showed evidence to dispel them and prove that the guy was wrong. But on top of that, left it with a really positive message in the end, which is difficult to do when this guy just comes at you hardcore and spends all this time and energy to literally break you down and, and rip you to shreds when he's also wrong about most of the things that he said. So take a little clip here. At This is Prince um, uh, responding to the claim that, uh, you know, the studies that he uses or that he cites are bogus. Studies show the attention span of the average adult today is one second lower than that of a goldfish. Now this are, are you are you annoyed yet? Not yet. I'm getting there though. Okay. Now, now this next thing is is the guy criticizing him. It struck me as absolute crap, and it turns out that's because it's absolute crap. And after hours of searching, I couldn't find the actual study at all. Hours of searching. Hours of searching. Hours of searching. Did you know the average person spends four years of his life looking down at a cell phone? Kind of ironic, ain't it? How these touch screens can make us lose touch. The music's annoying me. The, the music the music by itself is annoying me. I, I feel like the music is trying to force me to meditate when I don't want to. That, though, though, in his defense, that, that the hater of his is equally annoying, especially if you could see him. He's got like half red, half black hair. Red on one side, black on the other. So the the guy sounds probably I, instantly. That, that guy sounds like he'd instantly annoy me too. Yeah, <laughs> I can't find any research. I can't find any. Look at my hair, though. Look at my my cool red and black hair. I can't find any research. I spent hours of research. Now Prince also goes after Boy and Band for another claim that he makes, and he does. Yeah, okay. anyway, let me fast forward over to. Uh, this sounds so. Sounds so like fifth grade schoolyard yeah i'm so i'm so, why, I'm so surprised that this is what and then he is. said this and yeah. then he said that and, and they don't like each other and it has nothing to do with poker or really anything to do with anything anyone's going to be interested who's watching negranu like no n- nothing about this is interesting so i i don't know what's going on i i i don't know why when he comes back with his rant video after all this time why is he playing clips of two YouTube guys we don't know feuding with each other. It's a, it's weird. But the, here's here's the more interesting part of Nick Rauner's video where he responds to the accusations by Polk that he basically turned him into the Game Show Network. How your actions and what you say affect those around you. The next thing I want to talk about is YouTube content. Now, I don't have a deep understanding of fair use. I'm not a lawyer. Uh, but I've always been a big believer that if I'm going to use somebody's content, I reach out to them, just get permission. I I did that even with Prince EA, even though um, I don't have to, because I know that I can take clips for YouTube, but I want them to know, you know, listen, I'm going to use some of your stuff in my video. And it just feels like the respectful way to do business, to build relationships, to, um, you know, I don't know, just make sure there are no gray areas. And if there are, um, just take the respectable approach. So that's what I did here um, with GSN. So a lot of people were thinking, whoa, 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 before we go on here. That's what I did here with GSN. So already he's setting this up where he he's admitting that he contacted the Game Show Network who coincidentally told Polk 
to take his stuff down. Very interesting admission on the part of Negreanu. So let's let's go on here and hear what he said to GSN. So he's he's now admitting that he did this. That I was responsible for getting GSN to pull videos. Well, I don't have a relationship with GSN. So so he now he's it's weird because he said he contacted GSN regarding his own videos. But then says, look, I'd have a relationship with them. But that, that's already suspicious. He contacts GSN, says, can I use your videos? And, and then suddenly Doug Polk gets this legal notice. Like, obviously, there's no coincidence here, even if he doesn't. I believe Negroni probably doesn't have a, a relationship with GSN. That's probably true. But the fact that he contacted them and then this happened is already very suspicious. But listen to the rest of this. Okay. I have a relationship with somebody who does, who owns, the, who I thought owned the content. So I reached out to him and I said, listen. There's a lot of great high-stakes poker's hands that I would like to cut up, one of which, of course, is the Gus Hansen hand where I had quads against quads. I did cut that up, and I'll release that um, for you. I did it years ago, like 10 years ago, before all – like I've been doing hand breakdowns for 15 years. It's funny when people say, oh, like, dude, you're totally copying. I'm like, what? I've been doing this 15 freaking years before a lot of these guys were even playing poker. So, so you know who that's aimed at. and So, so he's already irritated that – Negranu, who's been, again, cutting up hands and and doing analysis, that people have been tweeting at him, like, going, oh, you're ripping off Doug Polk, and that he's getting pissed because he's saying, I did did this a decade ago, I did this 15 years ago, and Polk wasn't even old enough to play poker back then. So, what the hell? How are you saying, I'm the copier, I'm I'm one of the originators of this, is what he's saying. See, you can tell he's very irritated with, with pretty much Doug Polk's existence. So, it goes on. So, anyway... So I reached out to my contact who I figured owns it. He says, okay, let me double check to make sure that it's okay to use because I really wanted to cut up some videos and make sure that I reached out. I, I've done that with Poker Stars. That's why I can use their clips. I've done that with Poker Central. So I have permission to use their clips as well. Um, I didn't know about high stakes poker. I saw other people doing it, but I don't know. I don't want any gray areas. I want to make sure that my relationships are, you know, I don't like take advantage of my relationships in any way. So the word came back to me and they said, absolutely not. Now, I don't believe that he's doing this because he wants to maintain relationships. I, I think he's doing this because he probably got some advice. You know, Negreanu has a lot of money. He probably has, you know, he probably got advice from someone or maybe an attorney or whatever that he needs to get permission. Because fair use, it's, such, it's so ambiguous. It's so hard to tell what is fair use and what isn't. That... He was probably told, look, you have so much money, you don't want one of these places suing you and winning all kinds of money from you because you have deep pockets. So just protect yourself. Every time before you use a clip, make sure you have permission so there's no gray area. That's probably what was told to him, and he's probably terrified to do anything else but that, which which makes sense. I'm not blaming him for taking that approach. So, so I believe this is what happened. I believe he probably wanted to have to, to run some clips from high-stakes poker and asked someone at the Game Show Network, can I do this? And that they came back and said no, which surprised him because other poker shows had said yes. So he was surprised about this. That they're not happy about this practice. They don't want people doing this, whatever. So I dropped it. I'm like, okay, cool. I have plenty of hands on Poker Central, Poker Stars to do that. Well, weeks later, apparently they sent it to cease and desist and they started pulling some videos that had their content in them, um, claiming rights and whatnot. So... I didn't have any hand in that. I don't tell GSN what to do with their content. All I did was take the responsible approach from my perspective and say, listen, if I'm going to use your content, I'm going to ask permission. And- okay, so this is where I don't completely believe him. 
I do think he went to them for permission to use their content in his own videos. I believe that. I believe they said no. I believe that he is not directly responsible for Doug Polk's videos coming down. But what I do believe is that after they said no, he said, well, wait a minute. There's someone already doing this. And they said, oh, really? Oh, yeah, this guy, Doug Polk. Go take a look. How come he can do it and I can't? Did you give him permission? They're going to go, well, crap, we didn't know about this. Okay, we're going to put a stop to this too. So then they, they so basically, I, I think Nick Rowney went back and said, either either tattled on Polk saying, well, you're not letting me, but look, there's somewhere, someone doing it who didn't ask permission. or Sounds reasonable. Or, or did you give Polk permission? How come you give permission to him and not me? And then they took it down. So, And he's not even directly denying that he mentioned anything about Polk. Notice he, if, if he had nothing to say about Polk to them, he would come out of here and say that. He would say, look, I asked for permission, but I never once told them that Polk had it. They found it on their own. He didn't say that in this video because I'm sure, not sure, but I, I think there's a high chance that he brought Polk to their attention, either to ask, did you give him permission or reporting him for not having permission. And and uh, and this could have been over this same kind of rivalry they have where Negreanu just felt it's not fair. He felt it's not He's like, hey, I'm playing by the rules. I'm trying to ask them for permission. They deny me, so fine. If they're going to deny me, they're going to deny everyone, especially going to deny someone who's uh, competing with me. I'm not going to let my competition have an unfair advantage. So uh, that's, I think, what Negreanu is not saying here is more important than what he's saying. And that's what I'm going to continue to do anytime I do a video where I take people's content. Now, if you're asking me, do I think this makes sense for GSN to do this? Absolutely not. I mean, I think that having their you know stuff out there, they can monetize it, they can do a lot of things, and I would hope that fair use would cover that. So um, I don't think it's just like from a business perspective a great decision on their part, but I don't run GSN. I have nothing to do with GSN, so they make up their own rules. The same is true with ESPN and the World Series of Poker. Um, you can't use those either as far as I was told because you know it's there's a cost. An ESPN production, you, know, you have to pay upwards of $3,000 per minute to use their footage, so I won't be doing any hands from the World Series of Poker. Wow. $3,000 per minute to use their footage. Mm. You have to be careful here not to use their footage on this show. Otherwise, I'll be getting a pretty hefty bill. Mm. $3,000 well, They can't just bill you. For no, I know. I know. They'd have to, <laughs> they'd have to threaten me first and have yeah. me take it down. And But yeah, that's that's uh, that's pretty steep. But that's interesting to get those little tidbits. The next thing I want to talk about is rake, everybody's favorite subject, right? A video was released a while back that took... So, so now again, he's going to go after Polk. You may say, oh, who cares about rake? Well, Polk released a video mocking Negranu. This is back in October over the whole, a lot of the Supernova Elite type controversy. Polk re- released a video that is entitled, Daniel Negranu says more rake is better. And, and I'm not going to play it, but it's with Polk taking apart something Negranu said in, in another video, where Negranu's point was, was at, the, at the time was that having higher rake can be good because it discourages pros who, who count every penny to play and encourage it. You know that that uh, he, he brought up the point like if you make rake ridiculously high, that a lot of pros are going to leave, and the fish will stay. And by by the fact that you're going to lose the pros out of there, it'll actually make up for the fact that the higher rake is, and you're actually going to do better. So, so that was Negreanu's weird logic, that more rake is better because it's going to drive away a lot of your competition as a pro. 
and the people remaining are mostly going to be fish. So I, I don't agree with that. I think that's crap. It is true that fish don't really think about rake that much, but at the same time, the rake sucks money out of the game. And the more rake there is, the less money there is to go around. And remember, the fish don't lose every single time. So there's times the fish win and you lose. The rake becomes a very important factor. You have a certain amount you're going to be making per hour on average playing poker. And if the casino is taking a lot more per hand, you're going to make a lot less per hour. There's there's no way around that. And I, I don't think there's... Once it gets the rate gets so high that pros quit, there's a reason they're quitting. It's because they've determined that the amount that can be expected to win per hour is, is not going to be enough to make them a winning player anymore. So they quit. That's, so, so them quitting might help you a little bit, but they're quitting because they've determined they can't win enough. It, it's not going to make up for it. It's, it's much better if, if there's less rake. The less rake there is, the better for the player. If you don't believe me, Look up sometime how much rake you're playing if you play online. If you could get all that money back, let's say you get 100% rake back, you'd be making so much more money playing poker. There were people I knew back in the days where some sites gave 100% rake back to people who weren't that good, but they were good enough to be break-even players after the rake, and were, they got so much rake back that they still did pretty well. They, they were rakeback pros. That's what they were known to be. They weren't affiliates. They were rakeback pros. They, they won based upon rakeback, meaning that they, they got all or most of their rakeback, and that's what allowed them to win, where it ha- had they not gotten rakeback or got the average rakeback, they would actually be uh, break-even players. So it's... Uh, yeah, I knew plenty of people who did that. Yeah, so, so Paul was mocking Negreanu, and rightfully so, back in October about this. So since... Negreanu did not have his rant video back in October. He felt he couldn't defend himself. So he's been bottling up this anger at Polk for making fun of him about this for the past five months, and now he's letting it loose. At first he made that comment, you know, he, he addressed the rumors about did he report Polk, and if you read between the lines, the answer is yes, and then goes on to respond to that video. I a snippet of a 30-minute conversation I had with Ricard uh, Abert who um, we were discussing all types of things we're from, you know, from bonuses to rake back to all types of different things. And within that 30 minute uh, conversation, I came up with several analogies to extreme analogies that look like this or like that. So what happened was one small snippet, much like what happened with Prince EA, was taken completely out of context. You picked and chose to take words out of context. Now, come on. No more Prince EA, please. No. <laughs> Why? Why is he invading this video? To make it seem like I said something I didn't and make it seem like I had a position that I don't. And also not actually and misrepresenting completely my position on it. My, my, what I was saying essentially was this. If, okay, hypothetical, if you see a game that's got a ridiculously high rake, right? Too high for any pros to play because they won't play it. Imagine like the game flow, right? So you're going to have who's going to play in that game? Typically, recreational players who don't care about rake don't care about losing because nobody's going to beat the game if the rake's too high. Secondly, they probably play pretty loose. Thirdly, they probably play pretty fast. Probably have a lot of fun when they do. So if that were to have the effect for those specific players, it'd probably be good for that specific game. In that, That's not true. That's not, I, I played in a game like that. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you which game I played like that. I was on a Princess Cruise in uh, 2011. And they had these electronic poker machines. 
not not video poker. This is electronic poker where you're playing regular poker against other people on the cruise, except that you're not using real cards. You're using machines to do it. And the rake was an uncapped 25%. <laughs> you played this game? So, now, it was interesting because I also played against <laughs> the absolute worst, and I'm not exaggerating, the absolute worst no-limit cash players I played against in my life. They were horrendously bad. And when I say horrendously bad, like, for example, um, someone could be down to, like, their last $9 or something, and the pot could be you know, $80. And I'm just... I could fire into it on the turn, and they'll fold with nine dollars. And we, we were—they've got like probably something like ace, whatever, whatever it is. Something where there's no way they could fold nine dollars and eighty. They, they, and they would fold, and and, and just uh, like the worst loose passive players you can imagine. Like super easy to deal with players, not not maniacs who you still have to think about what you do because they're they're always shoving their money. In. These are these are players that are incredibly easy to control. Where I had a very uh, they, they, some of them might not have even known if a flush beats a straight. Yeah, I mean they they were horrendous, you know? and and I was and I was controlling the game just by you know if I entered a pot I'm raising. The only time I wasn't if like it's like limp 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 into me and I have like four six suited I'm not going to raise anything else. Did they get mad at you for raising? No, they didn't. They were they just I'm they, surprised. No, they didn't. They were like a bunch of older people. Most of them were like over sixty too, and so it's like limp 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 limp. I raise, and I just, you know, anytime I'm going to enter, except for I really have, like, a very low drawing hand, then I'm just going to limp. But other than that, I'm raising and then just firing, and then if anyone, if they call me, then it means they've got a piece of it in some way. Or if they raise me, then for sure I'm out, because that means they really got a monster. But it was, so it was so easy to read these players. They were super loose passive. They were awful. They didn't understand pot odds. They didn't even understand, as I said, like things like ridiculous all-ins where they've got a tiny bit of money left to put in, and they'll fold. Not, on, not even like on the river when they've missed, on the turn where they, they definitely have something they can get. So, like, I was having trouble figuring out, with players being this bad, the worst players I've played against in my life at No Limit, can I possibly still beat a, a 25% uncapped rake? I doubt it. And the, the answer was probably no. Now, I did win anecdotally, but I also ran well enough to where, uh, you know, I didn't. That, you know, of course, I could have run into hands just they were unfortunate where I was going to lose, they, where I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to get away from it or whatever. But uh, or, or I had a lot of hands where people folded, where had they gotten a piece of it, I would have wasted my money continuation betting things like that. Where a lot of that worked out well for me, where people folded because they were just missing a lot. So I did win, but to show you how ridiculous this was, there were seven players of the game the first time I played. I busted all six of the opponents. I was the seventh player. So I busted all six people. They didn't bust each other. I actually busted all six of them, personally. So everybody left with zero. I won in that game, obviously, but would you believe the rake still beat me? I busted, all six, I busted all six players, <laughs> but the rake still beat me. So, uh, And pretty easily. So it was ridiculous. So, Well, it's not, it's not that surprising, though. I mean, well, <clears throat> I mean, when you first think about it, it, it's somewhat surprising. But then when you think about it in detail, I mean, whatever your edge is, right, Whenever the rake is what grinds that down. And there's going to be uh, an equilibrium where, or a tipping point or whatever you want to call it where your edge is no longer beats that rake. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know what? I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, sorry, it wasn't 25% of cat. I'm thinking the wrong thing. There was, there was a, a different a six-handed bot machine 
where the players were intentionally terrible. They were, these were electronic. These were bot players, but it was twenty five percent. That was something different. The, the, I'm, t- I'm thinking that was the wrong thing. This was a ten percent uncapped, which is still that uh, was still pretty awful. And what so, were the stakes? It was one two. Yeah. So so the, like it would be brutal because when you get any kind of uh, especially a decent sized pot in there, they just, you know just think every time a pot's played, ten percent comes out of it. So still, w- despite that, I lost. You know, I didn't lose, but the uh, I lost to the rake. The rake actually beat me, as as the the, the rake was the biggest winner in the game, and that's when well, I that, busted that, six players. I mean, that that literally doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, yeah. there there are a bunch of home games around here, you know, quote unquote home games. Yeah, and. Uh, typically the, the rake is like, uh, I think it's like 5% up to $25, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And even at that is pretty brutal. Yeah. I, I played in one of those. I played in an LA home game like that and I found the same thing. It was the same 5% up to $25 and yeah, but I, you have these delusional people Druff, and then a lot of them are even pretty decent at poker who are just delusional about what their edge is and don't realize that. Really, the only the only person who's really winning consistently good money is the house, right? And that's why I, <laughs> I mean, that's it. Someone invited me to one of these games, and I didn't know about the rake. So, I, I, first, I'm all happy there because like the players suck. They were much worse than like the commerce players. And I was playing no limit. They're they much worse than the commerce players. I was playing a five ten, I think. And then I remember I win a d- good sized pot, and I see them grab a green twenty five chip and drop it down. I go, huh? What? What, what, what was that? <laughs> and they, I go, what, what's the rake here? And they told me, and then I go, oh my god! I like, I, I just stood up and left. Right. I just left. I was like, goodbye. I'm staying for this. And so yeah, so th- this is ridiculous. What he's saying this in this situation would be a good game. No, if the, if the rake is ridiculously high and everybody wins because the game can't be beat, anyone who, who's knowledgeable leaves because they can't beat the game. Uh, yeah, it's it's better than having the good players and the bad rake. But if the rake's bad enough, you're you're still not going to win. Yeah, that actually reminds me of a, uh, one time when I was in Vegas uh, a number of years ago, and I went there, uh, met up with a buddy of mine who lives there. Uh, a couple, actually, a couple of buddies of mine we met up with, and we went and played. God, I think it might have been at Caesars. It was somewhere, and we played some like ridiculous game, like. It might have been like 2-4 limit or something like that. I, I don't even know if they still spread it, but it was a ridiculously low limit game. And we did it just because we were just getting smashed, right? We are just yeah. getting hammered and we are just, you know, fucking around, having fun, whatever. And I remember, you know, we played there for a couple of hours. And then I remember looking around the table and being like, wow, where is all the money? <laughs> and I, I remember having this thing, like, where is all the money? Like, I, I know... I, you know, I know this guy like lost some, and I, I remember this guy is losing. But I, I won. So where is where is all the money? And then I was I was pretty drunk, but I was just like it finally dawned on me. I'm like, oh, it's the rake, yeah, <laughs> you know. And it was it was just gone. Well, my my dad sat next to me on that cruise. He was with me there too, and he he's not a poker player, and and he. He understands poker from the standpoint of you know, reading hand updates and things like that, but he—I've he, never discussed rake with him once. He doesn't even know what the rake's supposed to be, and he—he he sat there watching and he says, "This looks like confiscatory rake to me. This just looks terrible. I, you know, this this isn't normal, is it?" He—he like he noticed, not right. even knowing what rake should be, that this was crazy. This ten percent uncapped. So. Uh, and and I, uh, some of the fish at the table is awful fish. Some of them were complaining about it. So even the fish That's were surprised. Yeah, I was. Most people don't notice that. 
at all. Yeah. But, you know, getting back to what I was saying before, though, there a lot of these home games that go on, like, people just, you know, there definitely are um, enough fish or fun players or rec players or whatever you want to call them that are bad enough that go to them that, yeah, the, the, the guys that are actually good at poker are going to win money. But I think they're largely delusional about how much they're actually going to win compared to how much is taken off the table. You know? Yeah. yeah that's... Uh they definitely are. So, so Negrano continues. Does that mean that I'm pro-upping the rake? I've never said that in my life. I've never actually really taken a position either way. I've always believed that a company has the right to, cho- to charge whatever they, you know, they choose, and the consumers have the right to say whether or not they're going to play or not. But the idea that I'm for rake or that I'm you know, for it, and I get it on the comments all the time from a lot of the trolls, it's, like, it's actually a little bit insulting and frustrating to take what I said out of context and to actually make it seem as though that's my position, right? Um, sort of puts me in a weird spot because I end up having to like defend myself. So a lot of people said, you know what? You should mention it in the video. You should talk about it and explain. So my position was first and foremost designed to illustrate that the primary reason for net depositors losses, the primary reason is they lose it to the other players. The secondary reason is they lose to rake. So if a net depositor loses a hundred bucks on the site, the majority of that money is not going to the site. It's going to other players who win the money in the game. Okay, that's a fact. Now, I use another analogy, extreme now, extreme uh, analogy. Where imagine you had Bob and Joe, who are equally bad, right? They're just terrible. Okay. Now they have a five dollar rake per hand, and they're playing ten twenty blind, no limit hold'em, deep, right? Now they're both going to lose, and they're both going to lose whatever they're going to lose over 100 hands. Now take that same situation where you take just Bob, and now Bob plays against the best heads-up player in the world, okay? So Bob, best heads-up player in the world, but the rake's only two bucks. Wow, 40% of the, of the rake of the other one. Where do you think Bob's going to do better over 100 hands or over an hour, right? He's going to lose both ways, right? He's going to lose faster to the pro because the pro is going to beat him for more money. So this isn't me saying, now this is important, this isn't me saying, I think rake should be so high that no pros can play. And in fact, the last topic that we're going to talk about is designed specifically for professional players who want to battle it out with no rake. Poker Stars has introduced something that I think is a game changer. Okay, it's the Poker Stars All Stars with also a Masters level, where essentially yeah, okay, we, we talked about that one before. But the 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 All Stars with. <laughs> You can only play against other pros. Uh, that's still perplexing to me. Well, I'm not going to play the, the his commercial there for Poker Stars and the the Masters. If they introduce the Poker Stars Master Baiters, then I'll talk about it more. Though it could be both. It could be the Masters and Master Baiters. Oh, Kawa, you still awake? Yep. Oh, good, good. I I heard like a breathing that kind of sounded a little bit like a sleeping breathing. Trederuski. I'm here. Oh, nobody's sleeping. Okay, okay good. I mean, it's not midnight. I'm, yeah, it's not I'm midnight. I'm still stunned that Druff didn't raise the four or five of diamonds, so I've lost the last, last few minutes of the show. The what, four or five diamonds? The four or six of diamonds, you know, with oh. all the limpers. Oh, no, I, I, I couldn't bring myself to do that, but uh, I, I just didn't feel, it didn't feel like the right strategy to me. Uh, it just feels like something that, you have to hit something with to against all those players, but but against uh, like I, but I was I was raising the queen the queen seven suited and all things like that like that was an automatic race. So okay, no, I'm kidding. Anyway, the, I, I see seriously serious is in the chat. By the way, I wonder I wonder how seriously serious feels 
when when we talk about Doug Polk, and you know, of course in this one I've I've been on Polk's side, if you guys can tell. But we we talked about Doug Polk a lot recently. I, I wonder how seriously serious feels when we do say things that are, are critical of Doug Polk because I know that he works for him and he's a good friend of his now. And I don't know. I, I feel like I'm almost uh, making seriously serious feel bad if I say anything bad about about uh, Doug Polk. But uh, I mean, it's one thing to be friends with someone and work with them and a, a total other thing to you know see them from an outside perspective and i'm not saying that uh you know that he necessarily has a, a better or worse view i'm just saying it's different you know yeah uh oh i see that uh, Jay, i see he was here earlier t- chatting in the room um yeah jay Steph says seriously this is earlier he says, seriously, serious, are you you using uh, ViewBots of Doug Polk? <laughs> so. oh, oh, no. <laughs> He's never going to live it down. Poor Thomas. <laughs> so, anyway, I, I think uh, Negreanu's examples here were stupid. And, and I think that, you know, I understand why he went and, and reported Polk feeling like it's not fair to him. As Polk's competition, there were these videos that the competition gets to just use Game Show Network's material without permission, and he doesn't. Sure. So I, I can understand that. I mean, it's kind of crappy. Like you, 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 you get mad when someone's a tattletale, and when someone tattles to you to a, a big company that you're technically doing something that they wouldn't allow, but isn't really hurting them that much or, or at all, and then you have to change your behavior or take something down because the big company has lawyers threatening you. That's always crappy. And I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't feel bad for Polk at all. You know, I mean, he meant, he may not know better, but someone in their organization must know better that you can't just take this content and use it. I mean, come on. Yeah. I, mean, I, 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 I feel it was definitely their right to say that. And that he, he should have known it and not been as outraged about it. I mean, I, I think everybody agrees that, GSN is being a little hard line on this, and that the smarter thing for them to do would just do that. Go ahead and do it. But um, well, Trader Ruski made a good point, though. I mean, in our last conversation, which is that if they are aware of it and they choose to do nothing about it, um, that can dilute their uh, IP claims going forward. If yeah. someone does do something that uh, really is egregious, but they, you know, they, but they, they could make have, the argument, hey, right, you, you didn't care about the ground new because they're like, well, this guy's been using right. it for the past two years. It's obviously, uh, yeah, exactly. So they could have given people from they could have given people permission. They could have said, you no, need to for ask sure. us for, for permission I mean, and then, but and then that given could it. be it. I don't think he went and told on. I mean, he might, you know, for all we know, he asked to use it, or he, or after he saw what he was doing with the content, he's like, oh, maybe I should do something like this. Yeah, well, it may have been something like that. Yeah, but I, I, I think the Polk thing probably came up when when they said no to him, and he says, "Well, what did you say yes to Polk because he's doing it?" And like, what? Hold on a second. Polk is doing this. Show us these videos. Yeah. I mean, I bet that's what it was. I bet well, he saw him doing it, and he's like, "Oh, on my show, I can evaluate hands on uh, high stakes poker." I don't know. But he didn't well, do it. He said he asked for permission, I believe. Well, no, that. right. But then he went, of course, then he'd check, say, you know, I'd like to do this thing. Are we cool? You know, can I get a waiver to use the content or something? What? No, we don't do that for anybody. Oh, what do you mean? This guy's doing it here. I mean, it could have been something like that. Yeah, and, and Druff, I think an analogy that is probably reasonably apt is doping in sports, right? I mean, it's the kind of thing where. Um, one person starts doping to get an unfair advantage, 
Um, and people who aren't doing it are legitimately bothered by that because it does give them what they consider to be an unfair advantage. And there are plenty of businesses out there in the poker world that do pay licensing fees for this kind of material. Yeah. And, and it is unfair to them um, that someone just goes out there and just, you know, rips it off wherever they see, see fit to do so. Yeah. You know, when I first heard Nick Rano, you know, the, the rumors that he went and reported it, I, I, I was thinking of it differently. I was thinking that Negreanu just didn't like Polk for the reasons I mentioned before, and just decided to be a dick and report him to to do something to harm him. And I thought that's kind of petty. And as I said, I wasn't going to go bring it out here, but that was my reaction at the time. Like that's kind of crappy. Now that I hear the story, even though he didn't tell it this way, he was just telling it like, oh, I just went to ask them about my own content. They happened to find it. like, so I, while I don't believe that part, I believe that he went to them, and I, and I and I can I can understand. It makes more sense that he feels if he has to get permission and can't do it then it's only fair that his competition also should be held to the same standard. So that's, uh, I, I, I can't really fault him at that point. If they're telling him he can't, that, that he doesn't want to, that, that he feels he should mention to them someone already is. And, uh, otherwise it gives the competition the edge, as you said. So to, to me, that suddenly becomes a lot more reasonable than, than doing it just vindictively to get at someone you don't like. So, well, and even, you know, to go back to my doping analogy, even in sport, even when people are, you know, legitimately doing something wrong, people do look down on people that are kind of tattling, like you said. Yeah. You know, like it, they, if you rat out other athletes, I was actually listening to a story on the BBC about a, a Russian uh, woman who was kind of responsible for a lot of the taking down of the, the whole Russian uh, athletic program. And she was, I mean, she was very, very unpopular. You yeah. Know? And I know Jose Canseco took a lot of heat for his book where he talked about all the, the, the steroid use in baseball, which really was going on at the time. And, of course, he wrote about it because he did it himself. So, anyway, different topic. Australia, if you live in Australia you're stu- you're, and you play online poker, you are going to have the same situation, in fact, maybe even worse, as people in the U.S. have, where, where you're going to be able to access very few sites and the big ones are going to not serve you as a customer and that your only option is going to have to be either quit, play on one of the few sites that still takes your action, and which ones are you know, often are not very reliable, or move out of the country. So Australia's Senate has confirmed a number of amendments to the online gambling laws there. And it's going to effectively uh, ban online poker. It's called the Interactive Gambling Amendment Bill 2016. Very well named here, done in March 2017. Which was, and it was submitted uh, in November, which is why it was called the 2016. But uh, it was submitted by the government's uh, Minister for Human Services. His name is Alan Tudge. And it's going to cause pretty much all the major gambling sites in Australia to stop serving Australian citizens in Australia. So it's going to ban all online gambling activity that is not authorized. And the only authorized activity, oddly enough, is sports betting which in the U.S. is a huge no-no. 
but for some reason that's okay in Australia. In fact, I used to bet on an Australian gambling site in the 90s called Centerbet, which still exists. But that was one of the first online gambling sites I ever used in my life. It was in like the mid to late 90s. So they've, they've had a lot of sports betting over time in uh, Australia. And not just on Australian sports. You could bet on sports around the world, including U.S. sports. So that's, that's going to be allowed. That's the one authorized activity. But uh, they're also doing away with live wagering. So you can't do that. You can only bet on things beforehand. Not uh, games as they're going on. So, 888 has already left. They left back in mid-January. There's a bingo operator called Vera and John. Kind of a weird name. They left back in December 2016. Poker Stars has already announced that they're going to leave if these amendments pass. And uh, they have, so they're going to be leaving very soon. Party Poker has said that they're probably going to leave as well. So you may think, well, is it possible that Poker Stars can somehow get an exception made or Party can get an exception made? Maybe, maybe there's a way around this. There's not. Uh, this is pretty much set in stone. They simply can't be there. And if they continue to stay and violate it, that they can face uh, very heavy fines. And also other jurisdictions can sanction them if they are, you know, places where, you, where they are allowed. Some other jurisdictions can actually punish poker stars, for example, if they stay in Australia violating the law there. So poker stars do not want to do things like this. They want to, they want to stay in good standing with all the governments. So basically, if a government says poker stars can't be there, poker stars leaves. Same with party poker. It's only these uh, smaller sites, more of these rogue sites that are more willing to just give the middle finger to these governments and offer these games anyway. But often these are not very reliable sites that do this. So that's pretty much it. And they can't get licensed. They can't. Uh, they, they they can't. There's really no way around it. There's no exceptions. No licensing for online poker or these other casino games. They just can't do it. So that's it. It's done. And. Uh, Australia, you know, is, is I'm not sure when it's going to take effect, but I think it's going to be very soon. May even be immediate. But but the, the amendments have passed. I'm just not sure exactly when they take effect, but it doesn't matter. It's going to happen very soon, which means you're going to hear very soon that Poker Stars and Party are leaving the Australian market. So we have some Australian listeners. So my condolences to you for this if you enjoy playing on these online poker sites, you're not going to be able to do it anymore. Uh, here's something weird regarding online poker legalization, or in this case, illegalization. Sheldon Adelson has been at it for a long time to try to push this law called RAWA, the Restore America's Wire Act, which would make all online gambling online gambling illegal in the U.S. and that to where states could not offer them anymore. So, like I the, thought you were going to say it was going to make online gambling great again. Well, like, for him it would be great that it doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. But is he, so it's going to make it all illegal 
if, if it were to pass. It, it hasn't been getting support, so it's not going to happen. But he's been pressing very hard, putting a lot of money into this to try to get polit- certain politicians that are in his pocket to push for RAWA to pass, called Restore America's Wire Act, referring to the Wire Act of 1961 that originally made gambling over the telephone illegal. Of course, there's no internet back then. But that one has been applied to future laws that have been uh, against online gambling, including online poker. So he's trying to make it even the, the legalized rooms at the state level would become illegal if this were to pass. So you might wonder, since uh, Adelson is a Republican and tends to back Republicans, not always, but uh, usually backs Republican candidates with large sums of money, is it true that most Republicans are, are for this? Well, according to a poll, or a survey that took place at the Conservative Political Action Conference, which is uh, CPAC, the answer is a resounding no. Listen to this. The Institute for Liberty poll finds... CPAC attendees reject crony effort to federalize gambling laws. A poll commissioned by the Institute for Liberty at the Conservative Political Action Committee found that by extraordinary large numbers, conservative activists broadly reject efforts by Las Vegas casino owner Sheldon Adelson and his allies in Congress to federalize the regulation of online gambling. By a 91% to 9 margin... Attendees at the largest conservative conference in the world said they oppose attempts by some in Congress to ban state-regulated online gaming. By an 88 to 12 percent margin, attendees also agreed that legislation known as Restore America's Wire Act, the bill that would bar states from legalizing the use of online gaming and selling lottery tickets online, is a violation of the Tenth Amendment and, and an example of crony capitalism, referring to states' rights. The bill has also been criticized as a danger to the Second Amendment as it would establish a dangerous precedent against states' rights that would help those seeking to ban the sale of online ammunition. The poll was conducted over the course of the four-day conference that was held at the, and this is not a joke, the Gaylord National Resort and Convention Center in National Harbor, Maryland. The, the Gaylord the Gaylord Resort, this is not a joke. <laughs> I mean, that, that joke writes itself. Andrew Lagner, the president of the Institute for Liberty, said the results confirm that conservative activists reject RAWA for what it is, a corporate giveaway and a breach of the Bill of Rights. So I, I'm not going to read the rest of it, but that's... that's uh, but but I'll, I will skip down to near the end. It says, The Institute for Liberty has been a leading critic of the legislation, joining organizations like Competitive Enterprise Institute and the American Conservative Union in warning legislatures about the dangers of the Adelson power grab. The Institute for Liberty hosted a forum at CPAC educating attendees about the dangers of legislation. Well, okay. So they just showed their hand there. So they say, hey, we're, 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 we're one of the leading critics of this. We hate RAWA. We think it's terrible. We think it's a violation of states' rights. We think it, it could even be extended to uh, go against gun rights, eventually. So we hate this. We're against this. Oh, by the way, we took a poll, and, and everyone believes, everyone agrees with us. So it, it doesn't take a genius to see that one should never be taking polls when one is very, very much on one side of the issue. Because uh, 
there's a strong temptation to massage the numbers in the direction you want people to see or to phrase questions in a very misleading manner or to only ask certain people that you know are going to respond in your favor. And they, they don't reveal any of their methodology. I know I skipped some stuff, stuff here. They did not reveal any of the methodology they used to take this poll. They just said, we took a poll, 91% agrees with us on one thing, 88% on another thing. So Sounds legit. <laughs> so, so obviously this is you, you can't trust the poll numbers. But it is interesting. This is not coming from a left-leading organization. This is a, a conservative organization that happens to be very much against the RAWA and feels it's an assault on states' rights. And there's many conservatives who feel this way, that they're not necessarily friends of online poker, but they are friends of states' rights, and that they absolutely despise when the federal government, no matter what it is, decides to tell the states what they can do. And there's been a strong movement within the Republican Party to resist anything like that, which is the big reason REWA is never going to go anywhere. Because there's enough Republicans that are so anti-federal government telling the states what they can do that they would never get behind something like this. So the bottom line is you guys have nothing to worry about. These, This is not going to go anywhere. Even with all the money and influence Adelson has, he won't be able to do this because there's just too much opposition in principle to this. There's many conservatives that will not sell out and support something like this and, and go down the slippery slope of giving the federal government authority over the states. There's some that feel very strongly about that. So even if these numbers are fake that they're quoting, I, I do believe that they probably did run into many at the CPAC that were against this. So it's going to go nowhere. Don't worry about the RAWA. It's, it's pretty much Adelson spitting into the wind. And it's not going to go anywhere. Uh, this is someone, Brittany Griner's clit in the chat said, is this a Hitler middle-aged rally or poker radio? I don't know what that's supposed to mean. He says a lot of things they don't understand, though. I think I'm the only member of the whole site that's met him, too. Who oh. is Brittany Griner? Brittany Griner is, is a very oh, that manly, basketball yeah, player, right? very manly uh, female basketball player. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, did we actually see her clit, or is there speculation about whether she has one or not? That, that's what it is. Yeah, the speculation that it's might be very, very large. Mm-hmm. So, I have some good news for anybody who finds the World Series perplexing from a logistics standpoint. If, if someone who, if, if you're someone who has found yourself confused regarding the rules, the procedures, the registration process of the World Series of Poker, which I admit can be confusing. I'm not saying this mockingly. I found myself confused by it many times. Oh, wait, I think I found some nude pictures of Brittany Griner. <laughs> no. I don't think I, I don't want to see, see anything it. dangling down. Well, maybe she's tucking well. Mm, could be. But anyway, uh, I had been very critical of the World Series in 2015 and before that they didn't have anybody that you could go to 
that would give you answers to the questions that you have. Like, you could tweet to at WSOP, but sometimes you get an answer, sometimes you wouldn't, sometimes the answer would be wrong. Uh, it, it just seemed like there wasn't someone there who you could go to that could give you all the answers and that could look into things that are kind of complex questions or questions that maybe even the World Series themselves hadn't thought of. It was, there wasn't a good go-between that existed between the players and the upper management there, such as uh, Jack Effel, Ty Stewart, Seth Volansky. We needed someone in the middle. And we needed someone in the middle who also had a good temperament, who, who wouldn't get offended by criticism or by uh, baited questions. By you, you just needed someone there who had the right personality type and the knowledge to serve as this go-between and to helpfully uh, give information. Update, Druff. Brittany Griner apparently she's a lesbian. That's a shocker to everybody. Yeah, but. that's true, too. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I know. This female basketball player, that's something you'd never expect. But, yeah, wow. the, if you watch the WNBA, I, I'm sorry to make you upset if this is something that is going to bother you, but a lot of them are lesbians. Next thing you're going to tell me, a lot of women on the, the PGA Tour are lesbian. Yeah, and... Uh, I'll, I'll tell you something else that uh, LPGA, whatever. Yeah, well, you know what the L stands for. It's, it's not. It's not ladies. Lady, ladies, right? No. It's not ladies. It's it's a word starting with L E, not L A. What could it be? <laughs> what could it be? So it, this it, back to the World Series, though they they finally did something wise over there. They they did the right thing and they hired a guy who was doing this job already for free. But he wasn't at the World Series physically, and he was not uh, officially a World Series employee until last year. I mean, he wasn't officially, he wasn't an employee at all. But last year, they were smart, and they hired KevMath, the guy everyone started going to to ask questions about the World Series, which is so funny. Right. Like an outsider who wasn't working was giving you the right answers, and the people who were working there were either getting offended or just not answering you. Or not answering consistently. I got some answers, but they, you weren't getting consistent answers. It was it was obnoxious. So they 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 hired the best man for the job, and that was Kev Math, Kevin Mathers. He's at Kev Math on Twitter. He listens to this show. He reads Poker Fraud Alert. He he really knows everything that's going on in poker. He really does. He he knows about all the tournaments. He's always tweeting out tournament results, uh, tournament uh, day two information. Uh, and, and if you ask him anything, he answers you. It's amazing. He's, he's an encyclopedia of knowledge about poker. And he, he's very patient. It's very isn't, hard. isn't it amazing that one person does a better job than a multi-million dollar corporation? Yeah, it was, it was. I mean, yeah, how... <laughs> I, I used to joke about that on the show. I said, I can't, the, best, the best WSOP employee is Kev Math, and he doesn't work for them. It's just... So, so at least they wised up and hired him. At least he became an employee last year. So he was he was hired for the World Series last year, and and he did a great job as as you'd expect. He was he really he's, was. he's a contractor, right? He's not a full time, right? Yeah, he's a contractor. But yeah. uh, but as I said, they they hired him, and it was and he, as I said, he he's he's not just knowledgeable. He's very very patient. He he doesn't get frustrated easily. He doesn't get insulted easily. He doesn't get insulted very often anyway because everyone likes him. He's universally liked. But he does not get 
riled up easily. So that's another good attribute for him involving the World Series because there's a lot of but criticism. Isn't that, of the World isn't that the way that everyone at the World Series is? So? <laughs> everyone is level-headed like that, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> it's a requirement for working there, is my understanding. <laughs> so he's back, is the point. He's going to be, he's been officially rehired for the 2017 World Series. So, if you have any questions, and don't be afraid to ask. Like, he really has no problem. Don't feel your question's too stupid or, or too obscure, or you, or you think that uh, it's something you should know anyway, so he's going to be mad you're asking him. No, just anything. anything. Now, don't troll him. I'm serious. You know, don't, don't make his job hard. He's, uh, he's a good guy. Don't but, send him Joe Seabock's cock. Oh, see, look, look, I'm, he doesn't. He doesn't need to see that. I'm trying to give him shout outs here, and you're already encouraging our listeners to buy. No, I'm, I'm being serious. Okay. Kevmas, a good dude, and he does a really good service. Yeah. So, so at Kevmath, K E V M A T H, on Twitter. That is where you should not send <laughs> Joe Seabox cock. <laughs> and I think. <laughs> oh boy, I Sorry, Kevmath. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I'm getting loopy. Druff is keeping me awake too late. Okay, so <laughs> he also has an account at WSOP Czar. That's C-Z-A-R. At WSOP C-Z-A-R is his official account that he uses for work of the World Series. And uh, he, he, he actually he tweeted last on December 27th 2016 saying or no he said he was on hiatus sorry as of Jan- of July 20th 2016 then he came temporarily off hiatus to announce the dates of the world series in December then went back on hiatus and then said awakens from hibernation this is good news and and retweeted the announcement that he's returning as the WSOP czar but he also is going to be running the WSOP account and WSOPcom account. So that's at WSOP, at WSOPcom, at WSOP Czar, and at Kevmath. He's going to be wearing a quadruple Twitter hat. Of course, I I wear a triple Twitter hat. I I run uh, at Todd Wittellis, at Poker Fraud Alert, and at Dandruff Poker, which are are equally used as much as these accounts I just mentioned. Uh Uh-huh. Hey, Drew, now let me ask you a question. Uh, uh, Czar, uh, Czar is a Russian, right? Yeah. Now, has anyone done any investigation into whether Kevmath, you know, who he spoke to in the the Trump administration, or where, you know, what I'm saying? You know, that's that's not. Are there, a, are there any any Russian connections going on here we should know about? That's not a bad question, but what what I think is concerning me even more personally is could he possibly be the one responsible for hacking Poker Fraud Alert in January? Ooh. So I so say he's a czar, and, and he follows this site, and you could think he may have a reason to want to hack it and maybe get information on people he doesn't like here that you know, he's just kind of quietly disliking. And then we have this hacking in January, and I, I, I see it has to do with Russians, but I don't know who, who did it. I think we should have some kind of an exploratory committee set up to see if there are any links. Yeah. Get him on the stand, you know? Yeah. So that Kevmath. Is coming back, and yeah, really don't be afraid. And he, you can do it to his direct account, too. He even puts on his at WSOP czar account, please direct questions to at Kevmath or at WSOP. So, like, he's he's fine with you even doing 
and sending it to him directly. He's, he's not the type to go, yeah, you're sending it to the wrong account. Do not bother me on my personal account. Don't bring work matters to my personal life. What do you think you're doing? That's not him. So That'd be me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, with, with Kev Math, there really are no stupid questions, and there's also no stupid answers from him. So it, 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 it's it's something. some people would take that as a challenge. <laughs> some people would say, "I bet you, I could come up with a stupid question." You know, I, I I really thought by doing this segment that I'd be just kind of giving him a nice shout out for everything. He's done. All I'm doing is we're, we're just causing him trouble. So I, I'm forgetting what our listeners are like. I'm forgetting what they're going to end up doing, and it's mostly me causing the trouble. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes when people cause trouble, I don't feel bad. Like, if they tweeted uh, Cox to Kate Hall while she was playing, or, or, or texted her to Cox, that would have been funny. Or, or, it would have been hilarious. Or, or, or if, if, some, if, you know, we, we tried to get that cell phone camera grabbed from the GPI by someone yeah. working at the hotel, that would have been funny, too. But uh, Kev Math being harassed wouldn't have been funny. So but, I agree. I agree. So that's, that's, that's all we have tonight for our roster of topics. Now, if, if there's... Something you guys want to ask, and, and you know, either Trader Risk, are you still with us? No, he's gone. Yeah, he's, I just see he's not here. He just he just disappeared. Hmm. Not even say goodbye, just disappeared on us. But you're still here. But you you can you can hang up at any time when if you're too tired. But since since we've only been on for three hours and twenty minutes or so, and, only, and and that's you know to, that's like a that's like a triple play show for most podcasts yeah so this is i i'm like like the, the old kate hall dan o'brien podcast this is like 10 of their shows i'm not even kidding i'm not even exaggerating in fact i think more, it's more like 12 of their shows they they had a really short show but and i but since we've been doing shorter shows recently and not even on purpose it's just the way it's it's come out uh if the chat room has any questions and if there's any questions people want to call in with you're welcome to do the 775 fraud 55 775 372 8355 or the mount charleston line 702-430-1808 and i'll be happy to take some questions or or even take a discussion topic that uh, you guys would like to uh like me to answer this is where we need Brandon back from that show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we do. We, the know? timing's never good. When, when when I have the time for a longer show, then the show's shorter because we just run out of things to talk about. And when there's a lot to talk about, and when Brandon calls in with a lot of tangents, that's when we I only have the hard three hours and they got to be done. So, Larry Slaffer saying, can we talk about? Near Neil Gorsuch, and I, I don't really feel like it. What the hell is that? Oh, it's 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 Trump stuff going on. It's it's. Uh, okay, I don't know. I'm just kind of getting burnt out with this stuff. <laughs> I don't blame you. I'm just getting burnt. I, 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 like there, there's so much Trump news every day. I really am just getting burnt out on reading it. I think that's uh, if now if Donald Trump, if this is what he's doing on purpose, if he's just trying to be really controversial where every single day everyone's up in arms about it. It, it it does work in that people just start tuning it out and going oh, i don't want to read anything more about this it's, it's annoying and, and i think the problem is that there is so many things that are jumped on with donald trump that if they jump on too much bullshit along with things that are more serious 
there's just too much, and eventually you just tune everything out. That's one of these things. And I, I've even found when dealing with like customer service type issues, if if a company's like screwed up ten things, but of those ten things, if uh, you know three are minor, three are moderate, and four are major. As as much as tempting as it is to like touch on the the three moderate and three minor things, I I don't. I actually just would focus on the four major. Otherwise, it just looks like you're complaining about too much, and the, it must be your problem. Right. So, well, about the the Trump thing, you know, is he doing this on purpose? Have you ever heard of Hanlon's razor? Hanlon's no. It's basically, it means in, in a nutshell, never attribute to malice. That which is adequately adequately explained by stupidity. Oh yeah, I think you've talked about this. On here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or or you know, don't assume bad intentions over neglect and misunderstanding. Yeah, so, I mean, in a nutshell, like it's more likely that someone is not you know an evil mastermind or whatever than it is that they're just kind of bumbling their way through it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly, and, and uh, yeah, go, you know what what Laffer's talking about is the uh, Neil Gorsuch, the uh, Supreme Court nominee, but uh, and there's a lot of bitterness about this because of the Republicans blocking, uh, trying, really doing all they could to stop stop the confirmation of Obama's nominee last year, and then. Uh, isn't that a standard thing that everybody does? Though? It, it is. So, it, so now they're, they're trying to do it on the other end. Call you're on the air. But call you're not on the air. They hung up. I was going to give them a chance. Give them a chance. Well, you said we could talk about anything. Something I'm curious about, Druff, is uh, how how long do you think that you're going to continue making your living playing poker? Uh that's a fine question, because, uh, okay, so once the online poker isn't viable anymore, either just the games aren't good enough. So you do still consider it viable? Yeah, but it's getting tougher. And, uh, you know. Now, is it tougher from the point of view of the players are getting tougher or tougher from the point of view of just finding a game? It's both. Both, yeah. So, that, once that becomes impossible, and I say, well, my options are that I had to go play live or do something else. And to be honest, I, I, I couldn't play live on a regular basis. To How do you do that with a kid? That's that's one of the reasons. The other reasons, I just, I, I would be miserable doing so. It's one of these things that I, I would do in limited doses, and and I can do it for a long time in one session, but whether I play a long session or kind of a short medium session, if I play a really short session, then I want to come back pretty soon. But even like a short medium session or more, I, I come out saying, you know, this is kind of stressful and kind of burnt out. I, there's no way I can come back and do that tomorrow. Like I, I just feel like I need a break. Do you find it gets harder for you to do that, especially live as you get older? No, it's not about age, at least not yet. I, I just find that it's, uh, and I could do it a few days in a row. Like, like you know, if if I'm in a spot where I, I have the time to do it for a few days in a row, I can do it. But 
those people who are there every day, or even when they're there five days out of seven and playing long sessions, I, I, I the problems I have with live. Number one, it's slow. Number two, uh, a lot of times the people are. are Miserable or difficult? No, or some of the <laughs> the finest examples of humanity are at that poker table, Drew. No, number three is uh, there's a pain in the ass factor of getting there. You know, I mean, if you live right next door to the poker room, great. But if you're if there if there's a distance to drive, you have to do that. You have to deal with traffic. You have to deal with what if you get there in the game you were intending to play breaks or is no longer good. Well, I'm not going to give you that because the average person's got to commute to work anyway, you know? Yeah, but they, they know what to expect coming there. To actually go there and then the game sucks. You're like, okay, well, now what do I do? Do I go drive? Or, or to go home? there and lose money as opposed to yeah. if you show up to work, you know you're at least making something. Yeah, right. right? Yeah, that's that's another thing. But that, that bothers me last because I know there's going to be some days I win more than expected and some days I lose more than expected. But what bothers me more with that is is you go down there expecting to find something that's no longer there by the time you get there. Right. And if you if you only make a short trip, it takes five minutes to get down there, fine, you just turn around and go home. If you, if you drove an hour, 45 minutes, then you go, do I want to really just turn around and go back now? Then you kind of force yourself to play when you really don't want to, or in a game you don't really like much, or you just sit around and wait for one to start. And it's crappy. And so to, to do this every single day, and then if you have a kid and a family, you, you're gone for a long time. And what's nice about online is... There's no time commitment to it. Right. You just turn it on. It's there. You sit down. If you play for five minutes and the game breaks, okay. You leave five, then the game's over. It's no, you do have, something else. Yeah. You do something else, and, and you're there physically. You can uh, um, you, you can pause any time and, and, and be with someone that needs your help or needs to be with you. Or it, It's a totally different situation. A little situation. booty call. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's a totally different situation. So I, I at that point... I'm not saying I'm going to quit poker forever, but I'm saying that that I'll, I'll have to do something else. And, you know, I, I already have certain plans of what will be done that I'm not going to get into here. Call to listening empire? Call to listen line <laughs> empire? That would be great. That would that would be a work I'd enjoy if I could not just not just put up call to listen lines, but convert people into loving them. That would be just like I'd love to take non-believers and then have them like even Brandon. Even Brandon came around. Brandon was one of the people who said that he used to think it was stupid and mocked it. And then he's like, you know what? I just I'm calling that call to listen line. I'm actually enjoying it. I actually think it's a good thing. Like he, he was he was impressed by the call to listen line. And and it's something you you can't appreciate fully until you feel you need it or or you find it convenient. And you go, wow. You know, this seems like it's antiquated. It seems like it's something that wouldn't fit in in the year 2017, but yet it does. It's one of these things that, it's a simple thing that you may have felt, you may feel is antiquated and stupid, but then you go, wow, this is one of these things from the past that should still be here. And the funny thing is they didn't really exist in the past. It's something that seems like it should have been in the past, but there was, there was no call to listen line to, call, to listen to the radio shows in the 80s. There should have been, but there really wasn't. Now, part of that reason was that it wasn't free to call long distance then. Right. So, Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird to think of? Like, I still remember. I'm old enough to remember that, you know, you would call or you, you'd have to worry about calling 
certain people or certain places or you would call at different times because it would be less money yeah how how weird is that like you don't even that's not even a consideration oh yeah 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 it, it was horrible and and uh, no i remember how, how thrilling it was like I, I had a friend who who worked and something would like sometimes transfer me or three-way me on to something i wanted someone or i wanted to call and like uh as long as it wasn't i, I think he transferred me he didn't even three-way me so he couldn't hear but like I was so happy to have him do that for me, so like for certain long distance calls because I didn't mm-hmm. like I so badly didn't want to pay. And I, I, I this is even funnier. I had a girlfriend in, in early '92. I was uh, 20 years old. She was 22. It's one of the rare older women I dated, though only two years older. And she worked at some place that had an 800 number, and she actually had like a phone job of some kind. Well, not not phone sex, in case you guys are thinking, but uh, though she had a very phone good job. <laughs> <laughs> she okay. she had a very good voice. She could have done phone sex very very well, but uh, but she wasn't. She worked at some kind of just I forgot what it was. But I would call her at work. I, I lived in Santa Barbara at the time, and she lived in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles. So we were not local calls to each other. It was expensive. But I was calling her mainly when she was at work and talking to her, you know, through the Works eight hundred number. Well, I guess. The company wasn't as large as I thought it was, and the owner actually went through his bill and found mm. uh, that that my number kept calling because eight hundred numbers have always had the ability to well, not not all of them but certain ones have the ability to uh, it's called A and I auto numeric identification and, and there's various classes of it so some of it they can see the number on the bill that called in some of them they can actually see it immediately as you're calling it. So they, they had the version of it that they could see only on the bill. Yeah, we used to have that. But but he'd see my number. So he saw my number calling so often, talking for so long, but he couldn't see who I was calling to talk to there. Now, by the time he called me, we had broken up. Uh. So so what do you think I what do you think I did? He called you and, and said did he know that she was calling you basically? He knew somebody there Okay. I, that I was calling in to talk to someone there. That, that's um, that's all he knew, he, and uh, he didn't know who it was. And he was trying to ask me. Now, was it a good breakup with her or, or uh, an amicable one? It, it was or a, a non it, it was kind of a, a middle ground, not not horrible, but not super friendly either. Um, my guess is you probably fucked with him a little bit. So do you think? Do you think I gave her info out, or do you think not? I don't think so. Okay, you're correct. I what I did. Uh, Brittany Griner Clit is ge- guessing. I should have said I told him I just got this number. That would, I should have thought of that. That that would have been a good answer. I actually gave a little bit of a similar answer, but not quite. I said, "I'm in a dorm here, and I leave my door open all the time." Which a lot of the guys there did. They just kind of let the door open for that, like whoever walk in they want. I go, I leave my door open all the time, and people use my phone all the time. And I I told everybody like I don't care. Just like you know, don't be a dick and just don't dial long distance on my phone. So. Like, it's worked out. No one's messed with me with that. So just, there's people using my phone all the time. I have no idea who's, who was doing this, but it wasn't me. I don't know anyway your company. I don't know anyone in this area. Like I, So I, I sounded very convincing, and he believed me. And he said, well, just you know, tell whoever's using your phone not to call this number again. I said, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll tell people not to. <laughs> so that was that. So I, I did not rat her out for it. And uh, they even had a warning at work, like, like abuse of this 800 number will result in your termination. <laughs> so I used to always joke with her about I'm going to get her terminated. 
and uh, you could have done it, but, but you didn't I, sell her. Then out. I actually had I actually had the chance to get her terminated, but I but I didn't. But th- those are concerns back in those days. It was very expensive to make these calls, and I'm saying very expensive. Like it could be like thirty seven cents a minute. It was crazy, uh, depending on the time of day you called. And even when if you called it at two in the morning when it was cheapest, it wasn't. It was like a sixty percent discount, but you know, still sixty percent off, like thirty seven cents is is still expensive for long phone calls. And and, and it's not like I was just. You know, uh, rich middle-aged guy i, w- I was uh, 20 years old so it, it was a pain in the ass to have to call anyone and unfortunately i dated a number of girls who lived far enough away and it, you, they don't have to be really far they anything more than 12 miles uh, approximately the the tolls would start kicking in so if you live in a large metropolitan area as i did like southern california is just so large that there's a lot of times you could end up dating someone that was a toll call. And and it was, yeah, I spent a lot of money over the years back then making uh, phone calls. So I'm glad those days are over. And I, I kind of take it for granted, but I, I kind of don't even think about that much anymore. But it, it really is nice now. Just You don't have to think about it. You just see a phone number unless it's international. Yeah, you just call it. You don't care if, if, where it is in the country. Well, I even like I was in uh, college and I started a business, and so you know one of the things we got is we got an office and we got phones and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I got a bill, you know, at the end of the month from the phone company for like five hundred bucks. I'm <laughs> like, what the what the shit is this? You know? Yeah, I I had no idea that business local calls at the time were metered. Oh yeah, yeah. Were metered. I, I, I just had no clue. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Any call out from a business then was uh, cost money, even if it was next door. That's right. That's how they they made money. You could, and so I had a a girl working there who would call her boyfriend and just talk. You know, on the downtime, I'm like, you know what? You're not doing it anymore. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not happening. Yeah. So that that was that's that's one change that's happened since then that's uh that's a very nice change and actually there is there was uh the, the it's it's really in 1995 i remember there was this is all in california but california had a uh, they had this thing called local toll and that's what caused a lot of this in that long distance companies were not allowed to compete in what was considered the local toll market, meaning long-distance calls that are within your general area. So, like, a, for sort of like my calls to New York, that there are different companies competing, AT&T, MCI, Sprint. So those, the rates were not that high. Like, I, I could call New York for $0.10 cents a minute. But, I, but to call, you know, 50 miles away was $0.37 cents a minute. It didn't make any sense. So, and that was because it was a monopoly. Right. And... and the California Public Utilities Commission allowed that for many, many years until finally in 95 they deregulated and allowed the long-distance companies to compete. Wow, I'm surprised it took that long. Compete as well. Yeah, so January 1st, 95, I switched to Sprint, which had a, a, a promotion because they were just entering the market that you could call any local toll call for one cent a minute. Can you imagine the reduction for me? To go from <laughs> like 37 cents a minute to one cent? I, I, just, I just went crazy calling everything. I just felt like it was almost free. So... And I got my bill. I was so thrilled, like how many calls I made and how little I paid for it. But but now, if I had to pay one cent a minute, I go what? That's, that's one cent a minute? That's a ripoff. Yeah, exactly. 
But that that was kind of the the beginning. That was just in California. But then the voice over IP technology, which that was the next thing that I started using, was there, I, there, I, there were these services that you'd call an access number, and then you'd enter a code they'd give you, and then you could enter any number in the U.S. and call it unlimited, you know, for free, for like a $25 monthly rate. And it was a voice over IP thing. You didn't use a computer to do it. It was a phone voice over IP. But... Uh, that's what I was using for my long distance calls then. So then, like, this is around like 99, 2000, 2001. That's what I was using then. And that, it, it was very useful. That was, I was very happy to have that. It was a pain in the ass to dial that whole number and the access number. And sometimes the connection wasn't perfect, but it, it was pretty good. And that was pretty much the end. But now it's just so easy. Now you just call anything, uh, anything you want. Anywhere you want, but the funny thing is, like pay phones, the few that exist, they they still, for the most part, differentiate between local and long distance. Are you kidding? Yeah. So like Ken Scaler, he'll sometimes call me. Go, oh, it's only giving me ten minutes here because you're considered long distance on this one. So let's see. Anything yeah, else? Get, I'm yeah, sorry. Well, getting back to what we're talking about, about how long you know you were thinking about playing poker. So you you really do think that the Online games that you have access to now are still viable for you. Yeah, yeah, at the moment, but I, I could see it changing very soon. And, and then there's also the matter of, like, okay, so it's a matter of what's available. So Limit Hold'em is a dying game, yeah, and it, it's not available really at appreciable limits anywhere that I can access except for Ignition. So, which is not, by the way, the same as Bovada. No, no, very, very different. It's, it's a totally different company. So, the question is, once that's gone or too hard, then do I move on? Do I say, okay, well, I'm going to have to you know, move to a different game? Well, I'd like to move to Omaha 8, but there's, there's, that, doesn't, that has even less action. So, that's, that's not an option. Well, once you get really, really old, <laughs> and you want to go there and drink your coffee, then you can play the 08 game. Yeah, so, so the options then pretty much become PLO or No Limit. No limit hold'em, and, and I just feel like there's so many good players of those games now, online especially, that to have to put in all the effort to get to where they are, to compete with them at the limits I'd need to play to bring in decent money, it, it just seems so... It seems not not worth it. It seems that that's at the point I got to say forget it and just kind of turn into a recreational player. Not not I don't mean turn into a fish, but I mean turn into somebody that's going to I'm not I'm not going to now try to catch up with the the, the good the really good no limit players and and try to right. compete with them for for you know beating the fish and that's it. W- it would almost be like. Trying to learn how to pan for gold at the end of the the gold rush. Yeah, that's a good that's a good. Analogy. You know what I mean? That's a good analogy. Yeah. So at that, and I knew at some point things might end, and it's, it's disappointing that California never got its act together with legalizing online poker. And there's they're so slow with this that by the time it happens, if it ever does, I think there will be enough of a loss of interest in playing poker that that the games won't even be that good or, or have that many people in them. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, that's kind of what I foresee happening, and I, I, it's not coming anytime soon. So th- this, this may be the end 
very soon with that. And and if it is, you know, I'll still have interest in poker. I'll still do the show as, as far as I believe uh, from from what I feel like right now. And, uh, you know, I, I have other things I can do that I haven't. So there's there's other options. And uh, Well, it'd be fun, though. Like, <coughs> you know, these uh, cultural fads and things come and go. So it'd be pretty cool if, like, you know, in 20 years, if, if poker has, like, a let's say it goes dormant for, like, 20 years. And then there's some kind of a big, you know, movie comes out or, you know, whatever. And there's a big cultural resurgence of it. How you'd be so well positioned, you'd be like the old man that everyone thinks doesn't know how to play, and you could just kill him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's right. In twenty, I'll be sixty-five. Yeah, everyone's there. Saying, you go. Yeah, and that, Benjamin can play then too. He'll be right. He'll be twenty-six. The Benjamin, he already, he already, uh, he he asked me today. He asked if I win two more bracelets, will, will I give one to him and one to his mom? That's a reasonable request. Yeah. So, but he he's he's already told me that he wants to he wants to play a tournament of the the World Series with me when he's twenty one. I mean, that's that's just because at that age, you know, he sees you doing it, and he's like, I want to I want to be like yeah. that. Yeah, he, does, he he doesn't even fully understand, of course, any, everything. He just uh, he just knows I play and. Uh, Knows I won a bracelet, and he's aware that uh, I won a lot of money when I won the bracelet. So that's. Uh, so would you teach him how to play? Uh, yeah, I, I, I would. I just, I, I wouldn't want him to attempt to become a poker pro at a young age, though. If, if when he's older, then if, if poker's still going strong, then, and he's already established and you know, made his own money or whatever and then decides he wants to go play kind of similar to what i did that's a well i mean story. that's the funny thing is you know long before the poker boom there were there were guys that grinded out a living playing right yeah and and long after it and you know i think um i, I mentioned it before i think that we're on uh you know poker has been on the downturn for for quite some time and i think it's probably going to continue that way to some extent but it doesn't matter i mean there's still are going to be games running, and there's still going to be people that make some form of a living off of it. Yeah, you know? yeah, there are. And um, but but I, it's just not what it used to be. By no, no, stretch. it's not. It's not. There's. I, I think about this sometimes about the type of games I used to be able to join, and how those are just few and far between now. And, right. Uh, well, I mean, combination of just the. Fad wearing off and the government making it really difficult for people to play. Yeah, and, and that did it. It's gone. And also, just uh, the, the more time that passes, the more good players rise up. Right. To where you you have more and more competition, and then when you have fewer fish, it's it's a one two punch of making the games worse. Right. So that that was, and I I talked about this ten years ago when I was seeing, you know, these really good games. But I was saying I was also seeing a lot of good players appear out of nowhere who I'd never heard of before. And I said, this is going to be a problem with this poker boom. Yeah, we're bringing in a lot of fish, but you're also bringing in people that without the boom would not have found the game. And and this is causing a lot of, uh, just a large number of good players showing up and, and, and rising up through the ranks to become very good. And so then you end up with this big group 
of very good players, and if you don't continue to have a whole lot of fish to support them, then now you have a lot more good players that are still there, and the fish are gone, and then they have to start eating each other. Well, I think the the real catalyst um, was also just the Internet in general. Because I remember there there were some games that I used to play, um, like network games that you can play with uh, with other friends of yours locally, right? And, you know, used to think that I was pretty goddamn good at it, right? And this was right about the time when um, the Internet was becoming a thing where you could start to play games over the Internet and and the, the masses were starting to actually use it. Um, and holy shit, what a wake-up call when you went from playing it locally to playing it online. I mean, people were just fucking outstanding, you know, in comparison. And with a game like poker, the fact that people were able to get in so many hands, were able to use analysis tools, and were able to talk to each other to develop strategy and to really figure the game out. I mean, it just... Literally, in a span of maybe three years, more was learned about poker than in the previous 30. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's true. So, So it's it's the kind of thing where... and, And that's the other people that it brought into the game, is it brought in smart people with good work ethics. Which... I mean, let's be honest. Prior to that, there wasn't a whole lot of that in the poker world, you know, back in like the 80s, that type of thing. You know what I mean? There weren't scientists that were coming in analyzing the game. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know that all, all this uh, analysis and uh, the game theory, all that wasn't, uh, didn't exist all that much. There's a few type of discussions. But also the like type that. of person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Yeah. There's a few type of discussions like that on this wreck gambling poker. And of course, that even in the 80s, that wasn't going on either. But the. There was that, like, in the early 2000s, late 90s, but it was no comparison to today. Right. right. Uh, so, so, okay, here's, here's a suggested topic from FTP Jesus. He's in Arizona. And, uh, and I hope, uh, I've seen on Facebook, he's had a number of health problems recently, so I hope he is uh, feeling better. But anyway, he says, uh, how about discussing the likely hard fork with Bitcoin? Several of the bigger mining groups have moved to mining BTU, which is Bitcoin Unlimited. Uh, already in China. So here's what's going on without getting too much into the technical details. And Bitcoin is... uh, It's been struggling recently. Uh, Right now, uh, Bitcoin is worth 1,038. Its high, somewhat recently, was, was 1,350. And it had a crash after the... uh, Winklevoss twins were unable to get their Bitcoin exchange approved by the SEC. Fell to nine seventy five, then it popped back up all the way to like twelve fifty, twelve sixty, and then it uh, crashed down again as low as like nine forty. Rallied back to a little over eleven hundred uh, yesterday, and now it's at ten thirty eight today. So it's it's not doing all that hot. Well, this is not struggling though. Well, like struggling. If you, if you look at it from the point of view of other major currencies or other. Um, you know, speculative markets. It's not struggling at all. It's actually pretty amazing. The return is pretty outstanding, pretty incredible. Well, really. it, it was for two years, but but since uh, since the last few weeks, it, it has lost about twenty percent of the value. So I it, I was paid Bitcoin for some work that I did, and I was like, ah, fuck it, I'll just hold on to it. And I was paid a certain amount. I think I. It was, they, Probably like $500 a coin, something like that. 
around then. And then it just went down and down and down and down and down and down. It went down to like 200. Yeah. You know? And I was just like, oh, this is fucking ridiculous. So and then it finally got back up to about where, what it was supposed to be. And then I cashed it out. Right? And that was less than a year ago. Right? I think it was probably... Oh, yeah. It's gone a lot. It's gone, for, for two years, it went up straight. But- so less than a year ago. So let's say it's like in May of 2016 that I cashed it out. And then it was... 550 right it's it's almost doubled since then and that's under a year i mean there's no other currency or stock market or anything like that that has doubled in the last year that i'm aware well, of. I mean, no, i'm sure individual stocks have but still well, yeah, in in that sense it's done very well but the problem is in the last uh, few weeks it's it struggled and 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 a big problem here is that there's a number of downsides right now that I, I think are a little bit scary for Bitcoin's future, including what he was talking about with a hard fork. So let, let me explain to people what's going on with this fork and, and some other problems they're having. So first of all, Bitcoin, uh, two big selling points for it that supposedly were making it attractive to the casual user. Number one... Andrew, I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm, i got to pass that. I'm going to hang up okay. And, uh, okay, no problem. and listen, but I'm, I'm interested, so I'm going to be hearing. Okay. Okay. Holy shit! Did Trader Ruski just leave? Yeah, yeah, we mentioned it before. Yeah, he's gone. He just fell. Yeah. Oh, I thought. Oh no, I thought I saw him on the Skype, and then he just disappeared. Like the oh, second yeah, yeah. that I was talking about leaving. Okay. All right, man. Well, th- thanks for having me. I'm just shot. Oh no, that's good. You made it till four a.m., so that's great. All right. Hey, uh, can you wait? Like, uh, why don't you just have dead air for like thirty seconds? Why? I- no. <laughs> uh, no. Never mind. Never mind. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Good night. Bye. All right. That's Calawat. In the East Coast, so he's, it's three hours later for him. He's, it's almost 4 a.m. Here it's almost 1 a.m., so I've still got some energy. So anyway, with Bitcoin, uh, some selling points with it were that it was fast. You can send money, and it's it's very quickly confirmed on the other end, and, and the other person has it. And another big selling point is that it was cheap. The, the fees were very, very low. They were pennies, literally pennies. You'd send, uh, you could send large sums of Bitcoin which could then be traded for money, and pay six cents, seven cents to send it. I mean, what a, that, that's and send it almost instantaneously within a few minutes. I mean, that was, it was great. And up until fairly recently, and I mean towards, yeah, towards like late last year, it remained like that. But in the last few months, the fees have gone up big time, and the transaction times in the last, I don't know, month or two have slowed down. Some people have been waiting like a day for their transactions to complete. Some people are paying more than a dollar at times for transaction fees. Now, if you're sending $1,200 worth of Bitcoin, then a dollar for the transaction is not uh, backbreaking by any means. That's still good. But the problem is you're paying that same dollar if you're doing a small transaction. So if you're sending someone $5 and you got to pay a dollar, that kind of sucks. And that especially discourages merchants who accept Bitcoin, where... If they're doing a whole lot of transactions of like five or six dollars, and they're paying a dollar for each uh, in fees, that starts to become impractical for them. So that's a, that's a complaint already and a valid one. But the the biggest matter of concern, well, actually, there's one other concern that I should mention before I get to the biggest one. China, who pretty much they're really the ones directing the Bitcoin price these days, because that's where most of the volume is. Most of the trading volume is from China. So whatever's happening in China pretty much dictates what the price is going to be. And China has recently 
set down rules that the Bitcoin exchanges, that is the ones that convert Bitcoin to cash and vice versa, can no longer take anonymous customers, that they have to know each and every customer they deal with. They have to go through a know-your-customer procedure and not let anyone do Bitcoin-to-cash and cash-to-Bitcoin transactions anonymously on these Chinese exchanges, which takes away a lot of what people over there were using it for. A lot of them did not want the government seeing how they spend their money or knowing that they've received money, knowing that they're spending money. They, they don't want government interference or monitoring what they're doing in China. So China is now forcing these exchanges to know their customers. So that's going to harm things. Now, the biggest concern, you have all those downsides I just mentioned, but the biggest concern right now is the fork. The fork on the surface sounds like something that would be good for those holding Bitcoin. Basically, there's going to become two different Bitcoins. Or at least that's the plan. There's the Bitcoin you know of, which is still going to be known as Bitcoin, and it's abbreviated BTC. And then there's Bitcoin Unlimited, Bitcoin Unlimited, which is the abbreviation is going to be BTU. Not British thermal units, but Bitcoin Unlimited. And the way the new Bitcoin, Bitcoin Unlimited, is going to be created is by something known as a hard fork, where basically it's going to take an exact copy of when, when Bitcoin Unlimited comes, in, 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 comes to be. They're going to take an exact copy of all of Bitcoin and then branch out from there. To where from that point forward, anything done on Bitcoin Unlimited is only on Bitcoin Unlimited and does not affect the regular Bitcoin, the original Bitcoin. And same the other way. Everything that happens on the regular Bitcoin at that point will not affect Bitcoin Unlimited. So from that point, anything traded, what have you, are separate from one another. But they start out identical and then split off. It's almost like identical twins being born, where they're genetically identical, but from that forward, from that point forward, anything that they do makes them slightly different. So that's what the hard fork is about. So you may think, well, wait a minute, does that mean if I hold a Bitcoin and then there's that hard fork, or does that mean I own a Bitcoin in Bitcoin Unlimited as well? Yes, it does. You will have two Bitcoin, one on regular Bitcoin, the other one on Bitcoin Unlimited. So why wouldn't that be a good thing? Wouldn't that mean that you now have twice the value? If a Bitcoin is worth $1,000 and then Bitcoin Unlimited comes to be and then you have one there too, wouldn't that mean now you have something worth $2,000? You have one of each? The answer is no. Let me tell you what is assumed is going to happen. And again, this is just uh, from analysis from people This is and from observing other cryptocurrencies, smaller ones that have had uh, forks like this. But it is assumed that what's going to happen is that, number one, there's going to be a crash in price. Why? Because the price of a Bitcoin is not something that's fixed or controlled by any kind of outside you know, government or entity. This is something, it's, it, the price is what people are willing to pay for it. A Bitcoin doesn't have any kind of actual value. Its only value is determined from what people are willing to pay you for it if you have one. So everybody holding Bitcoin, they're not stupid. And they realize that once this fork occurs and everybody who currently is holding Bitcoin now has both 
Bitcoin and the equivalent amount of Bitcoin Unlimited, that with twice the number of Bitcoins out there, that a single Bitcoin is not worth what it was anymore. If everybody has two, when they used to have one, then each one should not be worth as much. So you say, okay, well, let's say they do it logically. Let's say that the market takes care of this and that the price falls by half. So let's say uh, Bitcoin's worth 1000 when this happens. Well, who cares? So Bitcoin falls to 500 Bitcoin Unlimited goes to 500 Then They're not necessarily connected, by the way. They're, they're, they're going to operate separately from one another. But what's the big deal? You have one that's 500 one that's 500 You still have worth 1000 the same. You know, who cares? Well, the problem is that there's skepticism whether these two can exist and, and continue uh, without one pretty much completely falling apart. What if the, the miners, the ones who are pretty much running the, the Bitcoin network, who, who are making it go, what if they all defect, or what if a lot of them or most of them defect over to Bitcoin Unlimited? What will happen then? Well, if Bitcoin Unlimited kind of takes over and the original Bitcoin starts to flounder, What's going to happen? Well, the price is going to fall. People aren't going to want regular Bitcoin anymore. So what is assumed is going to occur, and again, this is this is all in theory. It's not proven yet, but this is what's assumed is going to occur, is that initially when the fork happens, there's going to be a crash in price, and that the sum of both of them that you'll now have will not be worth what you had before the fork. And then number two one of the two, either Bitcoin Unlimited or, or Bitcoin, is, is not going to make it or going to lose popularity. And that value is going to crash. And at the same time, the one that doesn't crash is never going to quite recover in price to where it used to be. So everybody who had Bitcoin before the hard fork is going to have Bitcoin that overall is worth less money. So whenever there's this discussion of the hard forks coming very soon, it's going to happen. It's it, you know there's been a threat of this hard fork for a long time now, but it never seems to happen. But now it's it's being discussed that it's really coming very soon. People get nervous and start dumping their Bitcoin because they're like, "Well, I don't want to be holding on to these. Once that happens, I'm going to lose so much value. Screw that. I'm getting out now." And they dump their Bitcoin. There's also the matter of how exchanges will deal with this. The exchanges being the ones that uh, will convert your Bitcoin to cash. How are they going to deal with it? Are they going to recognize both Bitcoin and Bitcoin Unlimited, or are they going to recognize one or the other? So the exchanges have come up with their own rules, and there's concern that's going to wreak havoc. So there's a lot of bad or troublesome news on the horizon with Bitcoin, a lot of things to worry about, all these factors I'm talking about. A lot of downside coming, and not a lot of upside. Not a lot of optimism. The only reason it's as high as it is right now, 1,038, is because it's gone up for two years. People are kind of in denial. People are kind of like, you know, we've heard so many bad things over the years and it just keeps going up. So last two years it's been invincible. So there's people who, every time it falls under 1,000, people who rebuy it and think, look, I'm, I'm doing something smart. I'm, I'm buying it at 940. I'm buying it at 960. I know it's going to go back up over 1,000 and make quick money. So then it starts to creep up again, and then some news comes out that's disappointing, and then uh, it crashes again and rinse and repeat. But 
there there really is a fair potential for a, a very big crash, especially if there's a, this fork where it will not recover. So Bitcoin experiencing a lot of growing pains right now. And we'll see where it goes. Read some other texts here. From the 209. Uh, he says he, he uh, keeps bouncing between the Bitcoin keeps bouncing between a thousand and twelve hundred. Uh, he's buying it at. Uh, he's, he's telling me keep buying it a thousand like right now at twelve hundred like a week from now. I wouldn't necessarily encourage that. I'm not sure if it's going to get back to twelve hundred this time. I hope it does. I'm ho- I'm holding like more than ten of them. From the seven hundred two. Have you drove any of your better handling autos on Angeles Crest Highway, PCH through Big Sur to Monterey, or any curvy road well above the speed limit for fun? You know, it's, I've never been on the Angeles Crest Highway. I, I probably should sometime. There's, there's some interesting places to go there, but I never have. I have been on PCH through Big Sur. I've been up PCH all the way up and down the state of California been a lot of other curvy roads. Have I gone well above the speed limit? Well, no, I, I don't go the speed limit. I'm, I'm always one of the faster cars on the road when I'm driving. But I, I don't go crazy speeds. And if there's any time that I don't speed as much, it's when uh, it's a curvy road. Those just kind of scare me. I just kind of feel like I'm going to, even on a, a car that handles well, I kind of feel like I'm going to, you know, the car loses control, goes over the side. It just feels dangerous to me. Where I'm, I'm much more likely to speed is on a highway where it's not very treacherous and I'm just going fast. I've mentioned this before on this show, but I have a theory regarding safety and driving, which I call the fastest car on the road theory. Now, if everyone used this theory, it wouldn't work, but Everyone won't, so I feel it does. The fastest car on the road theory states that as long as you are not going a reckless speed, where it's actually dangerous, like really dangerous to go that speed, if you're speeding but not recklessly speeding, enough to be the fastest car on the road at the moment, that you gain a safety advantage for yourself. That safety advantage is nothing surprises you from behind. You're, since you're faster than everyone else, no one can come behind you and rear-end you or clip you from the back and make you spin out or anything like that. My parents actually witnessed a crash like that where a car that was speeding clipped a car from the back. It spun out. It hit a center divider on the 15 freeway. And the driver of the one that was hit died. They saw it happen. And had that driver that was hit been driving faster and been faster than the one that came up behind him, this couldn't, this would not have happened. And you may say, well, that's just uh, circumstantial. Well, it was, but when a car zooms by me, that kind of weaves around me, zooms by me, I feel very uncomfortable. I feel like, wow, I'm glad that guy didn't hit me. 
well, I'm, I'm glad he's past me now, and I don't have to worry about him. Like that's what I think because it's it's very unnerving to have something come up behind you, and you have to count on them to avoid you. But if you're the fastest car, then you, it's in your power to avoid them. It's in your power to drive the way you feel comfortable. It's within your power to know your limits, to know what you can do, what your car can do, what you can't do. You're in control. You're not surprised by other people. The reckless and bad drivers, you see them in front of you and you can avoid them. They don't come up from behind and get you. Unless they're like really, really fast, then they do. But that's not that common. Even drunk drivers. You come up on them, they don't come up on you. I've had it before, especially late at night where I'm driving and I see a noticeably drunk driver ahead of me. So I think, okay, what do I do? Do I hang behind him? Do I uh, go over as much to the side to get away from him and go by him? Or do I just gun the engine to zoom by him? as fast as I can so he can't sideswipe me or anything. But I, I can see him. I can decide what to do, what I think is the best course of action. And if I, if I still feel uncomfortable, I can just hang behind him. But if the drunk driver is approaching you, well, good luck. So now if everybody did this, everybody tried to be the fastest car, we'd have a, disa- a disaster here. But everybody doesn't. Everybody never will. So... I actually feel safest driving that way. Okay, so that was from 702. I'm not sure what he's referring to here. He said, God, that was fucking embarrassing. I don't know what was embarrassing. Hopefully it wasn't anything I said. From the 505, you know who thought Doug Polk was a douche? Lyman. (laughs) Well, we know that. And... I had asked on Poker Fraud Alert before that what site can one use if they're a sports better to quickly look up stats? I'll tell you what made me think of this, and I've thought of this before. Sometimes I want to look up something about a certain team and their, their performance recently against the spread or the over-under. and It's so hard to find just like where it's laid out very easily where you can see these things. So I posted on Poker Fraudler, why is it so fucking hard to find a site where you can quickly list the results of teams against the spread or over-under? So this guy says, go to statfox.com. There's others that I use, but it has a monthly cost. For what you're using it, statfox should be perfect. So like what I wanted to use it for recently was... The Lakers, when they have bad years, which has been pretty much every year recently, the 2010s have not been kind to the Lakers, which is too bad. I'm a, I'm a Lakers fan, but I, I, I don't watch them. I mean, they're pathetic. They're one of the worst teams in the NBA, the second worst in the NBA. So I noticed in some of these bad Laker years, like really bad years, such as this one, towards the end of the year, they just go completely in the toilet in defense like completely in the toilet, where they're just giving up massive numbers of points against everyone they play. So I was like, you know, let me look at this. I want to see how they're performing compared to the over-under and see how often they're going over, because maybe making over bets on the Lakers just 
hitting over, 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 and thinking not much about it every game for the rest of the season, which isn't that long now. This regular season is almost over. Maybe that's a good thing to do, but I, I couldn't find a site that I could just look at this easily, for the, look at like the last 20 games and see what the Lakers have done against the over-under. So this guy's claiming statfox.com. I haven't checked it, but thank you for that. From the 618, pre-registration now open for WSOP. Well, thank you for that information, but I'm not going to be using it. The pre-registration scares me. There's, there's too many bugs and problems with it. Lines to convert your pre-registration to a registration. If you could just pre-register and print your own registration ticket and then just show up to the event, that would be great. I would love that. Unless there was a fee, then I wouldn't love it. But if you could do it without a fee and then just print your own registration ticket, then I'd love that. That would be great. They should have that in this day and age. But you have to still convert your pre-registration to a registration, as far as I know. And sometimes there's a huge line for that. Sometimes the system's having issues. I have a seven-star card anyway. I can use the diamond seven-star room to register for events. The line is never too long in there, so I don't have a need to pre-register. Now, if you're not a diamond or seven-star, maybe do the pre-registration for some of these really, really busy events like the Monster Stack or uh, the Millionaire Maker, especially the uh, the Colossus. Some of these other cheap tournaments that you know are going to have a massive number of people. But honestly, if you just go down there at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. the night before, it's open to register. It's open 24-7. And there's rarely a line then. That, that's the best approach. Just don't ever show up the day of an event that's going to be popular, even semi-popular, and try to register then. Like, Don't show up at 11 a.m. or 11.30 a.m. for a 12 p.m. event and try to register. You're going to have a massive line. Massive. That that can only work if, you, if you're registering for an event that is not popular, and even then you may run into a huge line for other events because there's not a line for each event. There's just a line for registration, period. There's one registration room, that's a general registration room, and there's a Diamond 7 Stars registration room. That's it. So in general, it's good to go on off hours to register. So... I think we're... Uh, I think we're done here. Any river phone call you guys want to call, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, oh. are you speaking Hawaiian? No, I bit my tongue. I always heard that music can soothe the savage beast. Now I believe it. Yeah, good thing the lion learned to sing. Stallone would have killed him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they say all good things come to an end. What's that got to do with this show? <laughs> I think that's a good way to end this show. So, we'll be back next week, March 29th, for our fifth show of the month of March. Sixth show, if you count the live one we did on Sunday. 
we may have to change our schedule the following week. So I may be busy on Wednesday, April 5th. I may have to move it to Thursday, April 6th, but we'll have a show that week. So I'll let you guys know. But definitely next week we'll have a show on March 29th on Wednesday at our normal time. We've been starting closer to 8 recently. Well, actually, this this week we started at 9. But next week we'll have our free roll again. Because I assume Belly Buster's going to fix the No Fraud Online Poker Room. Unless he's going on strike. Maybe he's mad at Larry Laffer or something and he's going on strike. I don't know. I hope he's not. And I'd have to pay my own Jew gold to run that room. It's nice when he just does it. Let's see if he even woke up and wrote me a little PM back. Nope. Well, hopefully we'll hear from him soon and the No Fraud Online Poker Room can come back up. Thank you to CalWatt for co-hosting once again late, late into the night in upstate New York. Thank you, Trader Ruski, for joining us during the time he was here. I noticed we got some phone calls. We just didn't get them at convenient times. And then when I said you guys can call, then nobody called. You guys always want to call at the wrong time. But I saw there's some calls coming in. I apologize to those whose calls I could not take. That is all for this week. We'll be back seven days from now. Good night. And Shalom.